To so many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. And that's the thing, is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces, year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family that you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do than be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. I've brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball, they love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, now part of the Unconfined Network. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. Hello again, everybody. Joe Flaherty here to quickly set up a series of special features here on Mistaken Identity. By now, since we're deep into season two of the show, we've interviewed plenty of supervisors and managers, both past and present, from the friendly confines. And we wanted to package up a few at a time and release some extra long episodes about once a month or so so that these episodes can reach as many ears as possible. So, for the inaugural recap episode, I let my own bias get the best of me. Here's a collection of episodes featuring some of the most influential people around me during my time at Wrigley Field, and we'll start with none other than Corey Robinson, who inspired me to become a supervisor in the first place. Then we'll hear from my good old concourse buddy, Daniel Feingold, and kick it up to dispatch with Mike Kincaid. And finally, we'll wrap with Floyd Nix, who was a Wrigley father figure to myself and so many others. So I hope you enjoy the first installment of these recaps because we have plenty more in the works. And a quick side note, all these older files still have the intro music and disclaimers and advertisement reads attached to them. So you can make liberal use of the fast forward button if you want to get straight to the content. Enjoy. The 2-2 pitch.
and welcome to Fanatics Friday on the Mistaken Identity Podcast, brought to you by Fanatics, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Head on over to the show notes to gain access to the worldwide leader in licensed sports merchandise from all of your favorite teams, and be on the lookout for your chance to win some free items. Now, here are your hosts, Frank and David. back yes we're back with another fanatics friday edition of mistaken identity podcast with david and frank i am neither i am jill flaherty um i know frank and david usually get to some housekeeping notes before we get into our guests but i caught the big fish today guys i got notes i'm geeked i want to get right into who we got because this is my guy this is a future music mogul the master of handshakes and a dogecoin aficionado you might know him as Ray Benso on Facebook, but I know him as an all-around good dude. It's Corey Robinson. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? How you doing? Just chilling. Uh, it was it was too hot here, so it had to start raining here in Miami. So um, if the lights <laughs> flicker in the background, it's because the power went out. <laughs> um, but we're we're gonna try and power through. We had we had Zoom not wanting us to win. We had Zencaster not wanting us to win. But we're gonna power through. So yeah, um, Zoom didn't like me today at all. Nah, Zoom doesn't <laughs> Zoom doesn't like anyone. I don't know how they're still. They they put that product out and they don't they don't update a thing. Um, but uh, what what's keeping you busy these days, man? Outside of uh, man. you know ten sixty. Oh, you know ten sixty West. Uh, you know they 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 keep me they keep me busy these days, but I'm also working uh, for the Harris Theater still. You know, doing security down there. Uh, not too much is going on, but um, just mostly trying to get you know get back in tune. Just get in tune with myself, get in tune with my mind. You know, get my, get my mind right, my body right, so I can uh, tackle things head on. Clear clear mind, clear set, clear conscience. Feel you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Got to take care of the mental. I know you got exactly. your uh, your hands in a lot of creative ventures uh, that we'll be looking for in the future, which I'll get to in a little bit. But since this is uh, the genesis of our relationship, you could say, is Wrigley. And this is a podcast about uh, behind the scenes at Wrigley, basically the people behind the uniform, so to speak. So I want to take it all the way back to, I'm assuming, high school age Corey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and fill me in because I don't know if I actually got this information from you since we've been knowing each other. But uh, how did you actually come in contact, like with the Cubs, with the job opportunity? Like, were you a big baseball head like me and wanted to carry that over? Were you even a Cubs fan? Like, get into that a little bit. So, the uh, funny thing is, and and this it might come as a shock to some people. It may come as a shock to none, but. Uh, uh, I actually did. I wasn't really into baseball too much. I was a football guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, always, always followed the Bears. But the opportunity came in 2008 when uh, my teacher, who was also a former uh, supervisor, Nancy Sullivan, I'm just going to do a quick plug there. Uh, Nancy Sullivan, she um, she brought some applications to the ball to the to the high school to school Dunbar, where I went to, and. Uh, 
she wanted to know if anybody wanted to, you know, wanted to work. And I was like, Hey, I need a job. I've never worked, <laughs> never had a job before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I'm like, I know nothing about Wrigley. I know nothing about the Cubs. So I was like, why not take the opportunity? Uh, my mom, however, knew more about the team than I did because she grew up watching games mm-hmm. and she, and, and with her, with her dad and, and my grandma and, um, so that that was just kind of something that got me interested. So the rest is just kind of history, man. I just filled, filled, out, filled out the application and went from there. I didn't know, first of all, Nancy was your teacher yeah. at, at Dunbar. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. What is she like? <laughs> uh, I mean, we love Nancy. We know her from her time at Wrigley, and I think she's in Japan now. Um, yes, she is. Big yeah, adventures. We, we had her on the show and, and she's living it up out there. But how what, what was she like as a teacher? Oh, uh, man, uh, I absolutely adored her as a teacher, man. She uh, she kept it straight and to the point with us. Um, she also it was a point in time when she would she would tell the class, I'm not going to teach you because I was in a cl- I was in a class with a lot of students that was like uh, very into not learning, wanted mm. to wanted to hang out and just do do nothing. It's a very uh, nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and she she was more so along the lines of, I can go the route of saying, "Hey, I'm already paid, I'm I'm already here," but she was like, "You know what? I'm just not going to teach you. If you want to learn, you can come up front, mm-hmm. and I'll teach you. But if you don't want to, you can stay in the back of the classroom." So, about her being like selective, um in her approach with uh with teaching a, a very difficult group of people group of young individuals rather i would say um i would say she handled that with grace and, and class and, and and it and it obviously carried over into wrigley because you know she was su- such an adored member of the team for so long so uh yeah by by that by that chance man it was just uh she was somebody that I kind of looked up to. And one of the reasons why I wanted to become a supervisor, one of the main reasons actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally uh, appreciate that approach of like, meet me halfway, especially when you know, like you kind of know the deal. Like, Absolutely. I know it's like touchy to hit it on the nose when you approach like a, a high school class and be like, all right, yep. well, <laughs> some of you care, some of you don't, no one will come out and say it, but like, I totally get that. And then like, you could kind of tell that approach too, and what she and you, and then eventually me, I guess we were able to like kind of lead as supervisors kind of that way, because like, I think all three of us, if we knew you weren't like about it like that, like we kind of be like, all right, well, yep. <laughs> like we can only okay. do so much. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm, you could you could lead a horse, bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. You know, one of those things. Um, do you remember uh, if she was in your first interview? Like, do you remember like what that scene was like in your first interview? So actually, no, man. Uh, she didn't interview me at all. Um, I was actually interviewed by Gene Sims and Marty Moore okay. for my very first interview. And let me tell you, if you've ever if you're listening to this podcast and you've done an interview with Wrigley recently, you'll see it's, it's very upscale. It's very, you know, very pristine, almost looking. Um, but when I came, it was, uh, you come in through the location, which was known as gate K at the time. You checked in with whoever was working, which was typically the events, event staff. And we were guided to the Cub clubhouse. 
mm. where we would uh, go and sit down, sort of like a sort of the way they do interviews now, like this, like, like the speed dating type thing. But mm. it was you sat down, and these were the two people you sat with for the entire time. And I sat down with Gene, and who was very young at the time, and uh, Marty, you know, the professor. And it, it was just like I. It was almost kind of like a like the universe working intertwined because I, I was referred by a teacher and then I was interviewed by two other teachers mm-hmm. and, you know, to sort of, you know, get, get my, get my bearings, but just coming into the clubhouse, man, just seeing that for the first time, uh, nothing what it, what, what it is now, like the, the, the party, the party it is now, it was just this really small sort of slightly well-lit room, you know, uh, some some a couple raunchy wood benches and some good folding chairs, and we just kind of sat around and we're like, we're, we talked for a little bit, and then the second interview was a panel of people: Julius Farrow, Danielle Alexa, Russell Johnson. They just kind of threw questions out there to you as a group, and the way you stood out was you raised your hand and responded to the questions when they asked, and that's what kind of got you hired because mm-hmm. it just showed that you know, you would, you were proactive, you were able to be proactive in any, you know, given situation, even when slight pressure would apply. Yeah. yeah. Or, or at least that like you had a t- like a take on what they were offering as a scenario. Cause I remember like being in that, that little room. Um, I think they changed it to like the vending cashier room eventually, but like right by gay t- K you were talking about, that's where I had absolutely yep. my, my group interview too. And I remember them, uh, Danielle Alexa asking a question like, uh, oh, you have a fan who's like up and out of their seat every single pitch, like blocking the view of someone behind them. Like, what yep. do you do in terms of a pro? And I think I, I, I don't even remember what I, I said. You probably go and advise them that like the people behind them pay just as much money for this experience and like absolutely have any decency you want to. And they'll be like, well, what if, what if? And then if you're willing to engage them, Meaning, like, if you want to stick to your guns or learn from what you offered, I think that was like the biggest thing that let them know, like, yeah. you actually would be applicable, like, in the field, like, for real. Like, it, you don't want to just be like, huh, <laughs> and then keep it moving, you know? For like, sure, for sure. So, if there's if there's any uh, aspiring uh, Cubs game day staff people out there, that that's a, a big tip that we saw as a through line for for <laughs> what we had in our group. Um. I, I like how you say like the rest is history because that's kind of how it feels to me too. What your first year was like, Oh eight. Um, yeah, my first 08. Year was, was 10. And then like, we kind of moved up sequentially and it feels like, Oh, that's all in like the natural process. Yeah. Um, but what really motivated you to start moving like kind of up through the ranks? Cause I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, I took you to the side in the bleachers the day you became a supervisor. And I told you, I'm going to try and do the same thing because like, you're the example for me. And I appreciate that because like you give me something to strive for here. Um, so what was like that thing for you that pushed you to kind of like rise up through that? Um, well, I, I worked as an usher for four years. So no, mm-hmm. three, three years, three years, uh, the t- 2008 season, 2009 season, 2010 season. Um, and while I was an usher, I was like, man, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun doing that, uh, scanning tickets, uh, passing out the promos, 
mm-hmm. uh, helping out, you know, the uh, accessible patrons who needed, you know, who needed the wheelchair runs, like wheelchair runs. Very, very, very good, good way to interact with patrons and uh, a good way to get a little uh, extra on the side if you, if you feel me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lift something, something. Uh, but no, like, I, I, I did that for three years. And after three years, I was like, man, I feel like I want to do something different. I want to do something else. You know what I'm saying? So for a while, I was like kind of shy. I shot away from looking, going into crowd control because that was what it was called at the time, crowd control. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll move I'll move up into it. So uh, the, seat, the year that I moved up into crowd control was uh, 2011. And uh, 2011 was the season when we got the two-tone shirts, the Solo Cup, uh, those branded shirts. Uh, and that was right after we had the old school cotton heavy polo tees, the blue ones for the ushers, white ones for crowd control. So, uh, you know, I, I, I moved up. I moved up to security because I wanted to do something different. I wanted a different, I wanted a new challenge. And I did that for three years. And after three years, again, I was like, okay, let me see if I can do it again. So fun fact, 2014 was the first season that I applied for supervisor. Um, Got all the way through the end of the process, but I did not get it the first year around. Um, And they just told me because I needed, I, I needed another, another season. Uh, to grow a little bit more, to get more under my belt. Um, uh, and oh, fun fact, uh, 2013, I won the Security of the Year Award. So that was another thing that kind of pushed me. I was like, yeah, I, I'm done. I'm done with security now. Like, I've already got the award. Yeah, like set. I got this. Yeah. Right. You know, so easy. But it didn't happen. So in 2015, I, I finally moved up. And consequently that was uh, a, a hell of a ride because right. that's when they got good mm-hmm. and uh and like we were just saying the rest is kind of like history right yeah, yeah. i um it's kind of parallel to you i mean obviously like with your moving up as like a guide for me i was like all right it's, it's accessible like i appreciate and think I could kind of replicate the kind of leadership you bring because that that's what really made a difference for me I was like all right he like lets me do my own thing he'll give me like constructive feedback but he'll always have my back so if I could approach leadership the same way I felt like I could and then when I applied like you talk about like the good timing you come up 2015 I come in 2016 we end up with 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 good rings out of it um but my 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 uh my motto for anybody approaching me in like 2015, even when I was probably second year uh, security, I was like, man, I don't want those problems. Like that was like my motto whenever it was like, Oh, you should go for supervisor, supervisor. And if it wasn't for like you making that jump, I wouldn't have considered it as seriously. Cause I was like, I don't want no smoke. And, <laughs> and then the year that I, or maybe the year after maybe 2017, um, is when they started to do like the promo distribution in a different way. And in my head, I was just like, this is exactly what I was talking about because that was like the biggest, (laughs) I don't even know if I could use the appropriate words here to explain what that was, but a kerfuffle, 
It was a yes. kerfuffle. Yeah. Indeed a kerfuffle. Um, yeah. But let's let's get past the kerfuffles and, and get to some of the <laughs> some of the good um experiences that we had with the good timing we had. I want to know because Frank asks everyone, I already know the answer to this question, uh, and you'll see why. But where were you when the Cubs won the World Series? Oh man. Game seven. It was a it was a hefty night at Durkins. We were yeah. at Durkins. Uh, it, I think it was me, you, Alex Didi's, Blake, uh, Charles. Si- like it was. It was I want to say we were at least thirty thirty deep, mm-hmm. at least thirty deep in Durkins, and we had the bag bar sold out, pretty much. And I remember the I remember the final out happened. I'm standing in the front bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the front, in the, in the in the final out happened, and the the bar erupted. I stood there like in in just complete shock for like I say about a good five minutes, mm-hmm. and then once I came to because I got splashed with beer, I was like, oh snap! I gotta go to the back. I gotta go mm-hmm. to the back. So I go to the back, and I see Blake, and I find you. Mm-hmm. And right after I find you, we we freaking we just hugged it out for like. A solid twenty minutes, like Easy. tears. It was man, it was it was hella emotional, but it was good. It was good. It was a good night. Man, I remember my initial reaction, like when that last out hit. For like, waterworks immediately. But then I was like, "Where's Corey?" And like, I started running around, and I thought, like, by the backs of people moving around, I thought some of them were you. So I just started hugging random people. And then like people would turn around and be like, Oh, who are you? And then I was like, ah, and I I went to find you. And then I started like jabbing you in the stomach, just crying. I'm like, we did it. We did it. Um, Cause like another part of why you were so uh, influential on my experience at Wrigley was because, you know, unfortunately we lost our mothers in the same season. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, there were more times than I could count where you kind of picked me up out of some stuff, like while we were at Wrigley, um, just with like the right thing to say, the right kind of guidance. Um, so I thought like, I need to go and appreciate this with someone who kind of understands what spot we're in. Absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of carried over to parade day too, because me, you and Nick heard who, you know, also mm-hmm. lost his mother. Uh, did, previously, yep. we all got to get that photo with the trophy, kind of uh, in homage to them. Um, and we said we were going to do it that season. Remember? Yeah. We all said we all said we were going to do it. It was right around the All Star break too. We were cocky. Um, yeah. Oh, very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on that note, on parade day, because like, I, I feel like there's so many like behind the scenes stories when we have our guests from Wrigley come on, like who were at that parade that just don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like tea from parade day or just like any interesting uh, experiences from like the trolley you were on, the people you were with or like the after party and all that? Oh, man. Uh, the day, the day, the day honestly was a blur, but I do remember uh, Jason Hayward and Kyle Hendricks getting, getting on the wrong bus because <laughs> they got on the bus with uh, with basically most of the supervisors i was on a bus sitting with uh stanley eric Halstead, and uh 
there was another uh, another player that was on the bus. Oh, um, uh, ben Zobris was on the bus with us. Oh, nice. So it was funny when Hendricks and, and Hayward got on the bus, but they got on, they were like, it's the wrong bus. He was like, well, Hayward was like, I'm just trying to find the bus with the beer. So it's not going to be on this bus. So I'm going to get off this bus, go to the next bus. So they go to the next bus, and he looks over at us and said, this bus ain't got no beer either. <laughs> so, you know, it was it's one of those those moments where I was like, you know, these guys are real regular guys, mm. real chill guys. They're just enjoying themselves. Um, as far as me, though, uh, <laughs> the, I just I, I just had to soak up that entire day for what it was. And it was it's kind of hard to, like, pinpoint specific moments yeah that 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 you had but i will say the one thing that gave me chills was arriving to wrigley and seeing those buses Mm -hmm. sit outside seeing all those people and then getting on the bus pulling pulling away from the ballpark and riding around and seeing a sea of people everywhere like made me feel like i was on the field Right. Made me feel like I played, you know, mm-hmm. and ridiculous, man. Like it was just, it was a ridiculous time. It was a once, like once in a lifetime thing. You oh, know, yeah. not many people can say that they, they they got a chance to do that, it's, and we and we got that. Especially like in retrospect, now that we you know know the direction of the team at the moment, uh, yeah. Like just how lucky we were. That's wild. Like when you said showing up, I think like. I feel like the day peaked when we showed up and then got better somehow. Yeah. Um, Cause like we got there, it was early call too. Like we were out there at like 8 AM or something and the sun is rising. Cause it's November at this point. Oh, by the way, oh. it, was seven, uh, it was like in the seventies that morning. Oh, you know, that's right. It was, cause it was hella sunny. Right. I had on that hot sweater. I was like, first of all, God got us. Second of all, um, we showed up and it's an empty ballpark. And the video board says like World Series champion, and you see the W flag in the sunrise. I was like, "This is a movie. Uh, like this, <laughs> this doesn't happen." No, um, it doesn't. So then we we get on our buses. I got on with Theo and Jed, um, and the bus in front of us I think was Lester and Lackey, which will be important in a second. But like you said, just having like the whole city kind of shut down and watching you was like something I could have never anticipated. Like people were like crying and yelling at me as if, if as if we were players you know because like, we're just standing on there people i think you're you know on the field or, like, All right, yeah. might, as, might as well I roll um, with it. <laughs> and so we get to like we're pulling into millennium park i have a video of the first part of this and like you said the sea of people i've never like there's people shoulder to shoulder to the horizon of like when you're down michigan avenue that way like for miles and I was like, that took my breath away, first of all. Then we turn right by Millennium Park, and there's that, like, overpass. Yeah. And so, obviously, everyone's still standing up. And, like, we start telling everybody. Because, like, I guess the one function we were there to do was, like, tell people to stand up or sit down. Um, and they're We like, did none of that. No. But at this one juncture, I was like, oh, my telling people to sit down is going to be great. Um, because they like could have legit hit their heads on the, on the overpass. Yeah. And so we're like relaying to all the buses, like, Hey, sit down when we get through the bridge and stand back up, whatever. John Lackey is not 
sitting down. And so we're like, hey, that's bad. And so we're trying to get the attention of the bus in front of us, like sit, sit. And Lackey's looking back at us. And I'm like, no, 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 like look that way and sit down. And so like he starts sitting down and he was wearing a cowboy hat and it like started to get taken off by the overpass. Like he had his hat like knocked off by like the overpass or some wire or something up there. I'm like, dude, this could have been a whole lot worse. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. And um, but yeah, that's probably and then the trolley ride back to Wrigley and then the trophy and all that. Yeah, I, I, love, I love how I love how we're so like flip about, oh, yeah, like the trophy and like the celebration. And um, <laughs> we're just like, oh, all nonchalant about it. Like, yeah, you know, the trophy, you know, the fireworks on the field and then the after party. Yeah. Like we were at the Metro with the whole team. But like, yeah. yeah. Um, and execs. No big <laughs> kids, kids these days. will never know. They'll um, never understand it. So from I know another like Corey special at Wrigley was like just being in your orbit around the convention. Um, and I want to know if you have any like conventions. So first of all, which hotel was better? Um, because I know they changed. Was it from the Marriott to the Hyatt? We went from uh, we went from the Hilton, the Hilton. To, the, to the Sheridan. Okay, I was way off. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hilton to the Sheridan. Yeah, so the Hilton was like much more intimate, I yeah. guess. Like the Sheridan was like really baller status, and they have like everything attached to it for like I guess the player amenities. But like, which is your preference there? Well, so the Hilton had more space as far as like festivities. Uh, the Sheridan just looks good mm-hmm. in my in my opinion. Is it's far. Uh, it's far smaller for a venue because, you know, you, you, you know, have a convention there. It seems every level is just jam packed with people hard yeah. to move around, you know? Um, but working at the Hilton, you know, you didn't quite have those problems because it, it was enough space. It was a lot of space because yeah. it, it was a historic building. See the Sheridan's fairly new, a fairly new ish building. So it's like, it was built with modern ties in mind and, you know, things like that. Um, but as far as like just the parties itself, like, first of all, if, if you, if you know the convention prior to like, I want to say 2012 mm-hmm. or 2013, um, you know, the one thing you looked forward to was the party. Right. And there was, there was a party that they threw, which has been, horrifically replaced by bingo but uh (laughs) like just obliterated a good time but the party was good because you could you know you had staff season ticket holders convention goers everybody was in there just having a good time and partying and that that you kind of built camaraderie prior to the season starting because guaranteed within that first homestand you're going to run into a couple of people like, hey I, I remember seeing you at a convention you know yeah. and that that is one of the main things that i loved about convention that that party you got to you know got to mingle with everybody uh you reestablish that family aspect mm-hmm. um as far as my individual party like as far as like you know uh the hotel rooms yeah that was the headline event Oh man, look, <laughs> man, it's let me tell you, uh, I just like to have a good time, and I know that that's that's the one, uh, that's the one time a year 
where you're guaranteed everyone's going to get loose. Well, actually two. You get that time of year, and then you get the end of the season party, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But uh, the end of the the end of the, the the beginning of the year is like it's like the beginning of the year party. It's basically the kickoff. Yeah. So I view kick I view convention as that that that, that new year. I view it as the new year right. for us. Um, so I treat it as such, man. We just party, have a good time. There was one time I disappeared on everybody at the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was still when I was still dating uh, Nidra, Nidra right. Slaughter, I don't remember. Um, but we both disappeared from the party, and it was and it was because yeah, it was just too much. <laughs> it was a lot going on. There was a lot of people were drinking, so we disappeared, got food while everybody was still up there trashing the room. But it was cool. It was it was a good time. Everybody enjoyed themselves. Nobody got hurt. Right. Yeah. You know? uh, apologies to Sheridan. Um... My fault. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, all invoices, please, please address them to Corey Robinson. Um, yeah, absolutely. I got no money though. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, end of the season parties, then. Um, like when you're talking about, so for my my convention and end of season party reference started kind of late. Like I only went to them after I would say 2013. Um, I didn't go like early on, but yeah. I, I I missed out for sure. Um, but end of season parties, I'm trying to remember the last one I went to, um, it had to have been the one in 2016, but I forgot where it was. Was that, at, uh, um, it was at old crow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was the last one I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we had the trophy there. We had the multiple levels. Um, it was a lot more space at the concert, the band on stage there. Yeah. Yeah. So you got any stories from end of year parties or, or is that not PG enough? Oh no, not for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's the end of the year party. That's a different, that's a different beast. Right. Um, but I will say um, for anyone who is a rookie and uh, looking forward to the party, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fun because like I said about, the convention convention gets the year started the end mm-hmm. of this end of the year party is self-explanatory it's the end of the year it's a party we're going to treat it as such because realistically some of these people you're not going to see for a few like six months yeah you know uh and then some you'll stay in contact with some you may not see it at all you know some people just may not come back so you know you, you take that opportunity to kind of hang out because you know personnel changes year by year mm-hmm. um and I think that's one that's the one thing that makes the end of the year party so special. Because like the one in 2019 that we just recently had, that was probably, and I think a lot of people will agree that it's probably one of the best ones that we had because we were pretty much given free reign of the ballpark. We yeah. could go every we literally could go everywhere. Clubhouse, visitors clubhouse, dugouts, field, mound, uh uh, press box scoreboard just we, we we had free reign of everything and uh run of show yeah full run of show full run of show um and it was a good time it was a great a great way to end off the year so uh, hopefully it's something that they'll do for us again uh on a on a, on a like a larger scale because you know you got quite a few people that's looking forward to it 
Right. Yeah. I mean, especially like in regards to that, like I wasn't there. I left in 2017, but I would have to think like we had, we had a mid season party too. I remember one year we, we got, we kind of had like use Wrigley as your playground kind of approach. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously that's really cool, but um, low key, like if you get a chance to like walk around with no people in it, you could kind of catch your bearings a little better and understand how to approach things when you don't have the sight lines, when you, when you have people in front of you, when you are exactly what kind of shortcuts can I take? What's my best route of entry and exit? Like all of these things that like play on your security mind, you could kind of scope it out like batting practice almost. Yep. Um, Yep. Outside of the fact that it's just completely dope to be able to like, Hey, I'm on the mound. Um, (laughs) But uh, all right. So let's transition a little bit to, um, me selfishly, I don't know if you listen to this podcast um, frequently, but I do a segment called Headlines and Hot Takes. So right. selfishly, so I don't have to record twice, I'm going to go through it with you because I okay. know you're, you're probably in tune with a lot of the stuff I'm about to talk about. So okay. we're going to touch on how much have you heard about what's going on with Javi Baez out in New York? Oof. Uh, it's been rough because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I get it. New Yorkers are, are a different breed when it comes to sports. And if, if they're not rocking with you, they're, they're not rocking with you and they're going to let you know. Mm. We, we don't like it. So, but Javi, Lindor, and someone else, uh, they, when they did the thumbs down, mm-hmm. they uh, all simultaneously just, just thumbs down the crowd. <laughs> See, the thing is, I'm not, I'm not bitter about it because I'm like, I think it's good banter. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, you had it where fans and, and, and players would spit back and forth mm-hmm. because I mean, Hey, if you can dish it, you can, if you can take it, you can dish it. And if you can right. dish it, you can take it. So it's, it's vice versa. And I think it's overall good for the sport because it gets the fans more engaged, whether they're booing or, or, uh, or they're cheering. And I forget who said it, but they said, if they're booing, if they're, if they're booing you, that means you, 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 you matter. Like right. you have a, you got a, a following behind you and they have to care enough to not like you. Mm-hmm. Like if they don't, if, if they don't pay attention to you, if they don't cheer anything, they don't say anything that, yes, you're nobody. Right. But you know, we all know Javi and we all know what Javi can do and what he's capable of. We all know the kind of guy Javi is. Um, can he be a hothead? For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'm not soft to you about it. I, I feel like, it, the fan this is what new york does hell chicago mm-hmm. chicago fans can be ruthless yeah you know you see it when they when when you have shows like wwe come and they hijack the crowd and you know and and, and things like that um but i i, I don't know I'm, I'm i'm indifferent about it i feel like it's good for the sport right yeah i mean i i'm not gonna lie i kind of love it like because i went to on my birthday the Mets were playing the Marlins it was right after Javi got traded I'm like I gotta go see my boy so we went to the game and we're like right off the Mets dugout so we're surrounded by Mets fans and I understand I'm gonna try and put this nicely I understand that like they've been going through it and they got a big payroll and they got big expectations but buddy behind me who apparently was like on a live stream because he's like go follow me uh twitch whatever blah 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 who thought he was like king of Marlins Park for no reason? Um, <laughs> started off like 
super comically like, oh, the best team ever. We're going to totally, we're winning the East, blah, blah, blah. By like the middle of the first inning, it was still nothing, nothing. And he starts like going on a nine inning rant about how (laughs) the worst team I've ever seen, like booing people loud, like, cause there's no one in Marlins park. So everything he said, the players could hear, they were turning around looking at him. So I'm like, if you're getting that, times 40,000 at home games. Of course, if you're a player in a pennant race, like trying your best, because I legitimately as like Javi and Francisco and other guys are trying, like, it's not like they're just dogging it. Like, I, I I love to see this, like, Hey, you boo me. I'm going to boo you. Uh, like do better because you want me to do better. I want you to do better. Exactly. It's like a give and take. Um, I actually, I, I really, pre- and, and it's really interesting to, I'm reading on the athletic now that like the Mets are in a little bit of a culture shock with Javi because he comes with all of the air of like, oh man, El Mago, like this guy is a stud, which he can be, but like the New York crowd who just met him is not going to give him as much leeway for when things don't go well as like nope. the Cubs fans who have been in love with him for six years. Like there's, there's a very much like one of our favorite sons, like, Oh, we'll let him get through the bad and only (laughs) celebrate the good. Like if Cubs fans were booing him, I would almost similarly enjoy him giving a thumbs down to us. And we'd be like, ah, I got to take stock in my fandom and like understand what I'm doing here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yes. Yes. Accountability. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, quickly before we get off baseball, would you like, Personally, would you like to see any of those any of those guys come back? Um, selfishly, I would love to see them all come back. To the right. truth, uh, just to get the core back together, uh, just to just to see what they can do. Um, but I would personally like to see Rizzo come back. Mm-hmm. Only reason why is because I was I was there when he became our everyday first baseman. Right. You know, so like watching him leave as a fan and as an employee kind of, you know, left a bad taste. Yeah. You know, especially watching the way that it was handled. But mm-hmm. Rizzo, for sure, I would love to see him see him come back. Yeah. I get- KB, I feel like he's better off. Yeah. Um, I get the vibe that Rizzo might come, since he's a Florida boy, he might come down. The Marlins are on the rise. They got pitching for days uh, and <laughs> they don't necessarily have an opening at first base, but I think he'd kind of trade the idea of being closer to home and maybe playing a little less. Cause if the DH comes to the NL two, they could just move their existing first baseman to the DH and have Anthony play every day. Um, yep. I, I think obviously it was the right move to move on from them right now. Um but like you're saying, I think it was handled iffy um, to not have any of those guys get an at bat in their final game was sus um, Sketch. a little bit. And um, I, yeah, I like, like you said, I think KB's in a better situation. Um, Javi's interesting to me, obviously from like a personal perspective is like, you love the guy you want to see him back. Um, he turned down a huge offer previously with the Cubs and was working on, a new one right before COVID hit. Um, 
And he's been struggling enough this year that that'll get pointed out by other teams in free agency. And he probably won't get the money he wants. I think you could legitimately, I'm not saying this will be with the Cubs, but wherever he does go, I could see him getting like a one year kind of like prove it deal. Like we were talking about previously with the idea of like, maybe the Cubs should go get Noah Syndergaard um, yeah, yeah. who just had um, uh, just returned or is returning this month from like an arm injury, which is really delicate for a pitcher. Like give him a, deal with a bunch of incentives and have him try and prove it. I think Javi's setting himself up for that same scenario. Like whatever team goes against him, like you got to prove that you're El Mago again before, you know, we give you the bag. Um, I think that's probably not what Javi wants to hear if he's even listening, which I doubt, but um, I think (laughs) realistically, yeah, realistically, uh, I think they'll probably all, unfortunately, you know, go their own separate ways and we'll get to see them at the 10 year reunion, whenever they're in 2026 or whatever. Um, we can see them at convention when they're all retired. True. True. Yeah. They'll, they'll have spots forever and ever. Um, oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, so absolutely. From uh, let's go to basketball now from baseball. Okay. Um, right. I'll save the, the current Ben Simmons stuff for after this because locally the bulls might be popping uh i want to get your opinion on what they've been able to like how they've been able to restructure that team and what you see them doing coming into next year um i uh for the, i can honestly say and i think you can you can probably agree with me here i can say i'm, I'm a little bit more excited about that bulls basketball mm-hmm. uh overall now versus in the past um because you've, you've got good talent uh i'm a big fan of lonzo ball mm-hmm. because i know he can be a really good player he is a really good player uh and i also like the fact that you went and got a veteran in demar Derozan to help out you still got you know we got was it vucevic mm-hmm. so um and then who's who's the other who's the third one we got oh levine the Levine, yeah, Levine, mm-hmm. big our main guy. That's our mm-hmm. that's our main guy, hands down. Right, you know, uh, Zach Levine is our main guy, and I love the fact that these guys are young. They 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 got that spring in their step. Um, I I, I like Billy Donovan as a coach, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I I love the fact that they they got him when they got him because that that meant he was gonna bring in some talent. Right. He was, he was going – it was inevitable he was going to bring in talent. And this is, what, his second, third season with us? Yeah, I think this will be the second. Yeah, yeah one of the two. I think second. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, this is within your first two to three years and you're mm-hmm. already bringing, bringing big talent in. So it shows that, you know, that the organization is trying to go in a direction that, 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 that wants to win. Yeah. Uh, and And – when like now mm-hmm. um the only thing i'm not convinced on is where we go defensively because you know back in the day we had that the bench mob you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. we had the bench mob we had we had you know people that were able to be six man of the year defensive player of the year you know these these guys that were able to put up 10 12 blocks a game mm-hmm. big guys you know we don't have those guys right that's the that's where i'm i'm, I'm a little iffy yeah, uh, it's going to be a journey defensively. I think uh, <laughs> Lonzo is a good on-ball defender. 
at guard. Yes. I think the money for Caruso you spent as probably your sixth man was that an, another good pickup because yes. then you totally could surround Levine and with good defenders on the perimeter and kind of have him really focus offensively where he makes his money. Um, I think Lonzo too, like Lonzo and DeRozan, obviously Lonzo is younger. Um, you gave him money with the expectation he'll grow into his ceiling, which I thoroughly believe he'll get there. Um, DeRozan, a lot of people have issue with because of the yearly, like he'll get $28 million a year. Um, he's 32 um, and he doesn't play defense and he's a mid range scorer. He doesn't shoot threes, but I think like, you're all of a sudden you're giving Zach a lot of breathing room to not have to be the mid range score or the facilitator anymore or a defender really like Zach can really just kind of open up his offensive game completely because of who you've surrounded him with, whether it's like the pick and roll of Vucevic or shoot, uh, you know, off ball shooter from perimeter or like attack kind of guy. I think the, they're, Pitching their wagon to Levine entirely with this move. Yep. Um, and they have to re-sign him at this point. Um, but you gotta give him a contract. Yeah, 100 percent And I think the t- the Bulls are the only team that could go over the salary cap to give him a max deal, uh, which bodes well for them. Um, I think Patrick Williams is interesting. I think yeah. um between him, Levine, and Lonzo. I think then you add kind of a superstar to that trio, maybe in three, four years, and you have something. Absolutely. Um, I think they're looking more like a middle to lower seed playoff team, but in yeah. relative terms, in, in terms of Bulls basketball, that's a huge win. If you see like a six seed for two, three years, yeah. and then with the promise of like, it'll get better from there. I think uh, that's something that we haven't seen since Derek, maybe Derek and Joakim and Thibodeau mm. and Butler. Yep. Um, Thibodeau's Bulls. Yeah, I um, that's a very welcome change for me. I think it is for you too. Uh, give you give you a reason to kind of be a little bit more invested in the Bulls. Uh, give you, Absolutely, give you something to do over the winter. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, all right. So Ben Simmons. I don't know how much you've been following this, but he could not shoot in the playoffs. Uh, Philly has made it kind of clear that they don't think they could win with him. And he has said he doesn't want to report to training camp in a few weeks. Um, they're looking to get rid of him. I'm not sure you're how much or how familiar you are with the situation, but what's your take on kind of like a guy who was seen so integral to the process, especially in Philly, um, at this point kind of leaving, leaving on terrible terms, or so it would appear? Um, you know, sometimes it happens. And, and, and basketball and and sometimes it's never really at the fault of uh of the organization or the individual i think it's just more of uh the individual wants a little bit more than the organization can or is willing to give them mm-hmm. and that can start to take effect on the person's individual game whereas you know some people will say oh you want to play up just so these other teams can see you, you know what I'm saying? If you can, if you're a player that's capable of scoring 28 a game, he's very capable of scoring 28 a game. 
Like, let's, I mean, it's, Ben Simmons is a, is a good player. Mm-hmm. He's very capable of scoring 28 a game. Mm-hmm. So in his, in his case, it would be one of those situations where, oh, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting anything really what I want. Like, and if it, whether that's communicated or not, I can't continue to throw myself out there going crazy for a team that's not going crazy for me. Yeah. You know, and, and you kind of see it, you kind of, you kind of saw it with Russell Westbrook and OKC. He was there, he was a staple for a while, but it was clear that OKC had no intentions on doing anything to supplement. Yeah. You know, um, it didn't matter going to get Carmelo Anthony when they got him. It, mm-hmm. That didn't do anything. And it's the same thing now with them in, in, in L.A. Uh, ben Simmons is a really young guy. What, I think, what, 23? Yeah, I think 23, 24. 20, yeah. Yeah. 24, yeah. Really young. Got a lot of basketball ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs the right system. And all this is just proving is Philly wasn't the right place for him. Yeah. Um, should the Bulls go after him? Yeah, I say so. Give, 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 get a superstar. Because, you know, Ben Simmons isn't, he's, he's not Huff. You know, <laughs> he's not like people making this make it out to seem like he's oh, okay. Yeah, he had a, a couple bad games in yeah. the playoffs. It happens. Like everybody's not gonna be good every single time. Everybody's not gonna be Jordan. Everybody's not mm-hmm. gonna be Kobe. Everybody's not gonna be LeBron. You know, hell, you're not even gonna be Tim Duncan and 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 his with his prowess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that I think that's just the, the point of it all, man. With Ben Simmons, he just gotta. Stick to his guns, you know, continue to play for him and let his game come out because he faces the same scrutiny that KD faces. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Would you be willing to part with a guy like Zach Levine for Ben Simmons? That, that's the only thing that gives me pause. Now, at that, do I think he's worth the Zach Levine? No. But then again, I don't see Zach Levine as a, like, a top-tier player either. Like I see Zach Levine as a he's definitely top twenty. Okay. I won't say he's like top ten in the league because you know it's so it's it's far more far more of the talented out there that's better. Tell you out of the top like five are still currently healthy, like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, like all these guys, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, all these guys. Um so would I be willing to part? I don't know. I don't. I don't say. I, I don't think I would jump at that directly. I would try to see if there was something else I could move around. But mm. no. Yeah, I think you, you'd probably give you give up a little too much shooting for my because t- you bring you bring Ben to the Bulls. Um, it's great for defense, uh, but great. like I know Vucevic can shoot, Lonzo can shoot a little bit, uh, but then you have I think Ben's always going to run into an issue if he goes to a team with a good big, like, because he's got this current or perceived issue with Joel Embiid in terms of their game being so overlapping almost like Embiid can dominate the post. And if you have Ben not being able to kind of stretch the floor and give him space, he's going to be driving to the basket every time they're going to be like next to each other on almost every possession. I think Ben has to go to a situation where there either isn't, a real 
dominant center already existing on the team, or there's a stretch big, which is why I think, I think Minnesota is trying pretty hard to get him uh, pair pair him with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who's the best shooting center uh, in the NBA at the moment. Um, That makes sense. But I think, I don't know. uh, I think Ben would get a lot of media flack uh, in Chicago. Kind of like Javi going to New York. I think, Maybe Philly's got the he's our favorite prodigal son and doesn't give him quite as much uh, love. Well, I don't think they give him quite as much negativity until just now. Like I think everyone, like the Mets fan at the Marlins game, everyone's yeah. like super peaked and then like super not geeked about Ben Simmons all of a sudden. Very present yeah. at the moment. Um, I don't know. That'd be interesting though. Yeah, um, I can see it. All right, let's get to your favorite then, the Bears. Um, Almost every show we talk about Justin Fields. Uh, I don't know if that's a direction you want to take going into the, you know, going into the season, which I guess is like a week away or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, close. Uh, Justin won't be the week one starter. Uh, what do you think his timeline looks like, and where do you see this team going this year? Uh, scenarios. One scenario I see playing out, if Andy Dalton starts off two and one, he'll be the for sure starter. They'll keep him as the starter because, you know, uh, I mean, two and one is a really good start. First three games, two wins. Cool. Um, in the event that he's not able to put up any wins or if his, if the games he plays are just flat out sloppy and they don't want to take the risk, then I can see Justin Fields coming in maybe by week five, Yeah, you know, week five, maybe week six. Uh, but that's also dependent on if Andy Dalton isn't Andy Dalton. Right. Um, I'm not hell. I'm not thrilled about having Andy Dalton. Uh, I'm not even thrilled about having Nick Foles. It's promising having Justin Fields, but because we know this this Bears this Bears system, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we're just gonna waste him. Waste, we're gonna just waste his talent like we're wasting a lot of our other talent. But there's promise because we have offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. We have a very solid defense. Yeah. You know, they're they're aggressive, like much more aggressive than than Erlocker and Briggs and Hillenmeyer were like mm-hmm. they these guys that come they come to play, which is something that you really want to see, especially coming from the Bears. That's what we were known for. Right. Um, I, don't, I, just, I think the one thing that just kicks me with the Bears is Nagy, though. He's such a terrible play caller. Oof. He's such a terrible play caller. Like, yeah, I, <sighs> I really don't know how it was possible for the narrative around him to be like, coming from KC, he was like the offensive guru. Like, kind of like similar to Mark when, Trestman. Yes. When he came in as like, oh, the quarterback whisper, and then everyone was trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like how it went from like Matt Nagy was like the reason uh Mahomes is what he is, the reason KC won or like was on the path to a Super Bowl, and to come here and like completely disprove that year after year after year. I I wouldn't be mad to see him. I think you kind of save Justin's trajectory a little bit if you justify letting him go after the season, regardless of what happens. Cause I think, I honestly think the the ceiling for this team 
the offensive line, it, <laughs> uh, special teams is probably worse. Um, coaching is, is not good. Um, defensively, if they could stay off the field and keep stay rested, I mean, the offense is on the field for what, 15 seconds of a drive. Uh, so if the defense can actually get some rest, they can maybe fight their way to eight and nine, nine and eight. I don't really, that's possibly do you, do you see them as a playoff team? Uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Once again, it goes back to how they start. Mm. If, if they can, if they can get out to a good start, the only other competition I see is green Bay. And it really depends on how Aaron Rodgers does. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Aaron Rodgers of old, but I think because Green Bay is Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, they're always going to have a shot. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like the Cardinals. That's, like. Exactly. Simple. Um, but that's only competition. So if we can play, play out well, win the North. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe playoffs. I, I mean, I, I definitely see first round, but that's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that that scenario too, because I was like in a big circle trying to get back to Nagy here. I think even if you make the playoffs and lose in the first round again, I think you have grounds to not bring him back. Like, I think he, be. him and him and Ryan Pace probably like, hey, thanks. Uh, but like, we got to go a different direction here. Like with Justin Field, we got to squeeze something out of the defense while we still have it the way it is. And we got to, you know, write the ship a completely different way. Um, yeah, I, I, that's probably the best. It's unfortunate. Like every time we we get to a point where like, hey, the Bears are talented. It's always like an issue with the coaching or an issue with yep. a huge portion of the game. Like the entire offensive line is terrible. Or like when they made the Super Bowl, the offense was not good. You didn't have still <laughs> very good receivers. Um, like it's always like one huge major hole. And I think it, what is this year three or four of Nagy now? four i believe and ryan pace a little longer as gm like hey you yeah had, you had like a whole college tenure to <laughs> to get this uh figured out in the like one of the biggest media markets and the biggest fan bases in the nation and like hey thanks but in your senior year right basically. <laughs> right hey you gotta you gotta pass these finals uh, <laughs> memo to, memo to man Maggie, pass these finals bro uh, pass your finals man pass man. your finals I, uh, one of my buddies from Loyola, he coaches like AAU basketball. Yeah. And he coaches Matt Nagy's sons. And, oh, wow. One of, uh, <laughs> one of the kids on his team, uh, is a huge Ohio State fan. So the day after the NFL draft, the Bears, you know, take Justin Fields. This kid on the team, he's like, I walk, my, my friend is like, I walked into practice. The kid who's the Ohio State fan walked up right up to Matt Nagy's kid. He's like, you ruined Justin Fields' career. I know where you live, and just walked away. <laughs> I'm like, um, that's how serious it gets around here. That's how serious. Oh it gets man! Around. Oh man! <laughs> He's like, you ruined his career, right? I mean, <sighs> it, it just sucks that that's a perception. Like, you get a quarterback that comes to Chicago, that's what happens. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and the thing is, when was the last time we had a great quarterback? Um. 
I mean, I you can't. I, I I know people are always like, oh, Sid Luckman, but like, who is alive who has seen Sid Luckman play quarterback? So, um, in our lifetimes, I'm gonna say zero. Zero. Yeah, I mean, you had that one year of McMahon in '85 before he got completely destroyed. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw the 30 for 30 on the Bears, but um, when he was like basically suplexed out of bounds by that defensive lineman on the Packers oh, yeah, after a yeah. play. That like ruined his career. Um and then he damaged his spine. Yeah. And he's got big issues with CT and stuff. Yeah. Never the same quarterback. Um and I mean Jay Cutler would be the closest thing. Um yeah. But I don't think you could even make a case that like there there are like zero for the last 40, 50 years, there are like zero, oh I think that should guy that guy should be in the Hall of Fame kind of quarterbacks to pass through Chicago, which is awful like even you look at even like not consistently great franchises like they can hit once in a while like it's just so it's such an and then to look at your your primary rival um basically goes from like bart star to brett Favre with a few guys in between there to aaron Rodgers. like they have a whole like they've had 50 years kind of covered (laughs) by three guys um true such an indictment um (laughs) So yeah, it should be it should be a fun winter. Um, it's, no, it's gonna be very interesting to see. I'm uh I'm 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 honestly looking forward to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the very least, I I, I suppose that's because like eh, like here with the Dolphins, like people don't seem super stoked. Like they have they have a lot of promise in Tua. Dolphins, Woo! right? Um, I don't know, man. Like the 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 fan bases here, they seem they seem engaged like when it when it becomes like a big deal but it's different than like bandwagony like i feel like the actual real fans will show up if it's like crunch time and still won't come off as like bandwagon fans but otherwise it's like there's no one there i feel like that's kind of the same with like the white Sox. like not this year per se but like previously like they had good fans who cared they just wouldn't go to games until it mattered yeah, um, I get. I kind of get that vibe here in Miami. So, oh yeah, um, I'd, I'd, that's I'd much, coming back to Wrigley. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what is that? Uh, what has that been like with like the what's the the feeling in the ballpark now? Because like obviously it reads differently on TV. It still looks a little reminiscent of 2012, uh, and I know how that felt. But like, what's the vibe at the park? Oh uh, man, the. Uh... I can say that week coming back after the trades mm-hmm. uh, was rough just because we had the Sox. <laughs> and uh, when I say the Southsiders were relentless, they were, they were relentless. Like, it wasn't pretty. A lot of paperwork? Digital paperwork? <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, it was... Uh, it's now I want to say the, the, the atmosphere is like everyone's aware of how not good they are. Yeah. Uh, but I think more people are kind of just hanging it to, to see what happens. Yeah. Like most people are hanging in there to see what happens. Some season ticket holders are like, no, I'm, I'm going to just keep them around see what happens yeah and 
yeah, it's, it's like you say, a reminiscent of 2012 for sure. Yeah, I you know I remember that year specifically. Uh, my dad and my uncle came to a game. They were playing the yeah. Padres, who were also not good at the time, um, and they had tickets down by the Cubs bullpen. Yeah. And I remember walking over to my dad's seat and looking out and looking at a crowd that like wasn't there. Like there was no one in the upper deck. And my dad was like, Oh, have they gone back to closing the upper deck? Cause he's like, he remembers from like the sixties and seventies where they wouldn't even open the upper deck because they didn't sell enough tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and like The bleachers were almost empty. The upper deck was empty. Like the lower bowl had like 2000 people in it. Like, it, it it doesn't seem quite there right now. I think from that from an outsider that I am now, like I think people want to go back to Wrigley after you know having not been able to access it for almost two years, and uh, there's still kind of that party atmosphere, obviously there, which yep. is why the rooftops are such a big appeal. And yep. for me, like the engaged fan, like I still want to see like what Patrick Wisdom can do if he could stick around, what Ortega can do, what some of the pitching can do, like yep you're kind of like you're using the season as like a scouting tool almost. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of, you know, see what's what, right. You know, and, and, and uh, like Jed Hoyer retool rather than rebuild. Yeah. You know? So it's like, you already got a foundation. You just have to have the right tools to reinforce it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it stands to rebound much quicker than, you know, the first time around when Theo came, it was like, give me five years. I don't think Jed's asking for five years. I think legitimately within two to three, you could see a legitimately contending team. Uh, so that might be like a shameless self-plug to like, hey, get in line for season tickets while you can because a <laughs> couple of years. Uh, but yeah, all right. So let's let's move from like a somber Wrigley note to uh, wrap up here with a little more like creative juices here. I know you got your hands in, in a lot of plausible ventures. I know you got your music going on. I know you wanted to start a podcast. I know you've been traveling a lot more. What's yes, uh, what's on your plate the rest of 2021 and, and further? Uh, well, I'm getting ready to, uh, as far as music, uh, something is in the works coming very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be, that's all I'm gonna give you. That's all I'm gonna say on that. Uh, it's it's gonna come as a surprise. It's gonna it's gonna drop. I'm gonna leave subtle hints. Mm-hmm. Leave some subtle hints out there. You know, a couple clips here and there, but uh, something very very soon. And uh, and it's just taking some creative flow from, you know, what we've experienced in the past year, mm-hmm. uh, and even this year leading up to this point. Uh, kind of bringing everything full circle um but yeah man uh traveling also has been uh helping gain inspiration on you know what i what i want to what i want to write about and what i want to uh you know dig into as far as music um and as far as writing which is another thing I'm, i'm about to start looking into i want to write a novel um and just mostly something probably based off of like a parody of what we've gone through at wrigley you know not not exactly to the to the t but like a like a parody like the office 
Yeah, but but in in a story form, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, recreate a lot of characters, re re recreate a lot of events, recreate a lot of different moments, but oh, with different outcomes uh, that are relatable to the actual events. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's to really just to um, a paint a picture, um, and and kind of give people that third party experience that fly on the wall experience yeah. without giving too much. Cause I feel like there's a lot of things, you know, we would all like to keep internally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as Rigby's concerned, but um, yeah. Uh, traveling more, man. I'm, I'm trying to get into I'm trying to get more international. Mm. That's my next venture. Um, so I may be looking to go Italy at some point once things kind of calm down. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Once things kind of calm down, make my way out there. Uh, I also want to get to Spain, okay. uh, Barcelona. I want to hit Barcelona because I just, for some reason, I just want to get there and just see what it's like, experience yeah, gonna, the culture. You're going to have amazing food at those two places. For sure. For sure. Um, and then also, uh, uh, the, the, the podcast that I'm working on, uh, more more news based um but not so not so much as following like current events but taking the events and 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 trying to like teach lessons behind it sort of the way that i do with my posts on facebook Mm. uh you know put truth out there and kind of talk to people uh through understanding rather than trying to beat people over the head with the facts and the data and the statistics and the you know like just find find meaning through truth and truth through meaning you know like what what's happening what actually is um how does this affect you how could it affect you how it doesn't affect you Mm. um you know just trying to get people more in tune with themselves trying to teach uh individualism again because we live in a society where everything is is, has got to be about the collective or it has to be like a group think has to be something yeah you know rather than leaving your way for individual thought um i felt like that's something that everybody like forgot as a as a group Mm -hmm. like you forgot who you are as an individual and you if you don't know who you are as an individual there's no way you can exist in, in a group Right, you know, because all you're doing is just following the next trend over and over again. Yeah, you're just parodying things. Exactly, yeah. with no foreseeable end. So that's another thing that I'm I'm looking into doing. On that podcast, are you going to be digging in a little bit to how you are now a cryptocurrency uh, mogul? Uh, oh, for sure. Let's for sure. let's hear how you got into some of this Dogecoin before we get out of here. Oh man! Uh, so the funny thing, it was uh, I was looking into cryptocurrency back in 2020 because you know the economy shut down, uh, so stifled your income a little bit, and I had to kind of figure out like what was the best way to do something. So Frank had already been talking about investing for a while, mm-hmm. um, and I know he dealt with like with stocks and and uh, and different. Uh, different things like you know i don't know if he didn't did dealt with crypto at all but just the fact that he talked about investing and and actually making your money work for you you know generating passive income Mm -hmm. um 
and I started to look into that a little bit more to understand it. So uh, I did first originally dibble dabbled with the stock market, made a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm like, you know what? I don't really like it because, you know, it's just based on the company. Mm-hmm. But where, whereas cryptocurrency is based on usage and, you know, the backing of the people. Um, I was like, screw it. I'll get into it. So I started learning about Bitcoin, started learning about Ethereum. And then there's this, 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 this one little coin that comes up, you know, one little coin with the Shiba, Shiba Inu on it. And it's called Doge, called Doge coin. I'm like, this is, this is a pretty cheap coin. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when I got into it, it was like five cents. So of course, I took a little bit of the money that I got from unemployment and invested it. Um, I invested about maybe 1100 bucks. I flipped that within two to two and a half months, flipped that 1100 to 15 K and then reinvested more money. Like, so, you know, I I made more money off of an initial investment and it was good. It was, it was, it was real good. So Uh I started, it made me want to learn about the blockchain. It made me want to learn about the ledgers. It made me want to learn about, uh, you know, the gas fees that it kind of, that comes with, you know, mining crypto and transferring crypto storing hot storage cold storage different things like that um so yeah man crypto is one of those things where i think is like once you learn about it um it can be very lucrative especially once you know how to work it yeah and and you know and patience having patience because you know this is not going to just flip overnight for those who are listening no it wasn't fifteen thousand overnight right it was in two months I'm not flexing. That's literally 60 days, right? 60 days. So like, and a lot could have happened. I could have made a lot more, could have made a lot less. I yeah. could have made nothing. Uh, but I, I say that's a pretty good feat going from 1100 bucks to like 15 K oh, yeah. in a, a two month span. So uh, I th- in my, yeah, I think like, <laughs> like on our, one of our favorite subreddits, uh, wall street bets. I think we, can yeah. say, this is not financial advice, obviously. This is, yeah. yeah. Um, this is not financial advice, but I think crypto, at least from like an engagement standpoint, you know, I feel like the generation prior, cause when, when you, when you said like, Oh, it, it got me invested to the point where I'm curious about what blockchain is. Let me go and research that on my own time. I feel like this iteration of like, an engaging way to have your money make its own money um, is kind of how the stock market used to be treated. And now that is so expansive and kind of seems like flooded with people to the point where crypto might be like a new branch of that with, without the crowd with so much more to learn. It's more technologically savvy. It's more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. More more power to you, man. Like I I still have a lot of holdings in stocks, but like I am more and more intrigued by crypto every day uh, and would definitely tune into what you have to say about it if you do a podcast about it. So um, I don't know if you have any like social media plugs related to any of these creative ventures yet, but if you want to drop your own socials for your personal or any kind of businesses or anything creative you're doing, feel free to do so right here so we can link you up to the public, man. So I'll put it to you like this. Uh, I mean, you know, if anything will, that'll come, it'll come via Facebook first because my Facebook is where I get a lot of the most attention and a lot of interaction. So any announcements regarding these, they'll be, they'll be coming on that, on that page. So you just stay tuned to my Facebook page within the next like month or so. To Ray Benson. 
Yes, sir. Stay tuned to Ray Benso. Uh, you're not, it'll be a couple things. You're not going to drop on, uh, well, this podcast airs Friday the 3rd, which is uh, Mr. Aubrey Graham's release date. Are you going to, are you going to take over Drake's release date? Oh, I don't think Drake wants that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Drake wants that smoke. Okay. I ain't going to take his glory from him. Yeah. Uh, that, that's very nice of you. Um, <laughs> all right. So that's Ray, Ray Benso on Facebook. If you don't know, now you know. Um, Corey, man, appreciate you hopping on here. Uh, we've been going for over an hour. Didn't mean to take up so much of your time. Oh, uh, dude, I'm just chilling. Always love catching up with you, man. You're more than welcome anytime you come down to Miami. Um, as you have before. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate the visit. Um, before <laughs> get we get out of here, Frank would be really upset with me if I didn't mention the Patreon page, which I go on there all the time and I'm, have you, have you checked out like what our podcast has to offer? Via yeah, I've been checking, like, yeah. I'm checking out a couple things. Yeah. It's wild, man. Yeah. They're like video series, like a whole like merchandise section. Like I am stunned every time I go on there and see like how much extra stuff we have. Like it's completely yeah. separate from what we deliver Monday, Friday on the podcast. So if you're interested, that's uh patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast i believe or maybe just mistaken identity um cool. yeah give it a look it's like a dollar three dollars a month if anything um so hey. that's that's to everyone at large i'm not just trying to sell Corey here i'm just trying to sell my guy um but yeah so, <laughs> just just pay, uh you don't you, you could pay me in dogecoin um gotcha i'll send right, you 350 doge yes i will take that investment um all right man uh definitely appreciate you spending the time thank you all for listening uh and i'll catch you all next time on the mistaken identity podcast peace peace out guys hey everybody joe flaherty here with the mistaken identity podcast we hope you enjoyed this week's episode we want to thank you for your continued support we also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews dropped some likes and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast, or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. So many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. 
And that's the thing is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family. That you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do than be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. I've brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball, they love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, now part of the Unconfined Network. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, and you talk about an episode that I've been trying to get done forever, which just means that uh, the longer it took to get it done, the more I had more time to ask more questions, add, add more questions to my list. So uh, this would be really, really interesting. It is the one and the only Daniel Feingold. Daniel, what's up? Hey, 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 I just want it for, I want it on the record. I don't want to be here. I was forced against my own will and I have to do this apparently. So there's apparently like 200 questions I need to answer in 40 minutes. So hope you guys are ready. This is going to be great. Let's do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I'm holding him at gunpoint on a Zoom screen, by the way. Yes. Again, I've avoided this as long as I po- like literally he, he worded it perfectly. I've I have avoided this as long as I possibly have could. But uh I have no excuse and it's time to do it. Let's do it. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to be on the podcast. Yeah, so it's time to get to know Daniel outside <laughs> of Wrigley Field. Now, but uh before I get to beyond Wrigley Field, uh let me ask you actually, how did you actually find out about the Cubs job that they were hiring? How did you actually first hear about it and get involved in this is oh i love this This i think i forget when we were talking about this this is recently though but um i started at wrigley in 2008 um so what everybody knows is like gallagher way like i used to park there i used to park in those parking lots because it used to be parking lots um no i was i was a i was a stupid kid i'm still maybe a stupid kid but i was a stupid kid in high school i was a junior at notre dame uh in niles and I was coming out of our cafeteria one day and there's just like this giant bulletin board and I, something happened to catch my eye, whatever I was looking at it. And I saw this thing and it was this little trifold pamphlet. It was just like, you know, Cubs crowd management, come join the Cubs. And I'm kind of reading whatever my buddy. Um, and I don't know, I know a few people might know him, maybe not, but my buddy, Mike Pellride, uh, comes up to me. He's like, yeah, dude, just did it. I have a second interview. Like next week you should totally do it. So I went to the attendance office and, 
I ended up getting, uh, getting an application and that's, that's how this all started. Um, had an interview, uh, Marty Moore was my first interview, which was awesome. Uh, and then had like a group interview in the old Cubs clubhouse. And, uh, I got a phone call one day and I, like my dad picked me up from school and was like, the Cubs called you, you need to call him back. And I was like, what? And then, um, it was Z, Zinnia, for those of you who know her, God rest her soul, love her. Uh, she answered the phone. She's like, hold on. Like, was like, well, we just want to offer you a job. And uh, that's how I got here. It was just, it was just by chance. Happened to see something, Fred sent something. And what, what are the odds 15 years later that I'm still here? So always love that story. Were you an usher first or security first? Yeah. So I, I did, I, you know, usher guest services first. Uh, so I was, you were, no, I, I had the, uh, the tie and the, and the red vest and the blue pants. What was your uniform? Right. So I, I remember that. So the, I was not a part of the, I, I guess you would call that like the vest and the tie days or the, uh, the turnstile days. I came right after that. Cause I think, and I used to talk about this, I think with Eric Heilstead and Kristen Vigiano, I think it was Oh six when they brought the scanners in like the actual like digital scanners and the turnstiles went away. So I came in right after that. So I had a blue crowd management shirt uh, and then like khakis, whatever. I was a nerd and wore dress shoes my first year. I totally admit that it was awful. Uh, I was so bad. Um, yeah. I was an usher for the first few years. I got like my first day I was uh, customer relations, like 34. So in my head, I'm like, this sounds awesome. And it was fucking terrible. <laughs> and you're standing at a tunnel uh, you know, we don't do this anymore, but like I, you stood at a tunnel all day because it was 2008 and the team was great. We were selling out every day. So like they, we needed to make sure whoever's going to the seats in the lower bowl should be in the lower bowl. And, uh, I'll never forget. There was, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but this guy who just, he was there with his family and it was the first time he sat like really close or, you know, had really good seats. And finally by the second third inning, you know, we're just messing around. We're talking. So he's like, so Daniel, uh, how long you worked here? I'm like, dude, it's my first fucking day. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, and yeah, no, I just remember a little stuff like that. But yeah, I was an usher for two years and then security crowd control or security services ambassador, whatever you want to call it for the next, what that, 12, 12 years? Yeah, something like that. And then um, recently uh, went for it and became a supervisor last year so. Um, yeah, it's been a very, it's been a very long and interesting road to this point. Now, but let me go back real quick. So when I was 34 at the Usher, I had to wear this pouch with a rope that was tied to the wall and we could, nobody can get past that. Did you have that? I did, I did not have to do that. No, no. that's kind of awesome. A little stand. You're, you're like a human stancher. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, I did not have to do that. Um, they trusted us to just stand there and do our job, which apparently I did most of the time. So um, yeah, I did not, I was not a human stanchion. That is amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Now, when I got the call from Morgan on the phone, uh, that I was going to be a supervisor, uh, I played it all tough on the phone. But I got to admit that when I hung up the phone, I had a moment because I just couldn't believe it had happened to me. Now, let me ask you, when you got the call, what was it like <laughs> for you? Um, I, funny enough, uh, I missed, I missed the initial call. So I had like a voicemail that was just like, hey, call us back. Da, 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 da. I was like, cool. And then I go into my text messages. <laughs> and he this person will remain, will remain nameless. But it's just like, hey, man, congratulations on getting the job. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So this person, like, apparently this was spreading like wildfire. And I, I literally did not directly hear it from my boss first. You know who you are, ruining my moment, stealing my thunder. 
no, but then I, I gave him a call back and uh, obviously, you know, our manager, Justin, and uh, it was a really good phone call. And it was just like, you know, like you, you know, talked about the interview and how that went and just, it's like, we want to offer you the job and um, something that stuck with me and everyone who's listening to this will laugh. Um, and again, having a moment, um, I'm talking with him and one of the last things Justin said after offering him the job and obviously me accepting was just like, you know, I, I just really want you to know that it was your emotional intelligence that really like put you over the top. And when I say that out loud, like emotional intelligence of Daniel Feingold, you might not like think that you might not have that, but it was really, it was very, very important to me. Um, and I had talked about this maybe a little bit in the, like the other podcasts or excuse me, like video blogs or whatever for Cubs convention when we did the new supervisor thing where, you know, I, I for years had sat like on the same answer forever and ever and ever where it's like, well, why do you want to be a supervisor? And obviously, of course, the knowledge I've learned over the last whatever many years, and the people that I've gotten to learn from. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I'm not the best. And everybody kind of looks at me and it's just like, look, like I've seen so many people come into this interview and just say, I'm the best. I've been here for 20, 15, 20 years. That's why I'm the best. And that's, that's not it. That's not how it works. And I, I think I learned that a long time ago. Like that ballpark will never cease to amaze you. Like you think you've seen it all and then something happens. You're like, yep, definitely never seen that. And um, you learn something new every day. And so like for me, for someone to tell me that, for me to get to that point, to realize that and be able to say that, and you know, mean it and actually have someone say that back to me. That was, that was my moment for me where I knew I was like, okay, like maybe not just with the Cubs, like in a life kind of sense, like I've, you know, I like to think I've turned a corner. You know, a lot of people might look at me and think, oh, he's still 17, you know, or he's just a kid still. But uh, I like to think I've turned a corner. I've been through a lot, I've been, and good, good and bad, regardless of that. Like, it's been, uh, it's been great. And so for me, that moment was, it was special for me. It was really, really, really good. So I got the call my first year. We have training at uh, Lakeview High School. Uh, everybody's coming up, Frank, congratulations. We, you know, you, you deserve it, yada, yada, yada. And, and then I run into Daniel Feingold. And everybody else is all, yes, Frank, you deserve it. You get it. Daniel Fly goes, I'm not listening to anything you say. I just want to let you know, like, thanks, Daniel. That's the, that's the censored down version of what I had said. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's almost as good as, like, the time they, like, they did, like, the Bulls, like, 90s warm-up. So they introduced all the new supervisors, and it was Corey Robinson's first year. And everyone's like, yeah. And right when it died down, I was like, sell out. <laughs> and he's just looking at me like, what? Like, oh my God. That's, yeah, that was a censored down version of that. But yeah, that's definitely what I said. I was like, I'm not going to listen to a goddamn thing you have to say. Absolutely not. No way. <laughs> I think I did a good job. I think I listened to you enough. Like, yes, yeah. But, enough. <laughs> well, I, will, I mean, again, this, this is about our personal experiences. Um, so when you became one, was it not tough, but uh, were you, were you worried about being fully accepted and a respect? I know I was, I know that I was oh, like 110%. If you, if that's not part of, of, of stepping into that role, especially you being there for so long, whether you're there or long or not, like just you changing that role and being able to do that. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think for me, I, I, I think what made me feel better, there was a lot of people who came up to me and was just like, Hey, you congratulations you deserve this like you've you have earned this like we're so happy for you and and obviously that makes me feel better about it um that's not to say that's not everybody uh like you know and that's okay like I, I think the big thing for me when you do that and for everybody when you do that and you make that transition is 
there's a separation where like obviously like we'll go outside of work and we'll hang out and like you have your friends even your closest friends that you've known now now you're in this new role so you have to find that balance of like and, and again this is just how i am like every supervisor is different and that's cool i think for me um it's finding that balance of like okay like hey like these are the things you need to do xyz abc whatever and then xyz and this and that um but if you fuck up or if you do something repeatedly, or if you do something, I'm not going to like, like, I'm going to look like, I'll be ass kicker. Like, and I think that's one of the biggest things I've always prided myself on. Like I am the nicest, easiest going person in the world. Like you really have to go out of your way for me to just be like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to deal with this, you know, but like, and you know, I joke and even in, in this job and even like my full-time job, which is different. Like, I, if I need to be ass kicker, I have no problem doing that. Uh, but I also have no problem saying, Hey, uh, this is like the sixth time I told you not to be doing that. Why do you keep doing this? Like, do you want to go home? Because you can totally go home if you want. Like, I think the big thing is like working as a team and like, again, if you're not going to be there to be a part of the team and help and you don't want to be there, then don't be there. Like, that's my biggest thing with people. You know, um, I want to be around people like me how I was my first couple of years, even like now, like where I'm, I'm excited to be there, you know, we, things have changed and we can go on and on about that, but it's like, there's still a sense of the ballpark where I know, like, I'm going to meet someone today and it's going to be the first time. At and I, you know, you take that for granted sometimes. And I think that's important. Like you want those people on your team who are gung ho about it and, and, and very excited about it just as much as you are. So I, again, all this, the transition, if anybody tells you it's not easy, they're lying. Uh, that's not to say that it's not easier for some people than it is others. Like we've seen people go to this job and I, you know, Derek Sohn is definitely an example for me. Um, Erica, Eric, like I've seen these people go into this role and just transition smoothly. And that's definitely not how it was for me. I still like, I, I have a lot I need to learn and a lot I need to figure out and how I want to do things and what kind of supervisor I want to be. And then like, we've also seen the job, like, change people completely like 180 and it's terrifying and we're like oh god you know and that's just me being honest this is how it goes like so again like it's just finding your niche and balancing all of those things and and, and making sure it's important to be the supervisor you want to be you don't i think it's like for me it's like some kind of monster where i just i want to take parts of all these different people like i want to be as knowledgeable as like floyd and gene and i want to have that like you know don't mess with me as like Floyd and Gene. And I want to be as lazy as Eric sometimes, you know, when I need to be at KNF and just kidding, Eric, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, or have that knowledge, you know, again, like it's just, it's one of those things where I, I want to take all these great parts of everybody that I work with. And if I can combine that and make me, me, then I'm okay with that. That's how it works for me. So. Uh, it's funny you brought up Floyd because some people compare you to Floyd because you know, Floyd, you can't tell if he's serious or if he is not <laughs> really. And uh, my son and Jordan, swears that you hate him and i try to tell i know we've uh, talked about this jordan if you're watching if you're watching listening to this dude i've heard this a hundred times and i'm like i just i don't get it don't man i am the most sarcastic person on the planet please like i am not do not ever take me seriously ever unless like i'm your supervisor and i need you to do something important like don't ever take me seriously ever like please dude listen like reach out Frank, like, give him his, give me my phone number to him. Like, reach out. We're going out to, we'll get staked, dude. I don't know. Stop. Yeah, we, we were, me and Eric were in the car with him after the Bears game, and uh, we were just going over, you know, uh, if he should apply. He, he did a great job in the bleachers, and he's like, hey, oh, absolutely. Like, no, no question like, asked. No question like, Daniel, he's the only one that doesn't like me. I'm like, and me and Eric were like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, he's the only one that doesn't like, <laughs> I'm like okay. 
I should have been like, you know what you did, dude. No, I'm just like, no, totally. No, no, absolutely not. I love Jordan is great. Jordan should totally apply for that job. There's a lot of people who should apply for that job. I don't know if that's on the list, but like, you know, we'll get to that. Uh, now with you being new, uh, I remember I was, I'm fairly new still, but I try, I try to, I try to, you know, give you some of the things that I learned at my first year and sort of, um, you know, this, this is what it sounds like, but this is what it really is. <laughs> right. Oh, of course. No, absolutely. That's the best way to put it. This is what it sounds like. This is what it really is. That's really the best way to put that. We should get an obvious shirt. Can we make an obvious shirt that says, this is what it sounds like, but this is what it really is. Like, we need that shirt. Obvious shirt guy, if you're listening, we definitely need, like, supervisors need that shirt. Oh, man. Yes. Now, you didn't bring up Justin. Now, on a personal note, how often is working with Justin? I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool too. Uh, I didn't realize till like halfway through the year that Justin, I think is a year older than me. Uh, and he also went to St. Patrick high school, which was Notre Dame's like rivals. I had no idea. We like went to high school at the same time and went to obviously like kind of like sister Catholic schools who like rival all four years and stuff. So that was a fun conversation, a fun thing to find out with him. Um, it was great. I know Justin has been there for a while, started in the safety and security sector and, kind of worked his way up and now he's obviously running our, our department and uh it was great um it's always fun when you can like leave your boss's name and your phone as like hippie boss man uh he's a great guy he's just like anytime you need anything like he's there he's on the front line He'll, you'll see him just out and about making sure everything's going the way it's supposed to and if we ever have an issue the support's definitely there and that's definitely for me that's something that's important to me to have that manager to have that person above you you know, obviously it's one thing to say, like, we got your back, we're behind you. It's another thing to have the person out there um, doing that day in and day out, um, running around the ballpark, seeing what's going on, making sure things are supposed to be running correctly. So, Okay. Let's have some fun here. So I asked 25 security associates. Oh, my God. Uh, when you hear <laughs> Daniel Flango, what are some things that pop in your head? I asked 25 um, security associates. Uh, are these people going to remain nameless? Yes. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> uh, when you hear Daniel, somebody might surprise you, somebody might not be surprised you, but when you hear the name Daniel Flango, Supervisor Daniel Flango, what pops into your head? And so uh, a lot of people said uh, loyal or protective. What do you think about okay. that? That, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about that. That's really nice. Um I've never, I don't know, I've never really thought of myself like that, but that's really nice to hear, I guess. I don't really, I'm trying to think of how I would apply that in the ballpark. Honestly, that's really, that's really awesome. Uh, I really do you, don't know. Do you, do, you, do you stick up for your staff a lot? Like, do you, I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, are you, I mean, do you like. I'm going to back, like, and again, I haven't been a supervisor long. There's a cat in the way. Uh, I haven't been a supervisor long, but I, I like to think like in the time that I have been doing it that I'm going to back someone up. You know, someone says, Hey, this guy, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This guy's being an asshole. Okay. Well, let's get him out of here. <laughs> like, what did he do? All right, let's get him out. You know, it's, I, I think I'd like to support my staff very much. So, so like that makes me feel good. I don't know. As a security services ambassador, I think maybe just the training on the concourse, you know, that could maybe be a big thing. Just like, again, teaching people how I want to do things and not that my way is the right way. Just meaning like, I like, this is everything I know. I will tell you everything I know. I will teach you everything I know. And, um, you know, always have your back. Should you be like running a new issue or I hear you call, I'm going to run. I'm going to 
I'm going to be there. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That was actually really nice. I would like to hear the other ones because they're think, not all fun. Think, <laughs> you got to start up high. Well, I think, I think uh, yeah, this fit. is what we're doing. You're building me up. Yeah. Like but I think loyal fits. I mean, I think people see how you are with your friends, Erica and, and yeah, Erica. I think people fair, people okay, fair. I get, I get that vibe. People okay. see that and they, they probably say, oh, he's a pretty good friend. I mean, I think people see that, you know, in the loyal uh, part and the protector. I've seen you get mad if one of your friends is attacked or whatever. I've seen you get mad. I can see the protector part. I can see that. Um, and it's funny because you never know what people see, think about you until you hear it. Like you never know what people are watching or saying. Oh, 100%. <laughs> until you hear it. Uh, so this next one is going to be um, probably something that Jordan agrees on, uh, but it says quick temper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 If, again, uh, with my friends, if someone has something to say and they don't want to lay off, I could definitely have a quick temper. And just be like, really? That's where we're gonna go. That's the direction we want to take this in. That's the joke we're gonna make right now. Like, uh, it says drinking. Let's just skip that one. Let's just skip that one all together. Let's just skip that one all together. <laughs> Is it drinky or drinking? Drinking. Wait, yeah, let's just skip that one all together. We think of Fargo. What? What do you think of drinking? Uh, now here's here's the one that may surprise some people that are that are new um I, by the way a lot of these people that i asked for veterans by the way a lot of people have known you for a while so right all right uh and this one was concourse oh yeah oh yeah total that's that's my bread and butter man that's that is the only reason i am where i am like i man i think about all the years i sat there and did that starting with Eric and then kind of just going, watching the job change over all the years. And then, you know, if we're being honest, seeing it just shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink to a point where it's like, okay, it's over, it's done. And that was a big thing for me. But like this year realizing like, this isn't what it used to be. And I need a new challenge. Like I need, if I'm going to, if I, if I want to stimulate myself and my brain and I need to be, if I want to be here still, like, why not be here in this capacity? So that was a big thing for me. Um, that will always be the reason why I am the way I am. A lot of reasons, but for that, that was, that's, that's where I learned everything. That's how I, that's how I learned to be better every day. That's how I learned to be great, I guess, in, in a way. Um, and get, gaining all that knowledge, getting to work with all these different supervisors, and all these different people, being able to go to all these different, you know, having that mobility. That was my favorite part about it. Cause I could go to all these different gates. I could see how everything ran. And so uh, that definitely helped a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. I'd be number one for me. If I had to pick a word for me, like Cubs related word, I would, I concourse would definitely be the word for sure. Uh, and the last one is, when you think of Daniel Fargo, what, are some, what comes to your head? A lot of people said, uh, not here today. Not here today. <laughs> Uh, hey, must be nice to not work two jobs, guys. Must be real nice to not work a full-time job and still work at the ball. No, totally cool. Get it. Not here today. Oh, that's funny. That's a good one. Not here today. Oh, okay. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Feelings aren't hurt. It's fine. You guys try working 48 hours in a 72-hour span. I'd be like, please. Oh, God. But for Florida Closer, that was supervisors. I asked supervisors. That was that one. That was what that was that was from them mostly. Not, That's not a good one. Today. That's a good one. No, not here. He's not here today. No. <laughs> like, all right. If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? 
Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pair makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design. And they have guaranteed U.S.-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit pair.com slash free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART. That's pair.com slash free, promo code QUICKSTART to get started today. Now, since you brought it up, you want to tell us, so what do you do outside of Rick um, so I recently just started a new job, actually, uh, at the beginning of the month. I think a lot of people knew I was working. I've done a lot of like third party security stuff since like 2014. Uh, I kind of bounced around that industry a little bit. Um, I got a job in May of 2019 working for uh, this company called Titan. Um, and if you don't know anything about third party security, it's awful. It's a terrible industry, and that's not just to direct that at that company. I have my issues, whatever. Third-party security in general is just – it's a terrible thing, and the union that is there is just not good for the people who work in it. Um, this is not good. It's, it stinks, and I don't recommend it. But I was working in a residential setting for the first time at this building that had just been built, and it was the best thing that possibly could ever happen because I got to meet the property manager who was running the building at the time, and it was working – the, the building management was uh, Draper and Kramer. Draper and Kramer owned and managed the building. And they had like, even though I wasn't working directly for these people, I was working in this building and all of the people that I met and worked for and worked underneath or with, I should say, were fantastic. And they were supportive and it was amazing. And an opportunity opened up for me to become part of the company and I took it. And so now I'm at a building in River North working for the management company and Honestly, at the end of the day, it's not even about like, you know, more money or whatever, like the benefits. And I don't mean like just health benefits, like the benefits of working for the management company is miles beyond. Um, And I never would have had that opportunity had I not been given that chance or walked into that role. And I'm I'm forever grateful for that. And uh, it's great. Uh, You know, you get vacation. I have like dental and vision insurance. Like it's insane. Like to say that out loud, like I'm very proud. I just... Uh, my foot's in the door. And I, I, even like, even two years ago, we'll say five years ago, even two years ago, if someone came up to me, and was like, Hey, uh, you know, you might have a chance to do like some property management stuff. I please, like, why would I ever want to do that? Um, but you don't realize like, you know, and a lot of people know this about, I'm a very personal person. I could talk to anybody. I can have a conversation with anybody. And uh, it's a big thing in that industry. And it's just, it's something now that I'm like, I, that's something I'm kind of interested in. And I would really like to do. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm, I've just started, I'm at this building in river North and I'm happy. So I do that Monday through Friday. And then obviously when baseball season happens, I try to balance both. So if I'm not there during the day, during the week, if you guys need to know that is why I'm not there. <laughs> now, if I'm not there on a weekend, you guys can say something totally fair. Uh, cause I'm probably doing something I shouldn't be doing regardless of that. Uh, yeah. So I, I balance both and it's great. And, uh, I'm just happy to have my foot in the door and, and it com- it's amazing how like, when I was making that transition, one of the regional managers, like, is explaining all this to me. And I'm like, is this what support feels like? She's like, yeah, feels great, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. Like, I want to work for this company who supports me and 
wants to take care of me and wants me to be a part of their like their, their organization like it's great um so i'm happy about that so that's what i do outside wrigley um yeah job wise that's what i do outside of it so now tell me about this cat you have there i didn't even know you had any pets uh, tell me about this cat you got there well yeah none of you i'm assuming uh, everyone's listening or will be listening to this um there's a kitty cat walking around the screen here. His name's Oliver. Uh, he is five. God, going on five and a half now. He's getting old. Um, he's a very good cat. Um, there is only one person Oliver doesn't like, and his name is Eric Heilstead. <laughs> and I wish I was making that up, and I'm not. I don't know what Eric did, but Oliver does not like Eric. He loves everybody else. He's very dog-like, very, very friendly. Um, Really just want some love, but he's a really good animal, and uh, I'm very, very happy that my uh, paths crossed with him. Because um, there was a point where maybe I wasn't going to have him or take him, and I became responsible for him. So I, that's how that went, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, but he's great. He's great. He's a good boy, and I love him. But he hates Eric. So. <laughs> um, now I will say that. So obviously anybody can tell that me and you are completely opposites and everything like you know we, we operate completely differently I um, <laughs> um, but would you agree that once you become a supervisor uh you sort of join this family and you become close to these specific people do you do you, do you agree that when you become a supervisor you become you become a part of a, a whole new family that you did not even know existed uh it's just different do you agree oh absolutely um we're just a bunch of weirdos and misfits. Like we're all just put together and we're all different. And I think that's like, and we've talked about this many times. I can understand sometimes from a security services ambassador aspect where like, well, yesterday this was okay, but today it's not okay. And like, you know, I, I, I get that. I'm not trying to dwell on that. I, I just think I, that's one of my favorite parts about that supervisor was there are so many different types of people in it. And everyone it's just great it's great and but when we get together it's just like it's a thing like it's a thing like and i i I remember experiencing like a few moments like down in that room where i was like oh my god this is amazing this is i totally want to be here for this because you get some sort of like you know this other side of things and this kind of insidey spoopy stuff and um but like everyone you know once we're down there it's like we'll we'll joke and stuff but then when we need to take care of business we do uh but i definitely love the camaraderie i definitely love the mix of people because like you got this group sitting over here but then you got this group sitting over here and then someone will chime in on this group and just it's kind of like this thing where it'll be like hey i don't have anybody who's got somebody i need people like or like somebody will come around and be like i need your radios like you have enough you don't need them you don't need bikes you don't need these get away from me go like it's just again you kind of figure out like how that room works and then once you do it's it's awesome to be down there i love that uh it's great I love, I love it. It's definitely different. Obviously sitting in a, a 204 meeting. Yeah. I said 204 meeting. Shout out to all of you who understand what I'm saying. Uh, like it, it's different sitting in that meeting. Of course, like you have your little groups kind of like the same, but it's just different. It's cause it's a different role. So there's a lot more going on. Other aspects, other, other things come up and, but yeah, no, I, I love, I love being in that room. It's a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, even outside the room, like cause I'll, I'll be at home randomly doing whatever. And this is a true story. I, you, you can vouch for this. I'll just randomly have Dan on my mind. I'll text Dan. Actually, miss you, Dan. What, what are you up to? Like, I'll just randomly want to. But when you were not a supervisor, I wouldn't just randomly text you and say, "I wonder what you're doing today." Like, but now I'm like, I actually miss Franco. Like, what is he doing? Yeah. 
I think there was one time you like we hadn't seen each other. Maybe it was pandemic. You hadn't seen me in a while. You're just like, you know, you're awfully sarcastic all the time. But like, I, I had to say, I kind of missed you. Kind of missed you a little bit. I like, kind of missed you giving me shit all the time. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Totally, no problem. Healthy dose coming your way. It's like, no problem. Oh God, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the point was that I, I threw a big supervisor party at Club 400. You um, did? For everybody. And uh, uh, I got to throw another one so that you can, you know. Um, oh, so know. I can get out. Uh, uh, what's your, oh, God. I was afraid. I was, I was afraid. I'm going to go off. Love that blurry party. picture of me. I was so angry. <laughs> I was so angry. If you're listening to this, you know who you are. You took a blurry <laughs> picture and it made me really upset. Oh, God. I'm like, like when uh, Wendy and I were just like, like oh, come on, the one thing we wanted, and it was just like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, before I started, I'm like, Fingo, I did not want to lose my security deposit. You, you were the only one I was talking to. I did not want to lose my security deposit. Can you fix it? Oh, that's right. No, I, yeah, I love how I was warned, and I was not even like the one person who like you had to say that to. But uh, <laughs> no, that, that was such. I remember like talking about that with everybody, and then like you know talking. Wendy about that stuff and like just being so excited to go out there be with it and it was just so much fun it was so it was so fun to have everybody in there yeah. and all the games and all the fun and, and it was just it was such a good time uh all the cool stuff that I didn't win uh so bad. there were some really cool prizes like and I hate very cool prizes like very very good stuff like um, it wasn't even that it was just to be to be with everyone in that environment and to to have to be able to just walk around and see all this great, amazing memorabilia, amazing memorabilia. And um, to be able to be with everybody, it was, it was fantastic. It was so much fun. Got to see people you haven't seen in a while too. Danielle Alexa, shout out to you. You're part of why I'm amazing or why I'm here. Like, oh God, it was so good to see her. And so again, it's when you get to, when you get together in those moments, that's, that's a big thing for us. And I think it's always been that way. Uh, if we can do something like, uh, you know, something that we need to get back to, I don't know how, Cubs picnic, and Cubs picnic, do it not like just doing it right. How we used to right by Lakeshore, right by the North Avenue park, like Floyd grilling all day. Like we got it. We got to do it. We got it. I don't know how, uh, for Sue Wider, for all those people who used to do it and love it. Like we got it. We got to do it. We got to find a way this year. We got to find a way to do that. So we'll figure it out. But yeah. Again, those that, are the- I told myself that this season I was going to sit back quietly and not do anything that probably won't last. So I'll probably, yeah, well, you know, we're going to have to, I said it now. So because we said it, we have to do it. Um, I'm looking forward to this season. In all honesty, if it happens, do they meet today? They, the players met today, right? Probably, yeah. Who knows? I feel like they'll get a deal done. But regardless of that, um, this will be my 15th year. So, you know, as you guys, most of you know, every five years you get a pin. And so these pins are, they're important to me. This is a big, this is a big one for me. I know like Eric and I are both like five years apart. He gets his 20 this year. I get my 15 and, um, you know, I've reached this point where like, especially even with pandemic, like I remember like there were three phases of pandemic and I don't know how everybody else felt about this. And I, I feel like you're running out of time. So I'll be quick. Uh, but it was like three things. First thing was like, Oh my God, this is the first time in, you know, 12, 13 years. Like I'm not at the ballpark during the summer. This is weird you're watching baseball on tv and there's no fair it's weird everything's just weird and i was like i miss it i really do and then the second part that happened was like oh my god i really didn't miss a lot of you you guys are terrible it's a really toxic environment sometimes and like i didn't need to be there and i'm sorry that's just this is how it went for me and then the third part of it was me realizing and i think you'll appreciate this 
that I just spent a whole summer working my other job. I wasn't at the ballpark. I was fine. And I didn't work Wrigley and I didn't have Wrigley in my life. And I, I don't need to be there anymore. And if I don't want to be there anymore, I don't have to be there anymore. And I think you will appreciate this and the, old, and the people who have been there really a long time know, we, it comes up once in a while where you're like, you ever wonder what you'd be doing if you weren't doing it? And this idea creeps into your head that you're like, what? It's, this is 15 years for me. So you can imagine all the other people who've talked this and said this with more experience, you know? And I, I just reached, and it was always hard for me to let it go. It's that FOMO, that fear of missing out. But then I realized I'm still going to see my friends. I'm still going to go hang out with my friends, like in the neighborhood or wherever I need to go to. I will make the effort to go do that. That's what happened during pandemic. So that was the big thing for me. And so I'm at a point where like, I'm going to do this and like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, this is it. Like I'm going to really evaluate like how I feel about everything. Um, because I, I put a lot of time into it. Uh, I will say I really, and I know a lot of people feel this way about it. Who've been there a while. I really want an all-star game, major league baseball. If you're listening, we, we're a little overdue here. This is supposed to happen already. We had the world series. So we're definitely due. We're done with the renovations. Give it to us in the next three, four years, please. Cause I'm really, we all really want it. We all really want to work that. Uh, what was the last one? 1990. Yeah. yeah so we need it. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm just, I'm excited, but um, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again and getting back into that rhythm and having a full, first full year as a supervisor, you know, so uh, it'll be good. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that for sure. I'm definitely going to take my time and kind of cherish like the times I have there and all the, all the good times there uh, this year, for sure. All right. Now you brought up Wendy. So tell our audience who that is. Uh, okay. <laughs> Wendy is my girlfriend. Um, she is fantastic. She's wonderful. Um, she's very supportive. Uh, honestly. And so in like the last couple of years, obviously you guys know, I, with the Wrigley thing went from being security to like supervisor. And then um, same thing with my other job. So it was like two promotions in one year. Um, and for me, and I think uh, the people who know me well know that like, it's really hard for me to get out of my comfort zone. It's really, 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 really hard. And um, Wendy has been nothing but supportive about it. And I could not ask for a better person to be next to, um, you know, we have crazy paths, like, how we met and how everything kind of went off and we have our, we have our own pass and it, I'm, I'm so glad our past met and we're, we're together. We're doing those paths together now. And um, it's honestly the easiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I don't have to turn my brain on. Uh, so for those of you listening, like if you don't have to turn your brain on, you're doing something right. Um, wonderful, supportive, can't ask any more of her. She does everything for me. So I, I've, I'm very much appreciative of her. And obviously those of you who have met her know, like, She's fantastic. She gives me a lot of shit, but that's why everybody likes her. <laughs> she keeps me in line. So totally okay with that. Definitely, um, definitely something I need and something I want in my life. So very, very good. Nothing but positive vibes there. So now, this next, question, question, this question next question. question. <laughs> not related to Wendy, but I was, I was told I had to ask you this question. So I'm going to ask you, um, do you want kids and how do you envision little fine goals? Who, 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 who told you, who wanted to hear the answer to this question? Who, want, who wanted to hear this question? I'll find out later, regardless of that. Um, I mean, right now, no. Like, right, right now, I, no, no, I'm not. I think you people know kind of when they're ready or they're not ready. Um, 
Do I think I would be a horrible father? No, I don't think so. I think I have good qualities that like would make me a great father. And every, obviously it's different when you have your own, whatever. Um, yeah, obviously uh, one day that'd be amazing. How do I envision them? They'd be horrible. They would be God awful. I, like my mom and dad tell me how like crazy I was as a kid and how like awful I could be. And I know how awful I could be. And to think that I would want to make like a mini version of that. Like you having a kid, like someone having a child is like, it's like having the worst roommate ever. Like where like they would walk in a room, take something you love, smash it on the ground and go, ha, and just leave and just walk out of the room. You can't do anything. You can't do anything about it. You're stuck. You have to be with this. It's a roommate you can't get rid of. Uh, and I mean that in the best way, you know, but like I, yeah, it'll be one day that'd be great. But whoever the hell wanted to know the answer to this, I'm gonna find you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, we're gonna have a conversation. I'd really like to know why that needed to be asked. But okay, <laughs> that's my answer. I don't know. So I always let my guests ask me at the end one question. Do you have one question that you want to ask me? Why are you the way you are? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> no, I'm joking. That was not the question. Uh, if I could ask you one question. Um, wait, how, in, in how am I? Wait, no, no, no. How am I? Wait, how am I? I'm giving you shit, man. Giving you shit. In all seriousness, though, I'm going to ask you something because um, I find myself at my new job, like it's very different. It's a bigger building. And so I'm very full service. And so I want to do everything for everybody all the time. But because this building is like 21 floors, 195 units, and I'm in the back in the package room and then the phone's ringing, but then someone's got to take food upstairs, but then somebody needs something out of here. And there's a thousand, how do you, and I, I know this, I'm asking you this because I know you do the podcast, you do this, you do this, you, you, you like work for every Chicago sports team, minor and major league. Like, I think you own the bears or you're going to be the next GM at this point. Uh, time management, like balance. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you fit everything in or how do you, like, do you sacrifice certain things or do you know, do you prioritize? Like what, what is your, how do you time manage? How do you balance? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, although it looks like I am extremely busy because I've been investing for so long, more than 10 years, uh, I don't have to work as much. Uh, so I, I'm usually done with my days at 10 AM every day. I'm usually done. Um, with what I have to do for anybody, an assignment for another job or whatever, because I do my own consulting and that kind of thing. But um, I don't really like work other than like Wrigley Field. Or I, I can go do the, a Bears game here or there. Um, so I have more time than it looks like. I'm, I'm not doing a nine to five job because I'm living off of dividends and investments, that kind of thing. Um, and I will say this though, I have, um, everybody knows, you know, uh, Jordan, WCC, 12, 13 years old, uh, whatever. Right. So I, I will say that I, in this year alone, um, with college being the most expensive, by the way, when you do have kids, college is the most expensive. Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. It's awful. Uh, he'll call me for some books. I'm thinking like a hundred dollars. Nope. $400. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, my priority now is, you know, having, helping this person get through college. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think time management for me really is I make sure that I schedule myself on my schedule, right? Like I make sure that there is, some time here between this time and this time that it's just for me, nobody can get to. Oh, totally. No, uh, uh, I, I I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really doing as much as people think I am. I don't really work. I <laughs> know. I hear you. No. And I, I appreciate that. Cause I, and kind of to play off what you said, just as a quick note, like 
everyone's like, oh, you got to work this winter. You're going to go work the park and stand outside and negative zero degree weather and <laughs> hang out at the ice rink. And I'm like, as much as I always say, yeah, I'm going to, I hit a point and I'm like, no, because this is my time for me where I reset. I have one job, I reset. And then like, I like coming home. I like seeing Wendy and I like, we like doing things. And so like that, you know, during the, you know, obviously we have time during the summer, we make that time, but that's kind of like how I am. I make that time now. This is what like, no, that takes the precedent. Like I want to go, like, I want to hang out. I want to be at home. I want to be on my, my own schedule. Cause come April through September, it doesn't work that way. It's like every other weekend pending, like you going away on a vacation or something for a couple of days, you know, that's, it's just every other weekend. I'm working seven days a week, you know, and uh, during the week I'm working X amount of hours and it's just, you know, you wake up and then you go to bed, you're like, I'm tired, but you know, so that's, I can appreciate that. Yeah. You definitely. But I'm also there. much, much, much older than you though. So, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, what, time, you are not, how much, like what you're like, what, 39, 38, 39. I will be uh 44 on February 23rd. Shut up. Okay. Yeah, everybody says that. Everybody's surprised. Birthday's the twenty sixth. That's awesome. February birthdays. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, uh, me and uh, me and Toya have the same birthday. Me and Toya are both born on the twenty third. That's right. Toya, miss you. Love you. Yep. Uh, uh, so, uh, but when, I, when I was but when I was younger, yeah, I was doing all that. But now I'm now yeah. I'm sort of. Oh, l- let me be very clear. This whole like evaluating, like I'm getting to a point, and I listen. I'm thirty one. I'm still young, and I know that. But like, I'm getting to a point where like I'm getting a little tired. Getting a little tired of those 16-hour days. Let me tell you, man, yeah. it's like it takes a toll on you, especially when you're on your feet that long. Like, it's just it, – and, and don't get me wrong. Irregularly is the most fun and, like, best, like, part-time seasonal gig you, anyone could ever ask for. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just – but, you know, long days sometimes, man. And so I, I feel that, you know, you obviously have some length on me, so I really shouldn't be able to say much, but, you know, whatever. I get it, man. I get there it. are days when I used to be able to, no problem, go from the concourse yeah. to the upper deck ramps, no problem, up and down, boom, boom, boom. Now, now they're like, elevator, elevator. <laughs> <laughs> we have them now. You don't have to walk all the way to one <laughs> elevator. So you could actually be like, yeah. I guess I'll stop yeah. in the air conditioning, see what's going on in Premier. Right. Like, and oh. I know people are listening like, well, Frank, 44 is not old or what have you, but no, of um, course. When you've been, when you've been, when you work the way we work in Chicago, oh yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. For yeah, I've been playing around that park since I was 16, running around doing whatever, and now I'm just like, hey, you know, I gotta. Get, I mean, I look oh, at me. and when, when Eric and I used to do con- like the concourse when it was the concourse, like we would lose 10 to 15 pounds easy <laughs> from a- in April and May, and we would be like, we'd be sweating every day. We would be, we were so insane, and then like. Yeah, no, now I'm just, I'm just fat now. I'm just fat. Like, I don't, it's like, it does, no, there's no, yeah, no, no, we don't do anything. You you, uh, eat as much as I eat, so I mean, we eat the same. Oh, absolutely. Well, your metabolism, metabolism is apparently much better, so. I'm waiting until my mom, my mom said, when you hit 30, it's going to hit, it didn't hit. When you hit 40, it's going to hit, it didn't hit. So I haven't gained, I'm just waiting. Maybe when I hit 50, it'll all come out. I'll change your name to Fat Frank in my phone. I don't have it. It'll be great. Uh, but before we go, there's one, there's one segment that we do where our guests, you, if you get it, if you can answer this question, you win a prize for. Oh, uh, I love prizes! Members, uh, and our uh, and thank you for being a member, by the way, on Patreon, Daniel. But so you're playing today for all. Oh, wow, this is funny. You're playing for Paula Bach. So if you answer this, if you can get this question right, Paula Bach will win a prize. Uh, no pressure, but. 
Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, these questions are all uh, mistaken identity based, by the way. So uh, if you get the question right, Paula will win a prize. And she has two weeks to call us and claim a prize. So let's see if you can win a prize for Paula. Uh, what is the question going to be? Let's see. Paula, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try here. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. No, I don't like that reaction. Why all are you right. reacting that way? So, um, we have a brand new TV channel, and we have a mascot for that TV channel. What is his name? We have a random TV channel, and we have a mascot for the TV channel. Mistaken identity, yes. What is the name of the mascot? <laughs> Why would I know that? Why would I pass this information? Brave space, man. Paula, this is okay. Who's who's writing these questions down? Who who in the does anybody know? Oh God, do I get hints? Do can I can I phone a friend? Can I use a lifeline? Can I do a 50-50? Like anything? No, no that's cheating. That's cheating. How about I gotta give you one more? I gotta give you one yeah, more. Yeah, come on. The answer, these the all podcast-related questions. Uh, the answer to that is Jordash, which is the wolf. That's our mascot. Um, Let me give you one more. Give me a name for an animal. Let me give you one more. Give you one more. Well, I'm sure you can assume who was named after. But here we go. All right, here we go. <laughs> so what you're what you're saying is by that reaction is I'm about to let Paula down twice. Great. Go ahead. Right, Just go so, ahead. Go over your questions. Obviously, we have a new TV channel. Uh, can you don't, name? Don't, can you name one of the platforms our TV channel will be on? What are one of the streaming the one of the streaming services that I was okay? That was going to be my little side question. Is it a streaming service? Yes. What is one of them that's going to be on? This you should know. Come on. YouTube. Streaming service that is going to TV channel. Streaming service. Okay. Uh, Hulu. We're not that big. Yes. <laughs> We're not that okay. Sorry, I gave credit credit to you guys. Like, give me your hint. All right, we'll look at it. Streaming service not that big. Give me your hint. Sure. The letter R. Roku. Yes, there you go. All right, Paul Paul you got it right. Paul wins. Woo! <laughs> it took me eight guesses, but we got it. <laughs> yes. Paula, you just want a car. Frank just got you a car. Congratulations. <laughs> Oh, wow, this is, I gotta have you back. This is well, this, I knew this would be a ratings boost. I knew this would be a good episode. These are definitely level. gonna be the worst ratings you've ever had for your podcast. Absolutely not. I need to see the numbers. Show me the numbers when they're done. <laughs> I, I would love to see the numbers compared to everybody else. I guarantee you it's the worst on you. Oh, it's and uh, well, well over time. But Daniel, thank you so much. Um, thank you. I, I really appreciate being here. Uh, miss all you guys. We'll see you soon. Um, thank you for asking great questions. Uh, it was great. No, it was great. I, I would love to come back. So whenever you want me, just let me know. All right. So we will catch all of you on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Hey guys, if you're hearing my voice here again, that means we've reached the end of the show. It's that time again for all the thank yous and special messages and disclaimers, you know, all the stuff you really tune in for each week. A big thank you yet again to all of our supporters who not only continue to tune into our show, but take the time to hit the like button, write reviews, and share our content on social media. It all really helps us grow our audience. Our Patreon page continues to thrive as well as we're working not only on the podcast, but Roku channel and the book club and on and on and on. If you'd like to be a part of that expanding mistaken identity experience, follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page or go to patreon.com and search mistaken identity podcast for all the ways you can sign up to access this multitude of additional content. 
Mistaken Identity is also now a part of the Unconfined Network, which is a home to many podcasts whose hosts have met inside the walls of Wrigley Field. Check out the network's other show offerings. Head to unconfinednetwork.com. That's all one word, unconfinednetwork.com, to view all of our shows and their catalogs. Shouts out to Frank Walker, Jesse Graham, and Jordan Burks for their continued efforts both in front and behind the scenes to keep Mistaken Identity rolling along every week. And of course, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. This is Joe Flaherty for the Mistaken Identity Podcast saying stay safe, and we'll catch you next time beyond the ballpark. Join us on the road to our 10,000th download and the launch of our new TV channel with the limited edition Mistaken Identity Podcast shirt made by Obvious Shirts, of course. Click the link in our show notes to purchase before they're all gone. Make sure to tag us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter while wearing your shirt for a chance to win additional merchandise. The 2-2 pitch. There's a drive. Friday on the Mistaken Identity Podcast, brought to you by Fanatics, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Head on over to the show notes to gain access to the worldwide leader in licensed sports merchandise from all of your favorite teams, and be on the lookout for your chance to win some free items. Now, here are your hosts, Frank and David. everybody welcome back to the mistaken identity podcast with uh not frank or david uh it's <laughs> joe clarity again and maybe by that laugh you can tell we have a repeat guest our first repeat guest in mistaken identity history in the long and fabled history of uh, mistaken identity we are welcoming back Mr. Michael Kincaid to the podcast. Mike, how's Yay. it going, man? It is good. Yes. Um, I'm the first repeat and the lowest um, <laughs> listened to, probably, I'm guessing. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, no. I I, prob- I think my segment, my uh, hot take segment gets way less listens than, uh, than anything uh, involving you. 
I don't know. People are tired of me, but hey, they're, they're going to get another hour of me. So let's let's see if how they like it. No, at the very least. Hey, I I will say, um, you're you are like the soundtrack of Wrigley to me for obvious reasons because you were in my ear for like eight years. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, no. Because um, the way that you would handle stuff in Dispatch. I would be able to anticipate your response to things so well because I know like your personality and like how you <laughs> deal with uh, adversity. And also, I don't think many people know this, but you're basically the reason I'm wearing this World Series ring mm. because I talked with Corey, um, plug for my own podcast I did with Corey, um, my default response for getting promoted to supervisor was like, I don't want the smoke. And then I talked to you about it and you're like, Oh yeah, I already recommended you. And then you showed me like the letter of recommendation. And I was like, well, I guess I'm doing that. Um, so I was yeah. just uh, like, I, I know you're obviously like not only with the Cubs, but what you do um, with like iGrow and in the community and stuff, you're like a very uplifting and positive and trying to push other people who you see in that right direction. Do I have that right? Like, is that kind of uh, most, most days? Yeah. Most days. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely got that feel from, because it wasn't just me you recommended. I think there were a few other people, but um, that all happened to be in the best possible season to do that. And I guess on a personal note, like what did you see, in me, like how great did you think I was? <laughs> <laughs> that you know what? That's that's a great question. Um it was it was an easy decision. It was an easy decision. Um I had told this to Gene. Gene knows this. And it was when we were becoming supervisors. And all of the other supervisors were a little bit older than us, and we were we were actually young pups at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay. When these guys are done and they were older and they couldn't do the things that we could do and run around and deal with all these security issues and whatnot. And it's like, okay, as long as they know that when they decide it's time for them to go, they're leaving Wrigley in good hands. We wanted them to see the good example that we were doing. Um, and so when I became a supervisor um, and going through the years and whatnot, it was easy to see who stood out. And everybody does a good job at Wrigley. But some people, you can tell they have the passion and, 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 and care about it a lot. And he's like, okay, I know if I'm not here, I don't have to worry if Joe has a job. Or, or Joe's running things. Or, or at that point, it was, it was, I remember exactly who I recommended. Um, it was you and Megan Steiner. Mm -hmm. Even I had I had written the letter probably a good month before I even had spoken to you guys, uh, and it was such an easy decision for me, and it was just because of that. It's like I know if, if I'm not here and I don't have I I trust me I have a lot of trust issues when it comes to Wrigley, um, because I've it's it was my first job, and it was the first thing I did. I'd spent so much time there. Like they say, you can. Some people know where the bar the bodies are buried. Well, <laughs> I'm one of those people that help dig those holes, you know? Mm -hmm. I like and so that's why it means it means so much to me that it's taken care of properly. And I know how cheesy that sounds, but again, when I'm not there, who's gonna take care of our home? Right. Especially this is such, this is such a special place. And 
he could easily see it in you. <laughs> and that's why I was like, no brainer, no brainer. If he wants it, which is funny because I was thinking of the first time I'd heard your name. Um, I thought you were going to get fired. What? <laughs> so, oh yeah. And I've never told you the story. No, I've, dish. It, um, it was the off season or was it? It was before the off season. And I was in some meeting with Hannah. Mm-hmm. And Hannah, I think we were about to do hiring or something. And Hannah was all flustered. And I generally don't see Hannah not professional and flustered. And she was like, and I, she finally like opened up. She's like, Hannah, what's going on? She's like, such and such from um, upstairs had sent her this letter about this Joe Flaherty kid. He wants to do dot, dot, blah, blah, and he can't do it. He doesn't realize, I don't know what I'm going to do with this kid. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh. I, I kind of know your, his name, but I think Joe's getting fired. Mm. <laughs> and so it's like, uh-oh. And that was the first time I heard your name. Clearly, you didn't get fired. Mm-hmm. Clearly, something came out of it. But it's like, oh. And I, I never forgot that name from that point on. It's like, oh, he he he, he survived the the Hannah trauma. <laughs> and so I grew out of turmoil, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I guess the podcast friendly version of that story, I don't know how much we want to get into it. Um, but b- between Hannah and, and Matt Kenny, they were the people, it wasn't even a disagreement. It was just like a, a mix up of communication basically. Yeah. Um, so when I was at Loyola still, I had to do a, <sighs> like a cumulative final project that was like 80% of my grade for a video production class. And this was during, um, this was during the time when the Cubs were doing the video boards and there was kind of Mm -hmm. that dispute with the rooftops. And I went to my professor. I'm like, Hey, this was prior when Russell, um, I was able to work with him through the proper channels while I was still a broadcast communication student and get press credentials so I could shoot B-roll. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I could ask Matt and Hannah and see if I can go through and get press credentials so I could just shoot generic footage of Wrigley Field um, because, like, I, I was just doing, like, a fact-based story. Like, here's what the people on the rooftops think. Here's what the Cubs think if they want to talk. And here's what it looks like. Um and then they asked me repeatedly, like, what's the nature of your project? And I, I was on a deadline and I needed to have like a really fleshed out first draft in a month's time. Right. So I kept going back and forth with them. And I, up front, I was like in the email that I first sent them. I was like, also, if this is like something you don't want me to do, tell me right now <laughs> because <laughs> I need to change my plan. They're like, oh, we'll, 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 we, we'll see what we could work out. And then they kept like, every couple of days, like, Oh, well, what's the nature of this? Pre- and what are you going to ask? And this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, okay, okay. Just kind of like holding on hope that they were going to give me either an approval or a no. Mm-hmm. And so then there was eventually one day, cause I had already interviewed a bunch of rooftop owners. Right. I was like, Oh, that's an interesting opinion. And I wonder what the Cubs think, or if, even if they want to comment and I wonder if I can get footage. I went and I was interviewing people on a day I didn't work outside of Wrigley field. And then they brought me over. They, they, they finally did call my cell phone and they brought me over and to gate K, which it was formerly known as, I don't, I don't know what it yes. is now. Um, and they're like, Oh yeah, we have grounds to terminate you. I was like, excuse me. And they're like, yeah, you know, like you're, you're totally abusing your, 
your role with the Cubs? And I was like, did I not like in, in my very first email, like you could pull it up. I, I told you, if you don't want me to do this, I won't do it. And they're like, well, just, you know, think it through better next time. I'm like, oh, trust me, there won't be a next time. I'm not going to do anything like related, you know, if like, yeah. literally, I'm not, if you don't want me to talk about it, I won't. So, um, but then beyond that, um, during the interview process for being a supervisor, they did mm-hmm. um, bring that up a few times. And I was like, you know, I think it was more so that like, we just didn't, what each party was saying to each other, like just wasn't landing properly right at the time. And then like, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Here's your new job. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, but yeah, enough about me. Um, so you said you, you basically kind of, that was your first job. You grew up at Wrigley more or less. Um, so did you start as an usher? Um, I started as a security guard. So basically I wrote a letter to the Cubs in the winter. Um, they sent it back. I didn't care what my, I didn't, I never, I didn't had no idea what the job would be. I just like, I would like to work for the Cubs. And I sent it to, at that point, it was Andy McPhail. Mm. Um, and they sent me, they told me to come in for an interview. I came in, um, this old school, this was Cubs Clubhouse. Um, and at that point, I wasn't in love with Wrigley to like understand just how amazing this was. Mm. Um, and went through the whole process. And I spent my first season on the bleacher wall, entirely on the bleacher wall. The whole season? Um, whole season which wow. now i can't complain about because it was um 1998 oh come and on that, <laughs> it was 1998 uh the home run race just in if there was any year to be at wrigley field in the bleachers dude that was <laughs> i would i would love yeah i couldn't have been any luckier so you were were you like in right field I tried so this is this is this is how I know that I'm I'm probably one of the luckiest people in the world. Um most of the time I was in left field because I wanted to be by Ray, old man old Ray Roselle on his name is Rivera, whatever whatever Ray's name is. Because I thought Ray was entertaining and I knew the crowd over there. Um and then the other times and I didn't get to right field often. Mm-hmm. It was mostly in left field because I really everyone wanted to be in right field. Understandable. Um, the few times I did get in, in right field, the one um, I got in right field for Kerry Woods twentieth, which I didn't twenty strikeouts, which I had no idea was happening. Um, but yeah, the, I spent the entire season out there. I was one of the few people that actually spent every day, um, and it was. That's literally how I fell in love with the Cubs. Just wrapped up in that whole moment of it. So oh, man. That, I'm, I just keep thinking back to that. Like yeah, I did the hot takes about like the whole Hall of Fame process and how basically that entire generation is not only responsible for bringing in and tying people for life to baseball, like oh, yeah. you, like me, but I mean they're also scapegoated forever now because of the implications <laughs> with you know PEDs and everything. Um, oh yeah. But so that was like, that was your jam, like late 90s. That was it. I mean, and I can, you could tell just from how the season started. So how the season ended, like 
short of expectations. Everyone, every year there's expectations on the Cubs, mm-hmm. um, that general expectations. But this year brought in not the not the average Cub fan. It brought in not the average baseball fan. This brought in someone who barely paid attention. This brought mm-hmm. in the circus atmosphere mm-hmm. of everyone being outside of Wrigley and everyone just wanting to be around the park. That was the start of it. And so, so yeah, it, it was easy. It's like, okay, if this is the electricity that's going to be here every time I come to Wrigley Field, I need to be here every day. Right. And that, so did that season, I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but what season I'm assuming you were there for 03, 07, 08, 15, and 16 then. <laughs> yes. So of those also playoff seasons, which one reminded uh, you of 98 the most? Um, it was the year where I don't remember exactly which year it was, but it was the year we had Kerry Wood, Matt Clement, Zambrano, Mark Pryor, Mark Grace. 03. I mean, not Mark Grace. Greg Maddox, like just, I was like, okay, we have the greatest pitching staff ever. Mm-hmm. Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor are just the best pitchers in baseball. I was, I was such a huge Mark Pryor fan, such a huge Mark Pryor fan. Me too. And you could see that, and the guys knew they were good. They mm-hmm. knew what they were supposed to do. Um, and so, and every, it's one of those things where every, all the fans know how team, how good this team is and everyone just knows they're going to win and they're winning games where they shouldn't. And it's like, yes, yes, this is it. You can feel it. You know, it's going to happen. Um, and then just happened to be one of those years where the rug gets pulled out of you right at the end there. And I kind of got used to that happening a lot. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I do. So I you're referring to the Bartman ball situation. Um well, I, remember, I haven't even gotten to that point. I'm just in general, just like uh Oh yeah, I mean, like Cubs fandom in general. Well, it's cause I mean but I before I even get to Bartman, um because just happened to be there, even though I don't tell that story often. It's one of those days I was working. Um it, again, like we still had a chance to win. Mm-hmm. It was, a, it was all right. We got Kerry Wood. Right. This team is awful. We got Kerry Wood the next day at home. No, it doesn't matter. We're going to win. And no. And then it was like that again when we went to, we went to LA like a couple years later and mm-hmm. it's like, you just kind of got used to it. Um, as, as far as the Bartman incident, um, um, yeah, I, and I don't bring it up much cause I didn't have that much involvement, but I, I was, I was there. I was there when it happened. I was, uh, in dispatch. Ooh. Um, I had, all right, here comes a typical Mike story. So I had gone on strike that season. Okay. Of course. Of course I was, um, long story short, I was tired of wearing my hat <laughs> because you had to wear a hat. And I kept sweating through it and they kept making me pay for it. So I was like, I'm not going to work the playoffs like they would care. Mm-hmm. And I would only work um, the midnight shifts after the games. And so I come in um, preparing for the end of the game to work the midnight shift for that day. And so naturally I come in and I go in the office literally just as the Bartman situation happens. Oh, man. 
And so, so I'm watching it play out on this our little TV, and then it's like, uh oh, I need and that's I just knew to stay out of the way because I because the whole world exploded at that point in that office. Yeah. So, so this was this is what you clocked into. This this is, is what literally what I clocked into. Like, oh, <laughs> there's there's nothing good I can bring to any of this. I'm gonna stand <laughs> over here and let them um, figure this out. So how much of that? did like that whole process did you because i know they t- they took him to holding after a while because oh, i saw was... it all play out okay. i saw it when he came in i saw when um patty talked to him in there <laughs> like because he had no idea um and i'm he looked like i look like like a guy who like with just eyes bright wide like what is what's happening right now mm-hmm. <laughs> like where am i and how did i get here and what's happening next because it definitely can't go back out there <laughs> so. no not not ever yeah. um apparently uh so by that by that time by 03 then you were already like getting into dispatch i want to know like what that bridge over to dispatch was for you um so when i started supervisors did dispatch every supervisor did dispatch oh um and you would switch yeah and then i became a supervisor and i did it i mean that's like when we used to have paperwork and whatnot mm-hmm. you had to do and it was they were on you um mike and julius and those guys you had to have your paperwork done you had to, everyone did dispatch um again i was a youngster and I had seen all these older supervisors do it and whatnot, and it didn't seem like the most relaxing job. Mm-hmm. And so I would freaking out. I've, and I don't show it very often, but I have anxiety to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And I was freaking out having at my turn to do dispatch. And so here comes my turn. And the one thing I know is everybody's listening. So which means I can't mess up. Well, unless the radio is like busted, but unless the radio, unless it's not my, yeah, unless something else is going on, I can't mess up. And so I would literally say my anxiety pushed me to doing a great job and to the point where it's like, oh, he seemed all right. Let him do it again. Let him do it for a weekend. Mm. And like, it wasn't me. It was just me. I didn't want to mess up and get yelled at. Just it was fear. Yeah. It was a ton of, yeah, it was mostly fear because I knew they were all looking and waiting for me to mess up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't, I was literally just afraid. Um, and it got to the point where like, well, Mike seems really good at this. Um, everyone else can just kind of stay and do their job. Um, and they're like, all right, well, you want to do it? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and literally that's, that's honestly, I, I didn't like, it was mo- again, out of anxiety and fear, I perfected it. And then, and just from listening to everyone else and knowing what they needed on just in the office and like how I would want to be spoken to, it just kind of came like, okay, this is how I would say it naturally. This is how I would say if I was next to someone, this is what I would tell them. Let's bring that here. Cause it seems to be calming. I'm not freaking out. I wouldn't freak out if I were out there. Why would I freak out on the microphone? That's not helping anybody. So when did it start just, to, to feel a little bit more natural for you? Like second, third, fourth? Um, I'd say probably I got my first good job from Paul and Paul was like the head, head, head guy 
of event operations. Mm. And that's when I knew he trusted me. And I knew Mike, like, trusted me without without a pinch. It wasn't a, well, let's get, I mean, there was like, there'd be a really big game or a really big series. And it's easy to second guess. Let's put Floyd or someone in there with experience. And they didn't even second guess, guess about me being there. Nice. That's when I was like, okay, I know what my role is. Because, every, again, everyone has a role. Some people just do the bleachers and do it really well. Some people do the field really well. And I was like, all right, this is what they know I'm They think I'm good at. So I got to be good at it. Yeah, you, you you essentially built the trust there to the point where they're like, if it's a high leverage, like you, you're basically we're the closer. Like, okay, we'll just put we'll put him right. here because we know he'll execute. Exactly, and so that was cool. I loved I and I loved that they had that trust in me. So, yeah. Um. So that that was basically the majority of your role for then fifteen years. For right? yeah, I yeah, and it was. And I appreciate it because I got to, it was the trust in decision-making. Um, and again, I got to know, I got to know who was doing what and what they were doing and how, and what they were good at outside. Because again, I'm listening and seeing everything. Mm-hmm. And so being like that other, that third ear or there's third pair of eyes or fourth pair of eyes was awesome that I could add to and say, okay, this is when it would became easy to recommend someone like you or like, like Steiner or like a neat, because you can give someone a job and you trust them and you see what they're doing before that. It's like, or like someone in the bleachers, like, okay, this person needs a chance. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's the, that's the part of it. I loved. Right. Yeah. I mean, in a way you were essentially like big brother of Wrigley because like <laughs> in, in that way you, you kind of have like a, everyone's pull or at least to the to the most extent like you had an idea of like okay what is this person's radio communication frequency how often are they calling in issues how often are they you know following up taking care of things like you could have kind of like a mental running tally of like okay this this guy seems pretty on top of it or like oh you know if i put so and so in the upper deck i might not hear from them the whole night um, and you know i'll tell you another thing of it um that i brought to it that and and again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back whatsoever. Pat away. Um, <laughs> but I kind of understood what our bosses like. They had a job to do, and they didn't know the staff like I knew the staff because I with I'm concerned. I'm staff. Mm-hmm. I hang out. I see these. I see these people. I hang out with these people and I talk to them because that's who I am. That's where I came from. Um, and so our bosses are just so focused on getting their job done that they miss the, the empathy part or the human part of like what we do. Um, I mean, it's easy when you're so focused on getting your job done, you don't realize that, Oh, well, such and such does this or such and such has a degree in this and could actually do this too, Mm. or add this, or, you know, it's, and you miss that. Or even like, okay, well, they have this going on, or they have this going on. Um, it was funny when I was listening to you and Corey. One of the big things, and I remember it so so vividly. Um, it was Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and our bosses had no idea, like how that 
thinking that would affect you and Corey. And I remember calling you and Corey in the office. It's like, how would you miss that? How would you not think that, <laughs> you know? And that's, and that's just because, again, they miss that human side of it. And knowing just I'm 90% emotion and the other side kind of jobby. <laughs> but I knew that. Like, I knew that would be important. They're like, all right, maybe they need a minute, you know, on a day like today. Or someone's like, I know they have this going on. Maybe someone should go like just see what's up with them, you know? Yeah. And I knew, like, okay, as long as I'm here, I can add that to it. So I know there's not, let's just work this person to the, to the ground and not care about them and tell them to do their job, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, obviously appreciate you for that still to this day. Um, and when, like, it's so necessary to, like, like you're saying, if you have, you know, so many, pe- so many high level people running around with, a, a huge array of responsibilities day to day to have someone in the middle, like with that emotion, with that ability to have an ear to the ground, to be kind of tapped into who's doing what behind the scenes on the scenes uh, and putting those pieces in the right place on basically on their behalf, like, right. So that they have one less thing on their plate. Uh, I think is so, so important. I think, uh, I don't think you could overstate, especially like when, when I was there, at least like, the uh, a large part of the efficiency of our department would be due to like the rapport that you specifically had in dispatch and facilitating things. Um, and with that came a lot of, like you said, you're not like you're more than the third set of eyes because you'd be hitting me up like as soon as I clocked in with information that I wouldn't be aware of, but was so happy that you brought to my table because <laughs> Because of you, I met Javi Baez before he became a major yes. leaguer. I met Jimmy Butler. I met Scotty Pippen. I met, like, w- how, di- like, you seemed so plugged in and you were so, like, nonchalant about it, which made it that much cooler. Like, <laughs> hey, um, 13, could you go meet someone at, like, whatever gate? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Just thinking it's like a fan or like maybe a wheelchair run or something. Yeah. It's like Charles Tillman. I'm like, uh, dude, what, what do we do? So like every time you would call me, especially from the concourse over, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> who's going to be this time? Um, I, I, I mean, I, you deserve that. I mean, and it's, it's again, I know what it's, and despite being a supervisor, I know what it's like to be a worker. I know what it's like to be on that side and be like, all right what's going to happen today? Am I just going to go through my day like whatever? Mm. Or someone, you know, it helps when someone's looking out for you and someone can give you that perk or whatever. And, you know, so I know what that means to people and especially like you, you earned that. Um, And I can't take all the credit. Um, I worked with Jack a lot and Jack, Jack kind of was the same way and he fed into that. Yeah. Jack was, Jack's a man. Jack is the man. So, you keep up with him at all? I, I, see I him keep up with Facebook. Uh, now that Jack is in love, oh. um, he's less talkative. But yes, I, um, as much as possible, um, I'm probably going to head up and see him next summer now. Uh, but yeah, I keep up with Jack a lot. He's he's Jack is doing well. Jack has finally found um, his his spot in life. So you still playing uh, water polo? Cause I know he used to talk about that all the time. No, Jack again. Now Jack's in love. So now he's all domest- domesticated. Mm. 
Yeah. So now he's in the lake a lot, just messing around and doing stuff and hiking. So, okay. but good for him. He loves, he's in love. He loves that life. No. So. Well, when you talk to him next, tell him I say hello and send him Absolutely. Yes. Um, so let's, let's put a little bow on, on this dispatch uh, story <laughs> yes. here. L- let me hear the, man, I don't know how to phrase it, like to not sound cliche, like, the outside of Bartman, the craziest experience that you can share on the podcast that you had in dispatch and like the coolest thing that like, if I wasn't in this position, I wouldn't have experienced this. Um, okay. So I'd say one of the coolest things, um, was being able to, we got the call when the Cubs were going to the world series. I got Mm -hmm. to make the call. Um, which I never thought I'd make. And I tried to, and I prayed, tried to be so nonchalant and cool about it. Um, another cool thing, uh, Jack and I, so Schwarber hits this home run ball to God knows where. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is when everyone had no idea where it was. And Jack and I being the nerds that we are and sometimes getting bored in there, we start looking for the home run ball because Jack doesn't believe that it left. He thinks it's up on the roof up there by the sign. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, it's when we should be paying attention, we're messing around with these cameras. Try, he's trying to prove me like trying to prove himself. Right. And lo and behold, we find, he finds the baseball. It's where you find some over home run on top of the and scoreboard. Yeah. On top of the scoreboard. And, before that, no one had an, any idea. And we're like, all right, well, should we call somebody? <laughs> should we, who, who do you tell? Um, and so that was the cool thing that we actually got to tell the Cubs that, hey, there's a, the home, there's a home run ball up there that you may <laughs> want to go get. Um, there's so much crazy. The one thing I'll never forget as far as crazy, and there's a lot of stupidness and silliness that's gone on in there. Um, the day that always sticks out for me is the whole Bob Gerke story. And you, oh, oh, did you, you not, were you, did you not know that we killed Bob Gerke at one point? Uh, oh no, I can tell the look on your face. Um, it, and I say that cause it's so crazy. Um, so Bob Gerke works in the player's uh, tunnel. Yeah, I and knew I knew Bob. Yeah, so he's working, but he worked there every day, and he and he got to know the Cubs, and he got to know Joe Madden, blah blah blah. And it was a night game, and Joe and Bob wasn't feeling well that day because we had talked. We talked to him when he comes in dispatch. He's like, oh, nah, rah, rah, rah. and that night he still wasn't feeling well, and so we went into extra innings. So now Bob's there actually. So he comes, he drops off his radio, goes home. Um, I come in early the next day, like 12 and I'm not going to say his last name, but the guy also working a player's tunnel named Ken Hmm. comes inside and he tells me, he's like, he's all sad. And he tells me that Bob's dead. It's like, what, what are you, what are you talking? He's like, yeah, Bob passed away. I have his, um, obituary it's mom my mom showed me his obituary and in my head i'm going 
that, that's fast. Right. <laughs> that they, they got that together. And so now I, um, but he's like, yeah, he's got the obituary. He's like, same last name. He's, he's got the obituary with him. And so, and it's sure it's, it's name is, is age. Uh, same last name, same middle name, same what? wife's name. Yeah. So he goes to his tunnel and this is, and now I have to inform people because I'm the first one. He said he didn't tell anyone. So I'm calling, call the office. I call Danielle. Um, I tell man, like our bosses, um, Jack comes in and like, we're just sad. Like he was just here Yeah. again, not putting two and two together. Like how would they have made the obituary that night? Yeah. Overnight. Um, yeah. At least probably an hour and a half later, Danielle calls and she yells on the phone. Bob's not dead. Stop telling people Bob's not dead. Um, apparently, she called his wife. And she said, and she's just not like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Um, what's and she's like, well, she said something about Bob to his wife. And she's like, well, I hope he's okay. I just dropped him off on the bus 10 minutes ago. Oh, my God. Um, and literally, so, yeah, it was a different Bob. But same information and everything. Unbelievable. Different Bob, though. So we tell Joe Madden and the Cubs. Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. And they're, like, really sad. Like, like there's a picture on Facebook of Bob and Joe, and Joe's holding a, a jersey. Yeah, I, I that saw they, that picture, yeah. Yes, that they made in his honor for passing away. Oh. So imagine the look on their face. When he rises from the dead oh and walks in the tunnel. <laughs> oh, dude. He, he had no idea he was dead. So he goes in the, everyone for like a good hour and a half, staff is hearing that he passed away. So he's going in the change and people like, oh, it was awful. It was oh, hilarious. It's hilarious now. <laughs> but yeah. So, okay. So, there was literally yes. a guy with the same age, the same wife same, name, same middle name, same middle name. He was in the um, Navy as well, Marines or whatever. Yeah, and living in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, uh, the I the, the the you couldn't have made a better story than that. And yeah, that's what happened. That's insane. So, yeah, he saw the obituary and and again. N- Normal is like wow, they got that out in twenty less than twelve hours. But no, it never even dawned on me. But. Right, it's like oh man, they're getting really efficient with these obituaries. <laughs> so that's yeah, that is my favorite story. I mean, God bless his soul, he did pass away at the end yeah. of the season. But I will never remember. He walked in, and we were so happy he wasn't dead. Right. <laughs> I can't believe I don't remember this. Maybe, Uh-oh. maybe I—I I don't know. Maybe I wasn't working that day. Oh my god! Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that's sufficiently crazy um, for for dispatch. Uh, yeah. Even Cubs dispatch, which I know can get pretty crazy. Which is, um, yeah, which is again has had its moments. So. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite. So let's let's shift a little bit away from from from. Well, I guess in a way we kind of stayed somewhat near Wrigley with your, your new job you care to fill us oh, in yeah. oh boy yes yeah. so um I have to apologize to everyone so 
at one point in what it, yeah it was last year it was last year um i officially left the chicago cubs i was tired i was i felt like a dinosaur i felt like i had overstayed my welcome everything had changed um it was a pandemic and i was ready to do something new and i thought okay well now's the time to jump which i got ironically when there's the world is shut down probably isn't the best time to jump hey i mean i used that opportunity to move to miami so. exactly i mean and so that's right and that's like you know what and in my head it's like why not now why right. not now and so and so that's i walked away and and i didn't burn any bridges which i thought i would i thought it i thought that i would be so angry and upset just because of how things had changed so much and i wasn't i was very appreciative of the memories and the time i'd spent mm -hmm. um but i was clear it's like okay well i know i'm never coming back to ever do this and i like literally it stopped watching baseball um i stopped i just I stopped watching what was going on, on facebook i just i was cubbed out mm -hmm. um fast forward to this summer and i'm on a softball field and we needed an extra player and it just so happens the field that we're we play on it's right by evan hill's house and i'd been really good friends with evan for a long time um evan's one of my one of super cool dude if people don't know evan's in charge of tours and customer service for the cubs uh which is basically selling tickets, answering the phones, answering emails. And so, and so he, he's there and he's in my friend, Kenny's like, well, Evan lives right there. Evan's here. Evan can play. And so I hadn't talked to Evan in a, in a, a while and we're just catching up like normal, blah, blah, blah. Um, and about a month later, something came up where they, Evan was looking for people to be in a customer service office again to work with them to answer the phones and emails and sell tickets so like to bring um, people back in in person after, um, after the pandemic pretty much or you know back in yeah. the pandemic <laughs> yeah it's like okay well and we had in evan knew that i was gone and didn't really want to do that do what i did before but he knew what i like i customer service uh, he knew what I was good at, and this is something that, like, the role that he had to offer was something I was that I'm really good at. And so he's like, "Well, it can fit if we can fit your schedule. We know we're good at this. Why don't you do it? I mean, what else are you doing this summer besides softball and waiting for school to start?" Um, and so yeah, I I jumped on it just because I knew what a great guy Evan was, and it was it's basically my skill of talking to people on the phone and um, listening and answering emails. I mean, custom, I've done customer service enough with the Cubs that this, what didn't seem like a job. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I got to work with, I get to work with Evan um, was a plus. And I will tell you, I absolutely love it. I love it. Nice. Um, not only because Evan's, again, Evan's a great boss, um and you get to stay in touch with the fans um i get to help people not just find tickets for like 
a game, but like I get to help someone who has a question about they don't want to go to a game because they don't know about like they just broke their leg or they don't know if their kid can come to a game or where to sit or stuff like that. Or I will listen to 20 minutes of a fan telling me how much he is just done with the team because we've, we've traded Baez and, and Baez and Rizzo and Brian in the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just had a call, a, a 10 minute call earlier over the weekend about how Javi Baez should come back and be the manager and player of the Cubs oh. and that will save everything. So, so that's what I'm doing with my life. You're going to run that <laughs> up the flagpole? <laughs> you know what? I thought I'd keep that one to myself. <laughs> <laughs> But I love staying involved and still listening to the fans and being able to help. And um, they gave me my own little cubicle, which I've yet I've sat at twice. <laughs> and well, because we're still working from home now. Um, okay. I mean, and and again, I think it's really cool that I have a little cubicle, even though mm-hmm. it's like staring at a wall. Um, but it's 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 awesome. I and again, it's more of it is I get to still help. Because I'm learning and I'm learning in my role and what the role that they have done in the past. I have no idea what event operations does. Mm-hmm. So they'll end up, my coworkers will end up asking me like questions about what we do or what our staff does. And if you can do that or you can do it like, if I hear about another service talk again, I will kill myself. It's, it's so it's so, and so being able to be like, okay, yeah, that's that. Or you have that. Well, you want to talk to such and such. Cause I know this person would know it, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm loving it for them. I'm loving it. It's pretty cool. Right yeah. Now. I mean, you could leverage your background very easily. And then you went basically from dispatch to for, for a whole department to one-on-one dispatch. Yes. It's pretty much I'm telling everyone, um, if, if you're not happy, why don't you come join our team, um, hang out with Evan, and you will put a smile back on your face. Not that I'm recruiting anyone. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, shout out to Evan. He's a good dude as well. We're, we're, we're killing it on the shout outs today. First to Jack. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, and I know you mentioned uh, he dropped the line about you waiting for school. You care to uh, uh, yes. elaborate? Uh, so there's there's two parts of school. So everyone, if you didn't know, I'm I'm a basketball coach. I coach at Latin School of Chicago, um, which I absolutely love. I love working with these kids, um, and just because I love basketball, but I'm not a great basketball coach anymore because I don't have to be. Not when you get to at to a certain point. When you get to a certain level of kids, then it's just motivate and make sure they're doing right certain things right Mm -hmm. so i love that part of it and the other part of school is um so part of my journey to getting to the cubs was getting kicked out of school oh yes um i got kicked out of school for mike used to party a lot okay (laughs) yeah i i mean again i i was a naive catholic boy catholic school boy he was Grandparents and parents never let them party, never let them out the house. So when you get to college, you just kind of go crazy. And I went crazy. Um, and they're like, well, we don't need to keep giving you money if that's all you're going to do. Right. So I got kicked out. And that was the time where I wrote that letter to the Cubs because I had no idea what I was going to do in my life. 
because I've never heard of anyone getting kicked out of college and not um, having a cup McDonald's cup asking for change. And I definitely didn't want to do that job. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's a little oversaturated. So, at that, and so now I got to this point and I still, most of my friends who aren't from Wrigley are still from that school, from that era. And so I still found myself attached to my old school that I, that I went to because I never, I never did finish graduating. I got all my friends graduated and I like, I should just be in Chicago with them and work for the Cubs because I still have this Cubs job that seems to not want to end. And so I just went back home and never finished, not realizing how close I was to finishing school. And this um, was at Marion University? Marion University in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Um, and again, it was I was in debt because uh, college is not cheap. No. And I was like, I just need to start working. And so never crossed my mind for the last 20 years mm-hmm. it's never crossed my mind about going back to school um and then recent circumstance again the world changes your mind starts to think different things you start talking to different people i had marion got a new president that um i had a good relationship with um i had met her once at 5 a.m at a mcdonald's after being up all night and partying <laughs> Um, so she was good yeah. first step good first step. I, I mean again i'm very personable um, but i again i i stood out at my school i stood out people remembered me because i was a good kid and so i always had this great relationship with my old school and so we started talking about how we can get how i can get this degree because mm-hmm. i need to not just be i'm they treat me like i'm an alum but she's like we need to make you an official alum. Right. And how can we start doing that? And so the idea crossed my head, my mind, and the things I could probably do with a, a degree, um, like work, start my own nonprofit or maybe whatever. And so it's like, okay, you know what? I need to do this. And I want to do this for myself and the people I can help and, and my mom, who probably would be probably didn't even know this was a thought in my mind oh so so this could be a surprise um and so i just wanted like her seeing me like with that degree being the first in our family is like yeah it's kind of like what the push is like Mm -hmm. okay she would yeah i I should at least get one before my nieces get one so so yeah that's super admirable uh you said it's within a few credits no it is, um, so I am probably within 20 credits, which I thought if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have told you I was probably 40 or 50 away, but it's, it's, it's doable. And I never thought it was doable because I wasn't a great student in college because I just never focused. And yeah, you were so, majoring in partying. That's fine. I did. I majored in partying. And then... I would say literally, and, and the funny part is before I actually left school, I got my act together because I knew I wanted to be journalism. I knew I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a writer and then I got into radio and then I just knew I wanted to be in entertainment. I just wanted to be in that part of it, communication. So I literally got my act together and just decided to walk away. And so that was the kick in the butt. It's like, okay, 
I, at least I know I can do it if I apply myself. So, right. so here we are ready to apply myself. Well, I, that's, I, I mean, credit to you. Cause a lot of people after maybe detaching and especially after time passes, I think a lot of people are just like, well, that's, you know, that could kind of live where it lives. Uh, yeah. Mostly in memory, but credit to you for, for trying to get that, you know, squared away. I think it would be amazing for you to be able to, you know, go show your mom. I think that's, it. this is just an incredible set of circumstances. And uh, I know you have a, I'm not sure, is it a GoFundMe? Or I a- do. I still have a GoFundMe. Um, I will, I will put the link back up. It's um, yeah. Again, college is not cheap as I have also learned again. Um, it was, and you know, it was cool. I shouldn't say it was cool. Um, when your mom and your family are paying for it, um, it's different than when you have to pay for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Playing with house money. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, I mean, ouch. So now it's like, okay. Um, yeah. So now we're, st- the, now I'm just trying to rate. I'm, I've gotten to a point. The school has uh, been very generous. They've all, they've, they've cut $5,000 off. They've made, so I've, they've literally have sliced half the price of wow. what it would cost for me to get my degree right now. And so, yeah, that's why I'm really hoping to get, get to that next point and get it. And so if you can fund the GoFundMe, please do because this this means a lot to me at this point this is this is my this is my thing at the moment so yeah no really excited super important super meaningful uh i'm definitely pulling for you i will definitely be visiting that gofundme and i encourage all of our listeners to do so as well um i know you had mentioned that you are a basketball coach at latin and i kind of pivot a little bit to basketball in general Yes. Uh, with the season right around the corner, uh, a whole lot of movement up your way with the Bulls. Uh, yeah. How you feeling? Because I, I definitely know my initial feelings to everything that went on. I know I talked about it a little bit with Corey, but how you feeling about uh, how, how things are going to go in the Madhouse on Madison this year? Um, I am. It's, well, it's definitely going to be a lot better. It's definitely mm-hmm. there. I like what's happening because they're filling out the roster with talent it's not just like random names they're filling out with like legit talent like i know who stanley johnson is i know if given the opportunity he's going to do something um i know like the i mean they've brought in tony bradley and i'm saying names that people aren't that really wouldn't stick out but these are helpful little pieces that Mm -hmm. actually do help do fill out a roster pretty well um and so it's just not some scrub anymore that you're going to put out there. You're going to put out someone who can actually may not give you 20 points, but will give you a solid six minutes or eight minutes. Um, and then you bring in the big names. And so you're telling me that, yeah, you, you, you spent a draft pick on Kobe, but you know he's not a point guard. So let's get me a point guard to go next to Zach Levine, who that, who they need to sign first and foremost, they need to sign. Um, so that's also, so that's perfect. I have a guy who's not going to want to shoot every time he gets the ball and I'm going to let my lead guy lead. I have a vet. You just brought in a veteran who again, may not be in his, his prime, 
but he's going to give me something steady. He's going to give me defense. He's going to give me 12-foot jumpers. He's going to drive to the basket. He's going to give me leadership. Um, we do have an all-star center, no matter what anyone says. He's an right. all-star center. Um, the, my issue it comes, and I hope it's not an issue, is we're putting a lot of faith in Patrick Williams. Yes. Which, and I know he had a great um, summer. I know he had a great summer, and I really hope that translates into him being a um, a good starting power forward. Mm-hmm. But I think you need another power forward. Um, do I think they're going to compete in the East? Um, I the Bulls. I mean, the Bulls made it. They did a lot of good things. However, we can't underestimate just how good the East. Is. I mean. Atlanta was not a fluke. No, Atlanta no. was not a fluke. I honestly um, think that the tide kind of shifted from west to east a little bit. Oh, it did. One hundred percent, it did. Um, it was. It was just a matter of time before you saw Atlanta was going to click. Um, people, and I and I need to be clear: this New York Nick thing is also not a fluke. Um, it's and so you have that sitting there. I don't know what's going to happen with Philly. So I, that's just a big whatever. But I don't think Miami's done. I think they're kind of in the same boat as the Bulls. But sitting there in this big, right on top, right next to Giannis, and I know they won the championship, but the summer showed me something about Kevin Durant. Oh, God, yeah. That I've only – I've seen once before. And it was with uh, it was with Michael. Mm-hmm. And Michael would be put on these all-star teams and he'd get put on the dream team and blah, blah, blah. And you have all these great players, but Michael always wanted it to be, well, I'm the guy on this team. Right. I'm the guy. And I think when the Olympics started, Kevin Durant just wanted to be one of the guys. And at some point it clicked and he realized that, no, I'm the guy. These, there may be really good players they may be really good they may be olympians but you don't win without me and i need to be that guy and i think if he brings that mentality to this season with um jersey well brooklyn jesus jersey uh, he comes to Bro- and and doesn't worry about what harden's doing and what Kyrie's doing and they got so much talent but kevin durant could be like Sometimes you say one guy changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they have enough talent, and he could be that guy that just does. It doesn't matter what the Bulls do; you're not going to get past Brooklyn, and that's. I mean, and that's where that's where it stops. Are they better? They're much better. They are much better, and I love what the front office is doing. But yeah, it still stops at Brooklyn. Oh, it may, yeah. and it's still, it may even stop in Milwaukee. So. I, I mean, the, the key piece for Brooklyn is definitely going to have to be their health because, like, I think you have three hands down top 10, probably top five talents in the league. But, like you said, it's super yeah. telling when you have, like, kind of the natural order of things with the, it's not a dream team per se, but the Olympic team. Um, when you have also just basically a roster of top. 10, 15 talents. And they're like, we're naturally deferring to, this is our alpha. Like, yeah. By default. Um, 
So that's super telling. I think obviously the the cream of the crop health provided definitely Jersey and or Jersey. Now you got me saying Jersey, uh, Brooklyn. I'm sure Jay Z would be very very disappointed. Yes, he would be. Um, would, would definitely have to be Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. But I think like the Bulls fit in kind of like you said. I, I don't know the Heat. The Heat, the heat can, again, they're very. They can go either way sometimes because they like, keep loading up with talent. And I don't think Tyler Heroes is this year's Tyler Hero. I, I think no. he's. I think he's closer to bubble hero, but mm-hmm. I, I think he's just kind of overindulging as a 21 year old in the Miami yeah, lifestyle a little bit. Absolutely. Um, but I think if he get like, if he gets focused, it, you stack up Lowry hero, bam and Jimmy, like, mm. and that defensively they're going to be super solid. I think the Pacers are a little slept on. Um, they yeah. were decimated by injuries last year. Like you said, the Knicks aren't a fluke. Atlanta's not a fluke. Um, it's going to be a crowded East. Um, but I would definitely, uh, like the bulls haven't been like, I don't care if it's the bottom of the bracket that they're competing <laughs> for, yes. but the bulls yes. haven't been in position to compete for any, even the shadow of the playoff bracket right. for uh, over six years now. So, um, I'll take yeah. it. Um, I'm excited for the expectations of, okay, you should compete. For some, mm-hmm. you you should be in the playoffs. I'm I'm I can live with that. I just I need to see that. So I remember there was, gets, yeah. There was like one year where Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler kind of played well enough together and they were flirting with like that 40 win mark and people were talking yes. about them as like maybe an eight seed. I see maybe like a slightly elevated version of that. Um and I'm fine with that. Like even if they get like this year, you talk about maybe playing tournament. Okay. Then the next year, if they get the six seed even better. And then after that, you have a lot of cap space that resets. You got to sign Levine. You've hitched your wagon to him, but to see how Patrick Williams develops uh, the, the thing about Pat, like he's obviously like super versatile. He's already improved his shooting. He's already improved yeah. his ball handling. He's a good pick and roll guy for a big, he's crazy athletic. He's super young. He's going to add more weight. And what, what I did like right off the bat is when the bulls kind of went a little above slot, like people thought to take him, they're like, Oh, I know he's a sleeper pick, but the the comp is Kawhi. I'm like, dude, day one in a major media market, you cannot tell an 18 year old. We expect you to Kawhi. Not at all. Especially on on a team last year where he was getting like starter minutes as like a 19 year old. Like you can't come into a career with that expectation. I think that if anything, that might, handicap them a little bit yeah um but yeah i i mean outside of like where the top tier is in the east there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense so i'm i'm i expect them succeed or or i won't say better so i i expect i expect at least six succeed because uh, again i think zach levine is becoming that alpha mm-hmm. like he is there's a lot of gr- good shooting guards in the NBA, but Zach, Zach was right there with, with, well, I mean, wasn't right there with Durant, but no, but he, he was that next that guy. Team. He, he was that next guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think like you were saying, you don't know what's going to happen with Philly. Honestly, I don't want this to happen, but if Philly were to land Zach, he's the perfect compliment to Joel Embiid. Mm. Um, I just really hope that doesn't happen. That's, so, yeah. Um, 
I mean, I'm hesitant to dip into the Bears. Uh, <laughs> I know they just won, but in air quotes. Yeah, um, that's yeah. Please put the air quotes. And Justin Fields was talking about how slow he thought the NFL was, and then he got put on the ground. And he got put on the field, and um, so I mean, <laughs> I, wasn't so slow then. No, yeah. uh, no, not at all. I. I like I don't know man it's it, it like it pains me physically to talk about the bears oh almost like it's, it, it, I don't know what I what, know what's the feel in the actual city um everyone's ready to anoint fields because they know right off the bat once he got drafted they just stopped believing in Andy Dalton mm-hmm. now as someone who has had Andy Dalton on his fantasy team for probably the past seven years. Mm-hmm. I will tell you what Andy does. And what Andy does is steady. When he has an offensive line and isn't thrown to the ground every three seconds, mm-hmm. um, he's going to find his receivers. He's going to hand the ball off. Andy Dalton should not be running anywhere, anytime, for no reasons. Um, so I appreciate it that you'd have a veteran who could teach um, Justin before he got thrown into the fire. Um, but there was never that. I don't think he was ever going to get that chance because now, like, it's not just the fans who were pushing. Like, I think he was getting pressure from everyone. Like, every anytime you're on TV and anyone mentioned the Bears, they kept saying they need to get Justin in. It ain't throw him in there. Get him in there. So I believe the pressure may have forced their hand into doing it. And I, maybe Justin believed he was ready, but you should not be getting crushed by a Cincinnati team. Right. Yeah. Um, and they, and they were all over him. Uh, and the, th- but again, there's glimpses. Maybe sometimes that's the wake up call you need. Sometimes you need to get punched in the face before you start fighting. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what the bears needed. Like the week before their defense looked awful. Like you, they, you can't even call it a defense. And this week, again, even though it was Cincinnati, it's still an NFL team, and they actually showed up. So was it three um, receptions on three consecutive attempts by Joe Burrows? Yeah. Yes. Also, my fantasy football quarterback. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I also had the Bears defense, so it's not. It had. It wasn't the best Sunday for me. Um, however, I mean, but yeah, it was. You're at least. You saw glimpses, and I think we're honestly, we can't put any expectations in this year, except what I mean. I'm sure Matt Nagy wishes he could. I mean, if he wants a job, if he wants a job, yeah. But it's going to be week by week. Mm-hmm. Like Justin's gonna, it's gonna take him a minute to get there. Uh, as he's, as he's, if you haven't learned anything by this week, it's gonna take the defense uh, a minute to get there. Once you realize you why your secondary is awful well you gave away your best cornerback so now you have to adjust and and for and like how do we make this better so um yeah i don't give it any expectation like whatever happens that week i only hope it gets like they find some consistency but i don't know outside of the run game if we're going to get there because yeah yeah Cause this, I don't know what, I mean, cause there, there are so many questions at quarterback. Mm-hmm. 
that's which we shouldn't be saying, but yeah, it's going to be that way because they can't. As much as you want to throw Justin in there, he's not ready yet. Right. He's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess luckily for some people's ear, it'll hit that way. Uh, luckily, uh, Andy Dalton didn't tear his ACL. I, I got an update earlier that said, like, whatever injury yes. was taken out for yesterday was not catastrophic, right. but he might need a little time. So I think Justin yeah. will probably see a higher workload a little earlier than most people expected, but I fully expect like back the back nine of the season, he'll definitely be the starter. Um, yeah. That's what's, con- that's what's going to happen. My only concern is like the, the, the offensive line, man. like I still, I don't know. I think, and this happens for majority of bears running backs, even if they post good statistical seasons, I remember my dad telling me this about Walter Payton, like he lost over like 1600 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, due to penalties uh, on by the offensive line, and like this offensive line, it's not necessarily just penalties. It's just like they they could obviously run block better than they could pass block, but still, it's probably not that great. And so, right. I think David Montgomery is actually like pretty elite for being able to do what he can do week in week out with this line. Yeah, um, and the saving grace here is the Bengals beat the Vikings week one. I don't think the Vikings are all that great. The Lions aren't all that great, and the Packers completely depend on how Aaron Rodgers is feeling that day. So, <laughs> I mean, the North might be the worst. The NFC yeah. North might be the worst division in all football. So, I think you take that as your silver lining, and you kind of just go week to week, like you said. Yeah, um, yeah, let's. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's, um, I always have so many big expectations for the Packers, even though I shouldn't, and so, but I think we've reached a point with Aaron Rodgers where now you don't know what you're getting. He's at that, he's at that moment where it's like, okay, even if the bears are average, we still may be in this thing. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah. I know. uh, I think when I was talking to Corey, it's like, it's so strange that like Chicago's rivals are like kind of model franchises. Like you have the Cubs Cardinals, you have bears Packers. And like, it's so strange to see the Packers kind of alienate, a cornerstone like they come oh my gosh rogers i i I, like it caught me so off guard that there was even a rift there like i thought like if you're a packers quarterback you're like basically god of green bay and they're gonna oblige you in every way possible and apparently that's just not the case it caught me so off guard well this is the second time it's happened in my and god i want to say my lifetime um but i was there when when brett Favre was Literally God, mm-hmm. literally Brett Favre. Brett Favre could kill three people in the middle of the day in the middle of Green Bay with everyone watching and no one would say a word. That'll be he, the soundbite was... clip for this episode. <laughs> but that's where he was. Like you just, and so, but, and even then when the end came and it was out of nowhere, it was so nasty. It was so boom. And so I was like, wow. And so this summer with Aaron Rodgers, literally the same thing. Like you would think they would get, he was the MVP. You'd think they would give him anything or I don't know if, well, if he wasn't, he was right there. He had an MVP season. I think, uh, yeah, he won, at least won one recently. Yeah. I mean, you would think they'd give the best player in football or one of the best players in football at the toughest, one of the most highest positions possible anything he wanted mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so I don't understand that. I don't get it whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Caught me off guard. I, I say, I mean, he's obviously got a great fallback career already with State Farm. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, He'll be, he will be fine. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's he will. Fine. He's fine. Um, so I was doing some, some sleuthing on your Facebook. Um, yes. So, uh, excuse my creepiness here, but please creep. I know you're uh, a big music guy. And I just didn't, I guess, understand the spectrum at which you kind of yes. enjoy your music. So first thing that hit me on your Facebook page was a Rage Against the Machine quote. Yes. And then I scrolled down and you had um, Naked by the Bodines. And that hit me because my mom was a huge fan of the Bodines. Really? Yes. She was a huge fan oh. of the Bodines. And then have you also heard of the band The Subdudes? Yes. It's like similar genre. She knew yeah. she like she was friends with the subdudes. <laughs> um, That's so crazy. I, I just like, where is your, like, what are the parameters of your spectrum? Right. This is okay. So this is where we're going. So I grew up on the South side of Chicago in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. So I grew up on R and B and rap. I had the high school. It was all rap. I was so like I was so focused on rap more than anything. Like I can tell you the first time I saw Kanye, I can, I can tell you seeing Tupac at the mall. Like I would like, I would go anywhere. I was so hip hop. It was disgusting. All right. So I graduate and I go to the middle of Wisconsin and the only hip hop song that I hear is um, if you want to be a baller and um, <laughs> uh, Gangster's Paradise. Oh, no way. So Fond du Lac, Wisconsin's not like Inglewood, Chicago? You, who would have thought? Oh, man. Who thought? And so all my roommate, and at this point, um, I was going to play basketball. So I'm living in a townhouse with six other basketball players and every other basketball player possible stopping in our house just to hang out. Mm. Um, and so now my world is infested with country music. And uh, this is when Alanis got big. This is when Hootie got big. This is when Pearl Jam was everywhere. Shania Twain. And my friends aren't shy. So they're going to play their radio. They're going to blast it. They're partying. Um, At some point, whether I like it or not, I know all the words to every song that I have heard them play by the end of the year. Because that was just that was just a melting pot. Just yeah. And, And I'm such a music nerd. I love good music. So I never like fought it. I was always curious and I was curious to know why they loved it. Mm. I was curious to know why this new, who this Dave Matthews band that they, we had to play ants marching at every party. I had to, I had to understand these certain things, why we had to play certain songs at certain parties and why everyone would go crazy for it. Who's this newfangled John Mayer kid? Exactly. Um, And so that's where it came from. All my friends, they were so into something different. Um, And ironically enough, my friends from Chicago, they came the next year and um, they were, he, my friend, Steve, who went to Notre Dame high school and his brother went to school there. And so he comes up and he's a, they were a huge Bodines 
people. Like he nice. like he forced his music on everyone. So he would always play the Bodines. Um and he was like, Well, the Bodines are from Wisconsin or this group's from Wisconsin. Why aren't we going to see the show? So he would be the ringleader um uh, and say, Why don't we go? Oh, they have beer there, so you can also drink. Well, that's gonna get everyone to go. And nice. so we started going to see the Bodines a lot. We started going to see the Cuffs a lot. Like, but I probably again, and I wasn't a Bodine's fan, but I had probably been to at least 15 Bodine's concerts oh, at man. that point where it was like, I don't care if I'm not a fan. I know every word now. Yeah, it's second it's, nature. It's yeah. like your background music, basically. And so, yeah, and that's how it happened. The natural um, evolution of just being around them and having these moments and these good times and this was the music they loved. So I started to appreciate it and love it. And nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, how, that's why I have that ear now for music. Like, I want to learn why people love this and, and, and get it. So, yeah. So I think this would, so when you got, this would kind of fit in, I think, if I'm thinking about the right time period, when you got into like hip hop and everything, was that like early 90s, mid 90s? Um, when I really got into it, so my first, so I would say, okay, I remember it vividly when I went to, it was 1988 and I went to New York for the first time because I have family in Brooklyn and that's the first time I heard hip hop and it scared the living crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it totally did. It was just so loud and abrasive. And then I get back home and, um, I start learning about public enemy and, nwa and all these like scary people and this music and so i'm growing up in the time where all this amazing rap is being made and so i'm just kind of taking it all in and then high school comes and that's when it's like okay now this is this is when a tribe called quest and this is when i start appreciating what the music is you know that's when i start getting into the artists and like okay i like this is this, this is what i do this is what i like um i remember stalking common for an entire weekend um he wasn't even rapping he was just going like to his friend's house uh, it's one of those it was but that's how into it we were right. uh it wasn't like the, it was just we were just fans and we just loved them um but yeah i was that's how into it i was and just because I fell in love with the music, like right. I was never going to be a rapper, but I loved being around people who were into it like that, and just into the whole scene of it. So when 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 you visited family out east, were like in, in a weird way, and this I promise this all ties together somehow. So it, were were you like influenced at all by uh, like DJ Premier and like Wu Tang and like all those guys? like the east um, well okay so the first time no because it was when i got out there it was run dmc okay and run dmc was wearing black and yelling at people and just so loud and abrasive and i thought every new yorker was like that <laughs> um, well i'm sure in parts in part of parts well your first trip yeah it's like whoa um and then yeah, when I went out there the other time, the next time to visit family, it was, and you're you're exactly right because I didn't fall. It wasn't anything mainstream. Mm-hmm. 
it was the DJ premieres. It was I I tell you what it was. I had I had gotten my cousin to go with me to find who the beat nuts were. And I wanted to find the beat nuts and I liked nice and smooth and like and Master Ace. And Master Ace did this um he did the song about the Jeep. Um uh, and he worked with DJ Premier a lot. Um and so I was, because I was, again, I knew who DJ Premier, he had worked with a lot of people that I love because he did real hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be in that element. And thank God, I, I mean, I was too young to even, have, I probably shouldn't have been in that element, but I knew about it. And I like, that was, I didn't want to do anything else in New York at that point, except go find where all the cool rap stuff was. Right. So, um, and Yeah. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, but so there's this like plugging other podcasts on our podcast, but I don't even know if it's a podcast. Uh, This guy named Christian Hand or Christian James Hand. He's like a DJ and he's also um, an artist himself. Um, He does like a video. He's also a DJ, like I said. So what he does is like he'll live stream him decomposing um 80s and 90s like early hip-hop into yeah. samples and different like tracks and just vocals and just this instrument and then by the end of the mm. show he reconstructs it okay he did, he did one with um the beastie boys and it was totally mind-blowing so i think that's that would be right up your alley because he, he he's worked with outcast he's worked with gangstar he's worked like all these he takes like all the old yeah some of them he's worked on and he does he decomposes it and then explains what each thing and then he also recreates with his own instruments some of the music okay that's yeah dj premier just did something he's got something like that he did a couple and i thought it was like insane Mm -hmm. so yeah i am into stuff like that especially when you get to like especially when it's a song you love and you mentioned outcast when you actually see what goes into creating like that song you love or just a song you hear all the time and like oh he just took this little thing right here and he just swooped it and turned it into this mm-hmm. like it's it's, it's incredible you, so did you know from this uh hour-long uh, live stream i learned that there at the end it's not even on the record cut at the end of opp there is a two and a half minute organ solo did you ever know this? <laughs> no. So no. in the beginning, uh, like it's like hidden in the vocals, but up front, I think he's like, yo, Paul, drop a load on him or whatever. At the very front of OPP, he's talking about the organ player. And so he starts very early on in the song. And uh, uh, at the end of the track, he does like two and a half more minutes that didn't even make the CD. And so like he the on the live stream, he actually plays it in full because he has the original track. And then they recreate it in the actual. So it was it was nuts. Um, so it's just like little little things like that, like that you need to be on the inside story of if you're like 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 you like you're a, you're a hip hop head like to get in on that. Yeah. Um, so bringing it up to current hip hop, are yes. are you have you listened to Donda and Certified Lover Boy? Have you not? Do you care which one's better? Which one sucks? Oh, not? you know I care. Okay. Joe. You know I care. You know I care. Um, why do I care? I don't know why I care anymore. Um, I you know I'll tell you exactly why I care. I care because Kanye cares. Um, 
I probably would have just treated this like an average summer and probably been excited that they both had albums. That, well, probably not Kanye. I probably would not have been excited for Kanye if Kanye wasn't in this make-believe beef with Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this has all been happening and they've been going this back and forth, I've been even more interested. Okay. Um, and so my expectations were high. Right. So I will say, and so I had been looking forward to it. And when Donda came out, and I had seen Kanye's live streams that he did of the people with the like album listening listen. party. Yeah, I had seen the listening parties, and I I took in the art of it. I didn't take so much in the music, just the art of what he was doing, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's appreciated what Kanye has brought to music that way. Um. And I was impressed just music wise that, I mean, I can eat, I can, I'm one of those people who can rank Kanye's albums from top to again, like from one to 13, I know which is better, which is good, which is awful. And so I was expecting, yes, I see a question. What's the best for your money? The best right now, in my opinion is um, I go back and forth. It's either graduation or my twisted dark fantasy. Okay. They're like one graduation for me. Yeah, so and I'm I'm kind of stuck. I generally pick graduation, but yeah, those are my two that I go with. They can go back and forth. And so I hear Donda, and Donda isn't as bad as I thought. In fact, it's actually better. Um, it starts off really good, like it's he. And I and I was like, oh, Kanye at least he's back. He's got he's back to a degree. He was giving me kind of what. He's on this. He's on the right path. He's okay. letting the people who are really good at rap, rap. His production. If the people are really good at production, good. Um, the selection of the album. Like he's he's starting to get more focused on what this should be. Because maybe it was him wanting to compete with Drake. That okay, I need to make something that's going to compete and be better than Drake. Yeah. Um, not knowing what Drake would have. And I think the expectation was with Drake putting out his album cover and naming it Certified Lover Boy, I think there was an expectation of a lot of pop hits, a lot of poppies, like something, a lot of dancey, a lot of radio stuff. And so when I got it, and I think a lot of people got it, um, it wasn't that. Right. It wasn't that. It's like, oh, well, there's nothing that really jumps off this album. Um, and now people still remember Kanye's album. And then and then what made it even worse is the next day Drake releases that song that has more people reminding him of Kanye, that, oh, this was on should have been on Kanye's album. Mm-hmm. The, um, the one with Andre 3000. Right, yeah. Yeah, that made, and so it's like, okay, People have, I mean, probably outside of one or two songs, Drake's album is pretty forgettable from compared to what he's done before. Like his last, Scorpion, I think was the last album. I'll listen to Scorpion all the time. That was, and I kind of was expecting something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's a bad album. It's just, it's not what was expected. It's it's something where he could have it's out and someone said this before. Like a lot of those songs, if you're like 
hip hop heads who are still deep into it, a lot of these songs on this album, you've probably heard last summer or the summer before, mm-hmm. and that's a lot. A lot of people don't know that, and so it was. It's so. It's like okay, what effort did you put in this, knowing that that thought maybe he maybe he thought he could just put something out because it's his name, and still compete, and just be out there and. No, uh, you can't do that these days because the, the the market has changed, the sound has changed, and I and, and it probably would have been fair if this whole Kanye thing wasn't happening. If Kanye wasn't right there um, with his album out, and then it didn't help. Uh, within the same week, Kendrick Lamar puts out a verse, um, and I'm not a Kendrick fan. I'm not. I don't hate Kendrick. But I'm not like a super fan. But now you're. Uh, yeah. I heard that verse mm-hmm. and my whole world changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what? Whoa! So and so, I'm sure that also didn't help. Yeah, because he's got an album coming. I think that's gonna probably be the album of the year for Kendrick's. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. I didn't li- like. I'm not a huge Kanye. F- he lost me right at Life of Pablo, and ever since <laughs> then, it's been worse. And that's um, what that's what I was expect because he lost me then too, and mm-hmm. so my expectation level was low. And then maybe it was from watching the live and knowing that the first few songs I heard weren't going to be trash. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well at least I know I can at least listen to three songs. Mm-hmm. And so, and that was the start of it. So yeah, you at least have that eight minute safe space. Yeah, <laughs> that's, we'll there go you go. There. And so at that point, it's like okay, like, all right, whatever else I get out of this is great, but at least I know it's not going to be as bad as the other stuff that you gave me before. Yeah, um, Certified Lover Boy was, in a weird way, all of Drake's features before his album this year have been really good. Um, yes, and lyrically, I'd say Drake was good on this album. Um, I personally, to me, it felt like every different track, he was sampling a different sound that he's already done Mm -hmm. to try to like appeal to every one of his fans without having a, like, um, more life or like views, or if you're reading this is too late, like they all had kind of a theme of one sound with maybe a few tangents here and there, like Scorpion too. Like a lot of that was, I guess, a little more poppy and a little more radio hitty. But um, there was like a through line. But with yep. with this one, it was just like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do like the trap or island sound, and then I'm gonna do like mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna try a club one, and I'm gonna try a song about strippers, and then I'm gonna flex on this song, and then I'm gonna do a radio hit. Like it sound right. it seemed very formulaic. Um, for me, I always like Drake's albums on the third listen and after. Like the first two times I listened to it, I'm like, this is bad. This is bad. Every album. I've <laughs> yeah. Except, except for what a time that on first listen, every song on what a time I was like, mm. this is amazing. Um, but I, I think I have like maybe six songs on my playlist from the album. I was expecting much more. Um, yeah. I think he, well, he was supposed to drop in January. Right. And then right. he messed up his leg or something. Um, and I think, 
I, I don't know. I feel like earlier this year coming off the pandemic, he was like probably more in album mode and the fact that it kind of got delayed and everything. And then he had to yeah. think about the beef with Kanye and it, the beef with Kanye air quotes um, <laughs> that I think might've changed the sound a little bit. Um, but to be fair, I think off of a album that doesn't get great reviews for Drake, I think uh, what was the one before Scorpion? Um there was one in there that was like kind of hit or miss in terms of reception. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then Scorpion uh, came right after it. Scorpion came like, right after this. So I think whatever we get next time Drake drops will be. Well, very, that's very good. yeah, that's what um, I've heard people say. It's like, OK, because this sounds a little dated, you know, he's coming. He's coming back. He's coming. Yeah. I mean, because you're right. Like, I heard life is good. And that was and that's. That's where I was. I was waiting for, okay, if this is what he's doing, because that was, I mean, that was my favorite song for probably most of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if that's what he's doing, all right, I'm, I can't wait for this album. Um, but yeah, a lot of people were saying because it sounds the way it sounds and that album was, eh, and he knows what people are saying. Mm-hmm. The next one, the next one's coming sooner than later. Like I hope so. within the next year, you can expect a Drake album. I hope so. Um, so good enough until Kendrick, I guess. Good um, enough till Kendrick. That's right. So uh, before we get going, because we are we're cruising right now at like an hour thirty. <laughs> I'm so, so oh wow. Um, so we'll we'll get out of here on the last couple notes. Uh, so what yes. I get into this discussion like with everyone lately. What are, what shows? are you streaming and what podcasts are you listening to at the moment? Um, so shows are, are different. I am, uh, I'm so focused on certain things. So like I've been a, I hate to say I'm not watching much of anything. Mm-hmm. I really am not. Um, I just got in, I literally just started clickbait. Um, I'm such dude. a history nerd. Yeah. Dude, clickbait outrageously good yes i'm learning that's why i heard it and i was like okay i need to put this off where i can like watch it and give it the time it deserves so i'm there i'm i'm on click i'm starting that um so i'm there and a lot of everything else i am i'm kind of waiting for i i only watch certain things on tv i only watch certain shows um i'm not a big streamer anymore even though i pay for every one of them um um i'm kind of waiting for snowfall i'm still watching okay. uh yeah i'm waiting for snowfall to happen I'm, that's where I, I pretty much am um what else do i watch that's that's it i'm stranger things a lot i've i'm much, i'm much more a movie guy okay um, um i'm not a big ironically enough not a big sports guy um but and and so yeah and I wish that and it, maybe it's just because I'm busy or just I'm just so used to not being in front. I grew up in front of a TV. Mm-hmm. So finding something new. It t- no, I will. What did I just find? Um, so I was watching. Um, God, what's the thing? The, the thing with the airplane, the airplane goes missing. And then they like, oh, it comes back. And it's like eight years later. Oh, I lost? just no. It sounds like lost, but it's new. Um, um, and I know people who hear this will be like, oh, that's out. Yeah. Cause they just renewed it for a fourth season on Netflix. Oh, 
Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's and it was on NBC, and they canceled it and they brought it back on Netflix because it was like the number one show on Netflix. Wow. And and so that's where I found it, and yeah, I forgot what the name of it is, but yeah, the plane disappears. They don't. They take off and then like they don't. It shows up like five years later, and they can't figure it out why. So I'm, I, that's also, I'm waiting for this four season to start. I like um, vaguely know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name of that show. I've never seen it. I'm And I had never seen it until like my cable went out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how I ran into it. Um, podcast is different. Um, because I have my own podcast, I find myself not listening to other podcasts yeah i can't support the competition you know and then <laughs> and and i realized why um i'm very i realized this early um because when i started my podcast i was basing it off i would pick up little things from other podcasts that i wanted to be my podcast to be mm-hmm. um and i found myself i don't want to say cheating but i started watching what other people and I knew for me to just keep my podcast focused the way I wanted to do it, I needed to just focus on what. And so I kind of cut myself off from watching, listening to other podcasts. Um, like I'll just read the note if like something interesting is said or whatever, I will go back and like sometimes I'll I'll just get a listen or try to track it down. But generally, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts anymore. Hmm. Um, I will say this, um, and I would love to tell you that I am a big mistaken identity fan. Um, I am not a big mistaken identity fan. Oh, um, only because, and it's not, and, and I want to word this correctly. It's not that I'm not a fan. It's I see what you guys are doing. And I want to stay out of that lane because I mm-hmm. like you guys are going and it's like, okay, I don't want, they don't do what I do and I don't do what they do. And I don't want to like intertwine it where we're looking like the same thing. I Cause like. I would, I would definitely still like, I hear you on there all the time. It's like, what if we had him on our part? We should just like use it's certain, certain things that they, that you guys say. And so I have to be careful. And, and you're probably, this podcast is probably the only one that I do like check in on. Mm-hmm. for certain things to certain people. Uh, but I'm very careful about like listening to other pot just because um and I say this I say this to my my players. Um and when you're in a horse race, even though you're not really racing against anyone, you gotta kinda put the blinders on. Mm-hmm. So you can only see well, keep running your race. Cause um I would do my podcast I would I would steal from so many people and I know I would. Um <laughs> And that's what I'm. I got to be careful because I, I'm, I'm easily influenced by great things. Well, I mean, in a way, that that might not be a the worst thing. I, I know mean, it's not. Yeah, true. It's true. But I also know the one thing about me that makes me unique is it's it's me. And so I want to give before I want to give people me at the moment before I start influencing my own style a little bit you know that's fair like completely organic first and then go yeah through. yeah that's fair well so uh luckily for everyone listening and maybe other people who aren't even listening uh in theory 
the sounds that you're hearing here will cross pollinate uh, because ideally in the fall of this year, plausibly yes. a little later, uh, but hopefully the fall of this year, we will be um, exploring a podcast network. So you will Oof. be able to get your yeah. dose of mistaken identity and your dose of, is it still uh, you're the DJ? I'm the, it is still, you're the DJ. I'm the podcaster. I'm still the podcaster. Okay, Mike is still the podcaster over at You're the DJ on the podcaster. And uh, yeah, ideally, you'd be able to uh, get to one consolidated hub. Uh, We're working on a web page and you will be able to find uh, not only these two shows, but also uh, if you're familiar with Cheryl and Tanya from back in the day, uh, Thomas has his on-air mobcast, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, be on the lookout not only for the Roku channel that we have coming up uh, through mistaken identity and for our podcast individually up until fall, but in the fall itself, uh, ideally uh, a soon to be formally named network. I know we're working on some (laughs) things uh, internally. Uh, We we don't really have any updates that we want to let out of the bag just yet, (laughs) Uh, but I'm sure it'll be something that the majority of you will uh, enjoy and relate to. Um, So yeah, Mike, uh, Appreciate you spending almost two hours with me here. I oh my gosh! Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime I get to talk to you, Joe, it's it's man, it's incredible. I enjoy every second of it. Always, you know that. Me too. Same right back at you. Uh, any parting words for your adoring fans, Mister? Um, I would say, um, a lot of people who listen to this are probably. Wrigley related or I'm guessing or some of you are not. I really appreciate appreciated my time there even still and everyone I worked with and the moments we got to experience together. Um, yeah, and I look forward to mo- new moments. Um, I believe that this I mean, even though we're doing this, po- this podcast network, it seems so little, but I believe and why I'm so passionate about it is I believe we could still do so much and touch so much and influence so many people and help so many people um, that I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. So uh, thank you for supporting my podcast. You still keep, please support my podcast, support my GoFundMe. Um, It's really appreciated. We're almost up to 200 episodes. So that's super cool. Um, Yeah, we're going. but I appreciate everyone who's just who's stuck around with me for this long and dealt with my nonsense. And there will be more nonsense to come, I guarantee you. Yes. No so. no shortage of nonsense. When when it comes to anyone related to Ripley, there's no shortage of nonsense. Oh no, that's what we that's what we look for. So <laughs> it's a requirement. Yeah. Um so yeah. Uh thanks again to Mike. Go to his GoFundMe. Best of luck in school and whatever yes. future endeavors you have. Glad to hear you're still back with the Cubs. Uh, always good to talk to you. Uh, check out our Patreon page at mistakenidentitypodcast.com. Mike, I know you are probably working on a Patreon page, so whenever you have that information, I'm happy to plug it. Yes. Um, and we will catch you all on the next episode of the Mistaken Identity Podcast with either me or David or Frank or all of us or none of us or some of us. <laughs> someone hopefully hopefully hey everybody joe flaherty here with the mistaken identity podcast we hope you enjoyed this week's episode we want to thank you for your continued support 
We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast, or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. Mistaken Identity is headed to the Dominican Republic on the new Carnival Celebration in January of 2023, thanks to MEI Travel and Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're looking to book a cruise, visit Walt Disney World, or spend some time on a private resort in a remote location around the world, MEI Travel is for you. Frank and Jordan are scheduled to set sail on January 3rd for seven nights on Carnival's newest ship, set to debut this November, and if that sounds like the type of thing you're interested in, MEI Travel has plenty of accommodations to fit all your travel desires. Contact Brock Taylor for all of your travel needs and to determine the best deals for you at mistakenidentitymedia at gmail.com. To so many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. And that's the thing, is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family that you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do to be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. Brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball, they love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, now part of the Unconfined Network. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. 
Frank. Uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm just blown away by how large it has gotten. Uh, and, you know, we don't have to advertise anymore because we're getting all these <laughs> uh, listens and downloads and views. And that's all because of you all uh, supporting the people that work at Rigfield and hearing their personal stories. Now, I've been getting some emails that I keep forgetting at the end of every episode to do some prizes and some giveaways for those of you that support us on Patreon. So what I'm going to do is for this episode, I know there's over 100 of you that support us. Give us $1, give us $3 to help pay for all this stuff. So what I'm going to do is the first 10 people to go down in the show notes in the show description for this episode, follow those instructions, you will get a pretty cool gift from me since I have forgotten over the last couple episodes to do this. So again, if you are a Patreon member, I thank you. I love you. Go down to the show notes. The first 10 that send in what is required in the notes will get a gift from me, from our podcast. And if you are not a subscriber yet and you have $1 or $3 to help us with some of the cost of all this, consider being a podcast supporter and you can watch all of these episodes and some things that we have that you don't get to hear that they get to see, just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Mistaken Identity Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. And this is the episode that everybody's been asking about. So you can finally hear from the person that uh, I've been trying to get for two years on here. <laughs> and David. And that is the one, the only Floyd Nicks finally here. Floyd, welcome. Thank you. Now tell them, I've been asking you, they think like, Frank, why are you why are you avoiding Floyd? I'm not avoiding Floyd. Floyd is a busy man. Well, I do so much uh, during the off-season that people don't know about because I try to keep my life sort of private and only those who I consider to be true friends basically know that sometimes they don't even know because I'm so busy moving around, you know, sort of like you, Frank. I, I keep busy, you know, to keep my mind occupied and not let it drift off to places I don't need it to be, you know, because so much stuff has happened in my life within a short period of time. So therefore I try to stay private. Put it, put it that way, just, just stay private and you know, keep busy. Now I wanna get the, the main part of the way that everybody, everybody knows that you're the only one that's there still that knows the Frank who's a teenager uh, who's running around with the field of the team. Everybody wants to know. Uh, so what you have any thoughts or, or memories or do you remember me as a teenager, as an usher at Wrigley Field, what was I like? Not really, because I was always um, in the bleachers, and therefore I didn't get a chance to see a lot of Frank. And I was but, quiet. Wasn't I quiet? Nobody believed that I was quiet. I think I was quiet. You always been quiet. You're still quiet today, <laughs> unless they make you talk. Um, that's something I always knew. You know, you're very, you know, reserved and. But you're a go-getter, you're a hard worker. What I remember from Frank was um, working at uh, Gate F, which we call the Marquis Gate. Um, 
he ran it like a business, you know. Yeah. Um, he always been that way. He stood that way today, and it was a nice place to work, you know, at Gate F with Frank, because it was always orderly and professional at all times. Now, what I remember back in the day is that um, you were an usher. It was a pecking order. Uh, we were all one big team. There was no separate security over here. So that was your section chief. Correction. Uh, and, go ahead. Never been an usher. Me? Oh, I thought you were talking about me. No, I meant me. No, I, I was talking about oh, you. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, that, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. back in the day, ushers, we didn't really fear them, but we respected the section chief, right? Like, you know, the section chief gave us the breaks. So, you know, I was pretty much raised off of section chiefs. You, Daniel Edmonds, Daniel Alex. Uh, so, so you know, it, it was it was different back then than it is now. Uh, like I couldn't go to a bar at eighteen because y'all look at me like, "What you doing? You know, get out of here!" Absolutely, <laughs> get, get out of here. It's different than it was now. Like you know, it's just a, it's just a whole different. I guess it could be split up now. Usher's over here, security over there. Back then, there was no split. We were all one big family. Um, what do you think? What, what do you miss about those days compared to now? To me, it was more family oriented you know it's like little brother raised big brother yeah. supervisor was our parents so that's how we was taught and that's how we was um raised at the ballpark you know the big brother took care of the little brother which was our ushers and the supervisor was like our parents and they took care of us so right. it was more family oriented to me than it is today so to speak and of course, we can't go without talking about the greats, at least the greats of me, Mike Hill. Do you have any memories of, uh, Mike Hill was, you know, like night and day sometimes. Do you have any memories that you could share about Mike Hill? Yes. Um, I sort of pattern myself after Mike Hill. That's what I think uh, a lot of people don't understand. They think I'm more authoritative, but I'm more of a delegate than they would ever know because that's the way I was raised. You know, we always was given orders directly and we was uh, not prepared to carry them out the way he uh, delegate those orders. You know, he never really talked to the section chief. That was more of what the supervisor did. So Mike was a military man. So therefore I think he kind of managed us more in a military style, you know, you know, it was a pecking order, which they call a chain of command today. But to us, it was more military style, but we always knew that Mike Hill had our back, you know, if there was a, any situation going on, he was there. You wonder how he got there, but he was there, you know, and that's the way the supervisors uh, led uh, back then, you know, I think I took on more of a Larry Kosek style, you know. He was very direct, but he gave us the autonomy to be leaders, you know. Yeah. Everybody feared Larry, you know. I don't want to be feared. I want to be respected. And Larry was just, you know, more, you know, built like Mike, Mike, um, Mike Hill. He was a military man also. So that was sort of my style until things changed and I started to become more of a delegate, you know of this what we need to do for today. Here's my lead, which was called section chief back in the day. And 
you run the show. You know, I'm just in the background. If you need me, I'm there. I'm visible. And I want you to lead because one day you're going to take that role as a supervisor or I assume you want to be a supervisor and I want to make sure you're prepared to take on the, the, the leadership role. Right. Uh, oh, and the story about Mike Hill. Yes, yes. Convention time. <laughs> <laughs> so one year during the convention, we uh, opened up the convention and always on Friday night, everybody would go to Kitty O'Shea's. Kitty O'Shea was the happening spot on the first night of the convention, and we all got shit faces. I hope that ain't too much of a bad word I'm using. Oh, uh, and Mike was just hammering him, hammering him. So before the night was over, we tried to walk Mike to his room. We let him go. So we let him go. Boom, he fell. So the next day, Saturday morning, everybody looking for Mike Hill. He comes to the convention about 11.30, sunglasses indoors. And we all look like, oh boy, we're in for it today. And we turned out to have the best day of our life because he didn't stay around long because he was so hammered from Friday night. <laughs> um, always been a great leader uh, and a man well-respected who I kind of pattern myself after him and Larry Kosak because those are the the ones that dealt with the most being in the bleachers for seven years, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of like a story with Mike Hill. All the other stuff, keep private. Yes, what I like about Mike Hill is that he let you do the job that you were hired to do. And if you mess up, he'll oh, talk absolutely. to you later on. But I like how he let you do the job that you were, you know, hired to do. It wasn't sort of you know, already planned for you. Right, so you're going to do this and do this. And like, it's sort of, you're a supervisor. You got to do the job. Now, if you messed up, then he come and talk to you later on. But I like how uh, he let you do the job that you wanted to do. Because if you're always told how to do everything all the time, you're never going to think. When that person is gone, you're like, okay, the leader's gone. What are we going to do? But uh, I like how we were able to run the part. You all were able to run the part, whether he was there or not. But he let you all do your job. I like that. That I like about Mike Hill. That I appreciate. I miss about him. And what did you pay the price if you uh, didn't follow? <laughs> yes. The order of uh, what he told you to do, just to give an example, I'm, I always think about Jim Kearns when I um, think of Mike Hill because we was always told never talk to the media, never talk to the media. So the media went down to do an interview on one of our ushers because she was turning, I think, maybe 100 years old or 90 years old, and she's pointed him up to talk to Jim. And Jim talked to the usher, to the um, media. And Mike Hill, it was in the Tribune. Mike Hill got wind of it. He took Jim off of 115. He put Jim in a tunnel for I don't know how long. And, you know, back in the day, the tunnels was very yeah. cold, you know, yeah. in the first part of April and May. And that was his punishment for talking to the media. But eventually, he put Jim back in the spot. I think, uh, taught him a lesson about not talking yeah. to the media. So. Stern, but fair. Yeah, yeah. And he did, he did it almost all by himself. It was just him. Like he didn't, I don't think he had an assistant, did he? Or... Uh, because I think the, the supervisor was so unique and good yeah, yeah. that he could do it, you know, by right. himself, you know. Yeah, I agree. Now, now, tell me about how you, how did you ever first hear about the club job? How did you even hear about it? So, 
the history of the Cubs job was I was in college and they was at the university recruiting for ushers and crowd control, which they was called back in the day. And I said, you know what? I love sports, so I'm going to give it a try. Because I started off with the Bears back in 1990, but that was like working in Iceland or somewhere. It was too cold <laughs> for me. I mean, that's the only job I ever walked off of because it was too cold. So yeah. they recruited from the university. I filled out an application. They called me. So I went in for my first interview, did great. Um, came back from a second interview. It was Bob Gross and Mary Donahue, I think that's her last name, uh, yeah. gave me a second interview. So it was in a group form, and that's when the bosses came in and interviewed me, and they asked, you know, afterwards, do I want to work there? I said, sure, I want to work there. Absolutely. So I got hired, and I've been there since 91. Okay, all right. So were you, you start out with just straight security, bleacher wall, was that where you were at? Uh, crowd control. I was they called it crowd control back in the right. day. I was crowd control. Um, and my first assignment was in the bleachers. And I was in the bleachers for seven years. Right. So the funny thing about that was for being in the bleachers so long, you know, we had our own autonomy, like you, you know, that was a bleacher crew. We had a crew that stayed in the bleachers for the entire time. We didn't we didn't switch up. We always had the same guys in the bleachers. And I think it was like a hot summer and they switched us up. So they took all the bleacher crew and put them in the lower deck. What a mistake. <laughs> what a mistake. I did yeah. the food. Yeah. You know, when you work in the lower deck, there's a different behavior that's expected of you. And being raised in the bleachers, we was able to do us. Yeah. The bleacher crew was the bleacher crew and everyone that knew us, even the regulars, they knew the bleacher crew was the bleacher crew. Right. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to tell no story. Yeah. So <laughs> I got called to the office to talk to Mike. He's like, what's the problem? I'm like, why am I in the lower deck? I was fine. I didn't ask to be changed. Mm -hmm. So he said, because you needed a break. I didn't ask for a break. He said, but it's been like nine, ten days in a row. Hot weather, high humidity, and Oh, I wasn't nice to them fans at all. They ran, they ran me out of the lower deck real quick and put me back in the bleachers. And I stayed there for seven years. And to me, that was like being in heaven, being on that bleacher wall, even though it was hot all the time. But I only stayed there for three years, and I became I got promoted to a section chief. So, yeah. Now back then, I was talking to the usher. They didn't believe me. But back then, you were crowd control security. Now there were no breaks. Or rain delays. I remember standing on the dugout in pouring rain. I don't remember being able to go inside. I don't remember getting breaks without security. Uh, now, tell them, am I telling the lot? Isn't that true? We didn't get breaks. <laughs> what break? I know. <laughs> we never got a break. I know. <laughs> Our break was go use the bathroom, get some water, and get back on that wall. Yeah. That was our break because I think we didn't know enough about the unions, the union rules and things like that. that we supposed to got a 15, 20 minute breaks. And for the most part, we didn't want to break. We I like know. the action of the bleachers because it was so tight and cluttered. Yeah. You know, it was always some action out there. So therefore we never got a break. Yeah. 
and then standing in the rain. Remember standing in the rain or, or, on the dugouts, or you go, you stand in the rain. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we didn't leave the wall. We had to stay on that wall while it was raining and keep the fans yeah. down below or yeah. at the gate, so to speak, because we didn't have no concourse. We had the ramps and right. we had the gate, and that was it. We had to keep the fans down there. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a question that uh, people ask me a lot. A lot of people, and you brought up this earlier, they you know, misunderstand you. you know, some people come to me and say, wow, you know, Floyd, just he just cursed me out. He's me. I'm like, one, he didn't curse you out. Two, uh, what did you do that caused that reaction from, <laughs> from Floyd? I know Floyd. And, you know, you must have done something. <laughs> to me all the time. Frank, you, Frank is mean. Like, what did you do to me to make me mean? So what, what would you say is, the, is a big misconception about you that you hear people have about you? You know what, Frank? That's a great question because I will like to explain it to him because it is a misconception. For one, I did not curse. Right. You know, when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm giving out information and what we need to do to, for that day, I never try to swear because I know when I'm in school, we can't swear. Mm-hmm. So I never swear at people for that matter. So, But if I'm talking to you one-on-one, it may happen, you know, just we just having a personal conversation. But as far as me being a supervisor that's going around swearing to other employees, that's a lie. That's a big lie. Right. Now, the misconception comes about people will try to get into your personal life, you know. So I try to keep them away from that. I don't share that with a lot of people. Uh, the first thing you do that's wrong with Floyd is you look at my facial expression. My facial expression comes down from generations and generations of my family. My facial expression comes about from my mom. I have the look of my mom, you know, that was very intimidating to us growing up because she was a single parent mother. So her facial expression was always Floyd, who you see. But she had a heart of gold. She was a saint, Christian, whatever, you know, adjective you want to use. Had a heart of gold. Just leave it at that. Um, but if you tried to read her face, you never know who she really was. You'd be like, oh, Miss Nixon's mean. But we fed the whole neighborhood growing up. You know, some days we would eat or we have a portion of what we supposed to eat because everybody wanted to go to Miss Nix's house. So with me, everybody tried to read my facial expression. You know, I'm very personable. I talk to people. I don't share a lot of personal stuff because that's just my nature. But if you try to read my face, you're going to lose the battle. If you're looking at me now, you'll be like, why is he looking like that? That's just me. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to read my facial expression and try to get to know Floyd, you know, mm-hmm. and see what big Teddy Bear he can become if you get to know him instead of just trying to read my facial expression. I think that's the negative thing about me. And I don't think it's going to change because I got it from my mom. Right. <laughs> and I'm a mama boy. And mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. You know, right. get to know me before you try to judge me. You know, it's written in the book, in the book, the good book. Yeah. You're not here to judge me. Get to know me before you judge me because you really don't know me. Right. Uh, now, you brought up Christian. And I try to I try to model my relationship with um jordan and by the way the only time i will curse is usually when jordan is involved <laughs> absolutely but, uh, <laughs> yeah because you 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 scared me one time and i'm like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. that's not the frank i know 
Uh, and, and I tried to be big brother and like talk to me like not right now. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> you scared me that day. But I, I get it, you know. Yeah. You know. I'm gonna ask you yeah, So tell me tell me about because I try to model my relationship uh after you and Christian, what I see, I try to do the same with me and Jordan. But tell me about what, what it was like, what is it like for you at least working with your son when he was at Wrigley? You know what? You might as well say the whole family. That's true. <laughs> Everybody worked at Wrigley. My uh, started with Valerie, Quinesha. Uh, okay. My wife was a tour guide. I did not know that. I did not know uh, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. We'll talk about that one another time. Johan okay. came along. <laughs> okay. So, um, Christian was like. Well, not like he is the baby, so he was the last one to work with. And sometimes I think the most difficult one to work with. Okay. Because being the baby, he, he's kind of, they all sport riding, but I think Chris Moore was, you know, mm -hmm. sport, sport than all of them. He was always in my pocket. Dad, oh, I'm home. I know. Eat. I know. I dad, know. this, dad, <laughs> that. But being there with Christian for the World Series was the, best moment of my life as far as my career at uh, Wrigley. Um, I don't want to get emotional and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there, but um, I really enjoy sharing that moment with them because that's the only son I have. Um, it was a pleasure. Sometimes it was tough because certain supervisors thought they had the privilege of letting me know when Christian did wrong or Christian was out of uniform or Christian didn't do this and do that. I said, that's the wrong thing to do to any parent because most of the time when you tell a parent about their child, most parents get offended. Mm -hmm. And I used to tell them if Christian not doing what he's supposed to do, you as his leader should treat Christian accordingly. Mm -hmm. I don't want my son to have no special privileges special privileges because I want to be able to deal with the world, you know, deal with society. And therefore I say, Hey, Christian is just Christian. I am fluid at work. I'm not his dad. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, I'm not your dad. Call me Floyd. Like everyone else do. And from that, I think he understood what it means to have a job, even though some people don't consider it as a job, but it is, mm -hmm. it's seasonal, but it's still considered to be a job. And that was like the best time of my life, man, to have your son right next to you. You know, we never worked together a lot unless we was in the bleach and he dreaded that because I treated <laughs> him like we was at home. He like, man, he used to come out, can't stand working with dad. He used to tell his mama, yeah, make me sick. He won't give me a break. He won't let me do this. He won't let me do that. It's always do it his way. But it's part of growing up and being a parent, you know, learning how to separate from being the dad and being his boss. So, mm -hmm. It was a joy and a pleasure. I enjoyed all the time working with my kids, but it's difficult when you work with your kids. Hmm. I think my problem is that I'm, I think I'm very, not very, I think I'm overprotective. Like, you know, you said a supervisor come to you and say something about what's going on. If somebody comes, if Jordan comes to me and says, this person said X, Y, and D to me, I'm ready to talk to that person. I had to grow up, Frank, and stop doing that because 
in life, they're not going to always have us around. And they have to do what's right, and I expect them to do what's right, and it won't be no other way, you know, around it. Now, if you mistreat my child, the floor you don't want to see is the floor you're going to get because you're not going to mistreat my child because I wouldn't do that to yours. Right, yeah. You know, I would tell you the truth about your child and you deal with it the way you want to deal with it, but if you mistreat my child, it's going to be a different floor. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not a thug. I'm not from the streets. Um, I'm a parent first. Treat him like he's supposed to be treated and treat him like he's one of yours. Yeah. I think my problem is that I always see the 10-year-old Jordan, even though he's about to be 23 next week, I always see the 10-year-old. That's all I see. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Even though he's 23, I see the 10-year-old Jordan. But I do want to thank you for helping me with him. Sometimes I get so mad at Jordan, I'm ready to throw him over the wall and you're able to, you know, talk to me and then to calm him down because I, I just, like my mama, that look, when I get that look, I, I can go to zero to 10. And even, and Jordan knows it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thankful to you for helping me out because obviously this is new to me and having just one of them. But so I, I want to thank you for that actually, all the help you do uh, with me and Jordan. Thank you for that, by the way. Absolutely, you're welcome. And I think a lot of time, mine's come from being a coach, being a parent, being a leader, I think I kind of missed those all together. And that's where a lot of my style comes from, you know. Being other leaders that had military background kind of molded me into my leadership role, but I have changed and adopted to the way things are today. If you can't change with the time, it's gonna be lost to space. Mm. It used to be my way or the highway, if you wanna quote it that way. Um, this is how Floyd do it. You're gonna do it like Floyd. We're gonna be the best in class because I always been a leader and I always been like the number one guy, you know, even from sports, from high school, college, you know, coaching, you know, I was a teacher. You know, that's what I did. I taught. So I gave you the tools to do your job, but it's going to be the tools that I want you to use. Now I have become more flexible, and I think some of my leads can speak for that because now I give them the the autonomy to do it their way. You know, I fill out the paperwork. I do this. I say, here, your show. And... I think a prime example of that was Hawa. You know, she was, I'm not gonna say my student, but I wanted her to be to that next level, go move to that next level. And she said, I could do it my way. She always questioned me, uh, not so much questioned me, but more make sure it was done my way. And I think that's where some of her style comes from. She's learning. She's going to be good. And I just had to change with the time, Frank. You know, the Mike Hill era was over. And as far as business, things have become more fan-friendly. And that's how it was, you know. And that's how it is today. So, therefore, we more so have to please the uh, please the fans and 
do it in a different manner than what you did because times has changed. Hey guys, Joe Flaherty again, and I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Athletic Greens. Having been involved in the health and fitness space for over a decade, I've heard a lot of great things about their AG1 formula, from the taste to the quality of ingredients and the comprehensive nature of the product itself. So after they reached out to partner with us, I did a little bit more digging and I was blown away by what I found. So you might be asking, what exactly is this stuff anyways? Well, AG1 is a blend of 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to support nearly every system in the body. One serving a day benefits your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy levels, recovery ability, pretty much any process your body goes through, AG1 can lend a helping hand. Now I have this stuff in my shopping cart as we speak and I'm most looking forward to a few things. First, I've been taking dozens of different supplements for years now and sometimes 10 different powders and pills from 10 different bottles can get a bit overwhelming. But AG1 offers simplicity. You can easily swap a single scoop of AG1 for a whole shelf of single ingredient products and be no worse for wear. And by the way, you stand to save a whole lot of money switching from a boatload of products to just one. Trust me, because I've been down that path before. Secondly, AG1 is a portable product you can take with you on the go. I'm a huge believer in the benefits of creating good health habits, and the fact that you can take AG1 with you anywhere is an easy way to ensure you're getting the nutritional support you need each day, no matter where you're waking up. And I don't know about you guys, but I always tend to get pretty beat up by traveling, and unfortunately, I often find myself spending most of my vacations nursing a cold. Well, AG1's formula can offer the immune support you need to kick that cold to the curb or even avoid it in the first place and let you really enjoy yourself no matter how long you've been in an airport or an Uber. And the kicker is, all the ingredients in AG1 are highly bioavailable, meaning your body can actually absorb the nutrition you're giving it. And I can't tell you how many times I've run into this issue of poor absorption and how bad you feel realizing that the only thing that expensive supplement you bought did was burn a hole in your wallet. With AG1, you have a nutritional insurance policy based on the latest scientific research, which is big for me, all for less than $3 a day. And if you don't believe me, AG1 has over 7,000 five-star reviews on their site to help point you in the right direction. So it's time to reclaim your health with just one scoop of AG1 a day. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, Wrigley fam, Kat Garcia here. You may remember me from my days working with y'all at the ballpark before I became a full-time baseball writer. Well, I'm here to tell you that now I'm back and I've started a new podcast too. It's called Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia. Since I left to pursue my career in sports journalism, I've met so many incredible journalists and media members, even some outside of the scope of sports. And all of these folks are people whose work you already read or may be familiar with. And one of my favorite things about working in this industry has been hearing all of the great advice, lessons learned, and the sometimes downright hilarious stories that have been swapped over drinks with all sorts of incredible journalists and people. And oftentimes I wish that our audiences were around for these truly authentic, fun, and sometimes candidly booze-infused conversations. So I decided I'm bringing them to you in podcast form. Join me for Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia, where I sit down with some of your favorite people in sports and journalism, like Lawrence Holmes, 
Scott Merkin, Maddie Lee, and Brett Taylor, just to name a few, to show you what life in sports and journalism is really like. So pour yourself a tall one or grab a hot coffee and join us. Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia is available now on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow the show on Twitter for updates, info on past episodes, and more at at grabadrink underscore pod. Cheers and happy listening. Club 400 Ballpark Lager is a beer for all nine innings. Take me out to the ball game. This crisp, easy drinking lager is perfect for a summer day amongst the bricks and ivy. Crafted at Crystal Lake Brewing, this beer is clean and refreshing with minimal bitterness so that you can celebrate a W in style. From Club 400, Cubs fans helping Cub fans, this baseball brew can be found at most places that sell beer in Northwest Illinois or from Crystal Lake Brewing. Beer master Ryan Clooney. Enjoy a beer or six-pack today, and please remember to drink responsibly. Reboots, reunions, reruns, no matter where you turn, everyone is going back to revisit Nostalgic TV. Join us on a journey back in the day as we look at your favorite Black 90s sitcoms like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, A Different World, Living Single, and Moesha. We break down a new sitcom and episode per week, discuss why the show was relevant at the time and still holds up today, discuss its impact, and laugh at how different things were back in the day or how they stay the same. Check out Back in the Day with Tanya and Cheryl now on your favorite podcast app and come on a 90s Black sitcom journey with us. Yeah. So what, you know, what... You brought up in a coach, but you're also a teacher. What made you want to be a teacher? I don't know, Frank, because it drove me to drink more. <laughs> it just comes from, uh, Frank, at a time when I first started, I didn't want to be a teacher. I always wanted to be an accountant because I love dealing with math. And sometimes in life, your path is not what you want to be. Yeah. Where it's led to be, and I started having babies. Okay. So I needed money. You know, I don't have to be rich, but I needed more money. So I took on a substitute position at my school that I'm currently at now, and not knowing what I was doing or what I was getting into, I I fell in love with it, Frank, and. With the kids of Inglewood, man, it's just amazing. I didn't plan on staying forever. You know, I want to go crunch my numbers. Right. But being able to teach those people or students from Inglewood, I think it was a calling that God put upon me. And I fell in love with it, you know. Being able to nurture um being able to let them see the outside world through my eyes, you know. They never go outside the area. This one I might get emotional about, Frank, so, because I really love teaching them kids from over there. Um, all they knew was Inglewood. They thought it was, you know, as Tupac said, them against the world. Yeah. They didn't know how to function outside of that uh, neighborhood because they never been outside of that neighborhood. They never seen Chicago outside their neighborhood. 
And I enjoy doing it, Frank. And just to see the progress of young men and women is amazing. You know, they all don't make it, you know, but a majority of them do. And that's what made me want to, you know, stay there and teach these kids and continue to teach these kids because they needed someone, you know. I didn't come from a rich background, you know, as far as income. I never knew that we was poor, if you want to use that phrase, but I had a family, you know, that loved me and was there for me. These kids came to school every day, Frank. Dirty, clean, snotty nose, coughing, hungry. They came every day. We had enrollment when I first began at almost 1,500 kids, and all 1,500 came to school. Our attendance rate was almost 98% for a whole year. Wow. That means all 1,500 was there. Yeah. We have bought uniforms. I have given kids my lunch. Just done so much. It's just amazing, you know, just the things you can do with a person's life, you know. You know, just to give you a story, I was talking to my basketball team, which I coached for 20 years. And to my wife said, enough is enough. Your kid is grown, so it's time for you to come home. So <laughs> I talked to a few more years, and I kept doing it, so I started coaching the girls' team. But just to get back to the the boys' team, um, my kids come from two boundaries. On one side, there was one gang. On another side, there was another gang. But I managed to keep them together for at least a couple of years and not you know, trying to hurt each other. I'm not going to say kill because back then they only beat each other up and they wasn't shooting like they do today. So I taught them, you know, some of them, you know, made it. You know, they made it, Frank. And I was pretty darn proud of that, you know. Thank God for that, that I was able to be some part of their life. But, and they knew that they couldn't play ball unless they had a C plus average. And if they had too many Cs, I got pissed at that, but that's the way it was. And it kept them alive, you know. And it's just been great just to be able to, you know, be an influence in life, man. You know, teaching is teaching. It ain't always about the X and O's. Sometimes just life, you know, teaching about life games. But one of the best stories I had from doing that, I was talking to my boys, you know. And like I said, they come from two sides of town, two different gang settings. And I was telling them how cool I was with the off-duty police officers that work at Wrigley. And it blew them away because they knew the police was a bad, bad, bad thing. You know, they, they didn't like the police. They didn't respect the police. They hate the police. And I was telling them, yeah, I have good friends on the police force. And they're like, they're all black. I said, no, they're white. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You got white friends? i like, of course I do. Yeah. He said, they respect you? I said, yeah. They're not trying to arrest you or lock you up? Uh, no, because I don't do criminal-minded things. Right. But to make a long story short, two of our CPDs that uh, still work there today, I was standing at the uh, L, L station on 69th Estate. They picked me up, and they brought me to school. And the squad car. And the kid's like, oh, Mr. Nixon, trouble? Look, he getting out the police car. And we dapped it up, and they hugged me, and, uh, you know, see you at the ballpark. And it kind of blew them away that I was able to get along 
with Caucasian white police officer, whatever you know. Back yeah. then they had different names, very nasty names, but I'm not going to use that. Yeah. But uh, there's kind of like, wow, Miss Nix get along with them. Must be something right. I said, life feels right if you do right, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's why I love teaching, and that's why I love doing what I do, especially when it comes to teaching math. I love teaching math, Frank, and you know I always want to be a numbers guy and. I have took the fear from a lot of female students that was fearful of mathematics and made it fun because I talk reality with them. I put it in real life form and I show them what numbers are and how you can have fun with numbers. And a lot of kids have really appreciated that. And one kid came back to me this uh, summer, you know, I'm like, this boy ain't going to make it. He won't let the street life go. So he went all the way through high school. I lost contact with him. He went to uh, Tuskegee University. He graduated cum laude. Oh, wow. A kid that never respected. The first person he came to bring his um, degree with and take a picture with it was me. I cried like a baby, Frank. Yeah. I cried like a baby because I thought this kid was going to never make it. And now he's in the master program. So that's why I like teaching. That's why, you know, remain to be a teacher. That's why, I, you know, do what I do. Now, is that how you and Mike Smith got close? He's, he's, a, he's a teacher too. Is that how y'all got so close? That you both the teachers? No. Me and Mike Smith is close because of his mother. Okay. All right. Mike Smith's mom used to work there. Right, right. You know, and me and Mike Smith's mom was close. And me, Mike Smith's mother and Cynthia Jones was friends. We always friends. They all worked in the ballpark. And, you know, we like I said, we just have the non-game day schedules, you know, work non-game days, one no 24-7. And she used to bring Mike to work with her because she didn't have a babysitter. And Mike used to be running up and down the ballpark, you know, doing Mike, Mike Smith. And uh, I knew the kid since he was like eight or nine years old. And, you know, I used to do CCTV. That's what we called it back in the day. And I'm watching on the camera, who is this kid running up and down the ramps all day long? High energy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how me and Mike became friends. And when he came on with the Cubs, I'm like, I know this dude, I know this dude. It was Mike Smith, the kid. Yeah. And we became friends since then, you know, more so than what we was back then, because I really didn't know him as a kid. It was more so me and his mama's friends. So we developed a friendship and we came really close. Yeah, you talk about not judging a book by a cover. Mike Smith has master degrees after master degrees, smarter than I don't know what. And people would definitely judge him wrong when it, you know, just based off who he is. But Mike Smith is very, very smart, very intelligent. I judged the wrong too, because I didn't know he was that smart. <laughs> I thought he was a jerk that just liked the drink. Right. But I did, but I, I didn't, I did know he graduated from Purdue University. So, in the words of my grandfather, I knew he had some fat on his head. Yeah. That meaning knowledge, because you just don't graduate from Purdue University without mm-hmm. having some, some knowledge base or, you know, some kind of something from graduate because, you know, that was an engineering university, you know, some of the best, Drew Brees and all those guys, a lot of the knowledgeable athletes graduated from that school with degrees in engineering and things like that. You know, so I knew he had some brains because I knew what, you know, Big Ten school, I knew Purdue was one of the top in engineering. So I knew he knew something. But I didn't know he had all those um, 
other degrees, which I'm proud of him, you know, yeah. a black man with knowledge like that is is a good thing for kids to look up to. Yes, yes, and as everybody knows, I'm in his house right now, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> thanks to him. But um, so see, Mike Smith, we took he took uh, me and you and Eric and Toya out to uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, which brings me to music. Um, what is your favorite type of music? Are you okay with the music of today, or are you? Uh, you know, I guess they said the kids listen to today. Are you more back with uh, music like Earth, Wind, and Fire, or you like both? Or, okay, so I'm more of what they would call a househead. Okay. Because I kind of like grew up in the era from which it originated from. Okay. I lose my mind when I hear house music. Right. I could dance all night. I dance with the speakers. I have fun. I love my house music. Mm -hmm. But I grew up with the Motown sound, you know, Charlie Brown, you're a clown, you know, all that good stuff. This, you know, my parents kind of music. I can adapt to any kind of music, you know. When I went to the concert with Mike Smith, I wanted to see Earth, Wind & Fire again, but I wanted to see Santana the most. Santana was there, yes, yes. Santana, I just lost my mind. You know how to sit with you guys because I know how to sneak around in concerts just like they do us <laughs> and, and get, get in spots that you don't know how to get in because of what mm -hmm. I learned from Ricky Phil. But I love music. Mm -hmm. You know, if you wanted me to rate it, R&B, Gospel, jazz, house music. I, I could just adapt, you know. Mm -hmm. I can adapt if the music, what music should be. But if it's just garbage music, I'm not listening to it, but I love to listen to music. Right. You know, I grew up on music, and that's just the way it is about music. I love music. Now, that same venue that we started putting fire at, um, uh, Jordan takes me to see Kirk Franklin at a concert there this uh, Sunday. Now, you brought up gospel. So now, are you? Would you say you grew up in the church? Were you? Uh, you know, I know. I know both of our families, grandparents and mothers, are um, you know in the church. Would you say you grew up in the church? Would you say you are? Uh, you know, not like for example, I am mostly online now. I don't really. The pandemic has taught me I don't have to be there all the time now. I can do it online. Right. But uh, so like where you are with with faith? I know you went to the gospel like I am. So where you went to all that? Oh, I don't practice the way I did before, you know, but I believe in God, his son, Jesus, and I need to get myself together and get back in the church where I used to be. People won't believe it, but I think growing up with my mom, I think we went to church eight days out of a week. <laughs> yes. And I think when I started playing sports, that took me away from church because I think I went to church more than anybody, you know, in my family. And now the tables have turned, but I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. You know, I listen to my gospel music. I share sometime with you, uh, but I need to be more of a follower like I used to be back in the day, you know, just to get my life back together in order, you know. Things are happening as you get older and, you know, your faith to help you with it, a lot of it, you know, throughout your life. So, yeah, I need to, I need to go back home and get myself together, you know, which a lot of them is waiting on because, you know, anytime I put on a suit, I'm, I'm deacon floored, you know, they say I look like a deacon. I got a head right. like a deacon, you know, and I, I just look like that appearance, you know, 
and I, I know, you know, I do my prayers and I do my, you know, what I'm supposed to do every day, you know, keep my head sharp, you know, but I think I need to be more of a participant of what I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so I got 10 minutes left. I want to, I want to talk about this because you, you and I have been there for a while and I know when they won the world series, there was probably some crying going on, but you remember exactly the moment that they won the world series, where you were at, where you were doing, you remember that moment? Absolutely. Never going to forget it. So we at home, me and the family, not everybody. The only one was missing was, uh, <clears throat> was Valerie. We're in the living room. Um, you know, we, we, we set up a smorgasbord. We got everything, mm-hmm. drinks included. Um, we watching, we watching. Never seen this as quiet in my house ever. And we watching, we having fun, we enjoying ourselves, and things just started happening. You know, mm-hmm. that we had no control over. You know, that, that was God again working his his magic. Rain delay. Play the music until it came back on. Cuffs start winning. Mm-hmm. You know, and that last out, I lost it, Frank. Mm-hmm. I lost it. I snatched my flag off my balcony. No one believes me, but it's the truth. My neighbor tell you, I ran in the middle of the street in Michigan. I live on Michigan Street on 43rd. And laid down sobbing. Oh wow! Yes, Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. We started bumping the music. Neighbors came out. They were celebrating with me. That's Sox fans. But okay. yeah, that was the ultimate reward for me. You know, because mm-hmm. I've been there so long, and we just party for the rest of the night, playing music, drinking, laughing, celebrating. Cubs this, Cubs that. Wanted to go down to Wrigleyville, but I said, nah, I think I just stay home with my family and enjoy it. But it was a it was a, it was a, it was a great time, Frank. You know, I was with my family and we celebrated and party just amongst ourselves, you know. So it was good for me, you know. Let a lot of a lot of years of frustration, you know, everybody yeah. was worried about what's going on, Contreras, where the Cubs going now. They don't know how many years we have suffered yes. <laughs> with the Cubs. Yeah. That is true. You know, having losing records, you know. Everybody thinks like, oh no, they did what the Cubs doing. It. If you are a season ticket holder and you've been there for years, you know what the Cubs are doing. Yeah. And it don't bother me. I just didn't want some of them to leave, you know, because I got attached to them. You know, a lot of them I just didn't want to leave, you know, yeah. because it's who they are, who they are. But I remember the years we never made the playoffs, right. you know, it's just what it is, you know, it's not always about the Cubs, for me, it wasn't about the Cubs, it was about the relationships and the friendships I have developed with people that I've worked with for so long, and a lot of us are still friends today, you know, mm. and uh, a little short story, people don't know that Mary Beth used to be one of my, um, I'm not going to say boss, but she ran the front office. You know, we said like the love, you know the way the office was built. She's yeah. like one of the home base girls, you know, so to yeah. speak. But she was in charge of home base, and she had more authority than home base because right. her future husband, which <laughs> we didn't know, right. was our big boss. You know, yeah. so 
yeah, that's um, yeah, yeah. Now, what was it like? Uh, we had the parade the next day. Were you on the bus? What? What was that like? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> amazing! Right. I couldn't believe Frank. I'm gonna be honest. I couldn't believe that they even called us to let us be on the bus. I was shocked too. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't sleep the rest of the night. They're like, you am I coming? I'm gonna mm-hmm. be there for the bus to get there. So I was there. <laughs> I was there for the bus to get there. And then, you know, me and my brother, we taking all kind of pictures with the buses and with the trophy and just having a good time. You right. know, it was amazing. I never seen that many people in my life. Even with the Bulls championship, it wasn't that many people. Right. Yeah. It wasn't. It was just amazing, Frank, to go down all those different streets and just to get to the park to see all those many people. I was like, wow. So it was amazing, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Believe me. Okay. Now today is a staff party, and a lot of them don't know this, but back in the day, we used to have this thing. We had our we had a we had a picnic. We had barbecue. We had softball. We had swimming. It was great, and you were known for grilling, being the grill master and barbecuing. So I'm going to end with this question: since today is party day, uh, which is not the same as it was back in the day, but uh, where did this? Um, the skill or this love or this gift for grilling come from? Watching my older siblings. Okay. Just watching and learning. I burned a lot of meat. I ain't gonna <laughs> lie to you. I burned a lot of meat back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I just learned how to do it and became good at it. And I, you know, started doing it my way. But a lot of time it came from my sister Gwen. Rest in peace. Um, she did most of the grilling. You know, my brothers, they was out there doing their thing, you know, the older sibling. But for the holidays, that's what we did. Every holiday, we grilled. You know, no matter what. If we didn't have none but a whole chicken, we grilled. You know, we made a party when there was no party. That's what we did things in our family. But I love barbecuing. I always loved to develop some of my own recipes. You know, especially when it came to chicken breast and you know, marinating ribs and making them tender. I learned how to do that. I practically them all by, by trial and error. Okay. All right. All right. So we got three minutes left. So, I'm, so I, was let, I always end by letting my guests ask me a question. You don't have to, but do you have a question for me? No, not really, because to me, I know Frank, you know, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of people don't know Frank and they think they, you know, they, they think they well put it, you know what I mean. They I know, think yeah, they I know, yeah. And they always think you got an angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, no, you just don't know Frank. Yeah. He don't want to be your boss. He don't want to do this, but Frank is a go-getter. Yeah. I said, one thing you should know about Frank, he's a go-getter. And if you give him an opportunity to do what he needs to do, he'll get things done. He's not intimidated, you know. He will he will work with you if you work with him. But don't don't think you can bash him because of what he do and who he is. That's Frank. Get to know Frank, and you'll get to understand a little bit about Frank. He's not gonna get personable. He's not gonna let you do his private life. I already know that. <laughs> I still don't. I still don't know where you got all these ten bank accounts at. But I know you got some money somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
but I know Frank, if you need Frank and you show him that you're serious about needing his help, Frank will help you, you know, you know, it's just who you are, you know. I join being around, you get on my nerves sometimes, but I ain't gonna never tell you that. But, cause it's, it's, it's you, you know, it's you. I appreciate you for what you do sometimes. People don't get it. If Frank don't say nothing, you ain't gonna say nothing. Right. <laughs> and then when I say something, everybody look at me like I'm crazy. I'm not crazy, I know what I'm talking about. Right. You know, and you know. My goal, my goal has always been to not speak up for me, but to speak up for everybody else. I you always like have. Yeah, you it's like, why, why can't we all have meals? Why can't we all have pizza? Like, why can't we all have, <laughs> that's just how I am, yeah, yeah. So Frank, if you want to get something out there about me that pees me off, the one thing I don't like about today is, they don't take the knowledge that we have and use it to their advantage. Right. It's not that we're trying to show you up. We're trying to show you who we are. Right. If you are a manager and we're the supervisors, let us supervise. Mm -hmm. Let us be who you hired us to be. Take our knowledge and use it. Because I've been around for a long time. I've been through a lot of management changes, a lot of front office changes, and I still manage to hang on, you know. Yeah. I don't know how long I'll be there, but I managed to hang on. No, seriously, I don't, you know. Me too. It's, I'm getting, it's, it's, it's getting tough, you know, like 32, oh, I know. I know. 32 seasons. That's That's been a lot. You know, the concrete and the cold is, you know, it's a beat down on your body. And my legs are starting to take a toll, you know. they Kids keep telling me, the wife keeps telling me, come on home, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. But I love my sports. And I get to see all the talent I need to see in baseball, you know, because I work there. Right. But I would like you for you to use the knowledge that we have, yeah. you know, and let us be the best supervisor that we could be. We got more to offer, you know, and we're practically the generals in the field. Yeah. Or you can say the captains in the field. Y'all the general. Right. The generals never came out to the field until the victory was won. Right. You know, one of my greatest leaders, Patton. Patton only came at the end. Yeah. He looked like he was out there. He came when he knew the battle was almost won. And then he showed up on his horse. But Patton was a good leader because he let his captains lead. Yeah. He listened to them when they got stuck in places they shouldn't be, but he let his captains lead and let us supervise. And that's all I, you know, I'm not against management. I love our management team, you know. But you guys got to be more open to our ideas and let us do what we do. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not that embarrassed because we always thought and always will be the best in class because of who we are. And we're out there in the field. Just let us supervise more. All right. Thank you very much, Floyd. We're out of time. Uh, I'm definitely uh, excited that I finally got a chance to uh, do this. And I'm, uh, I got some surprises even for you at this party, supervisor party next weekend. So uh, looking forward to seeing you at Clip 100. And I want to thank you all for listening to this episode and I will catch you all on the next episode. Floyd, thank you very much. You're welcome, my brother. Thank you, Frank. I'm glad I got it out the way. I got more <laughs> if you need more. I got part two if you need it. All right, thank you. All right, brother, have a good evening. I'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, if you're hearing my voice here again, that means we've reached the end of the show. It's that time again for all the thank yous and special messages and disclaimers, you know, all the stuff you really tune in for each week. A big thank you yet again to all of our supporters who not only continue to tune into our show, but take the time to hit the like button, write reviews, and share our content on social media. It all really helps us grow our audience. Our Patreon page continues to thrive as well as we're working not only on the podcast, but the Roku channel and the book club and on and on and on. If you'd like to be a part of that expanding mistaken identity experience, follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page or go to patreon.com and search Mistaken Identity Podcast for all the ways you can sign up to access this multitude of additional content. Mistaken Identity is also now a part of the Unconfined Network, which is a home to many podcasts whose hosts have met inside the walls of Wrigley Field. To check out the network's other show offerings, head to unconfinednetwork.com. That's all one word, Unconfined Network. Com to view all of our shows and their catalogs. Shouts out to Frank Walker, Jesse Graham, and Jordan Burks for their continued efforts both in front and behind the scenes to keep Mistaken Identity rolling along every week. And of course, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. This is Joe Flaherty for the Mistaken Identity Podcast saying stay safe, and we'll catch you next time beyond the ballpark. Hey, it's Frank from the Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark podcast. Listen, I get so many messages, emails, phone calls about investing because I talk about it so much on this show that I can't respond to them all. But what I've decided to do is do a class on Patreon for all of our supporters in two categories. For those that are 40 and under and those that are 40 and older because investing is different based on your age. I get asked, Frank, what is an NFT that these young folks are talking about? What is cryptocurrency? Or I hear about Frank. Is it time to readjust my 401k? What's the best life insurance to get? What about life insurance that has living benefits? Or the big one, I just got a raise at my job. It's 2%, but inflation is 7%. Did I really get a loss? I have also noticed a trend. A lot of parents and or grandparents are starting to understand that the cost of college is skyrocketing. And they know that it is better to invest when your child is younger as opposed to later on. And I've recently been talking about how I have gotten some real estate and some stocks and some other investments into Jordan's name that he is taking care of if something were to ever happen to me. I'll break all of that down, how I did that, how you leave stuff to your children or loved ones in a will and all that good stuff on these investing sessions. Talking about all that and more on our Patreon page every week. Go and get it. Patreon.com slash Mistaken Identity Podcast. Let's get investing 
and generational wealth together.